When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got worries, all the noise and the hurry seems to help. I know. Downtown, just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Linger on the sidewalk where the neon signs are pretty. How can you lose? The lights are much brighter there. You can't forget all your troubles, forget all your cares. So go downtown. Things will be great when you're downtown. No final place for sure. Don't hang around and let your problems surround you. There are movie shows downtown. Maybe you know some little places to go to where they never close. Downtown, just listen to the rhythm of a gentle bossa nova. You'll be dancing with them too before the night is over. Happy again. The lights are much brighter. Forget all your troubles, forget all your cares. So go downtown, where all the lights are bright. Downtown, waiting for you tonight. Downtown, you're gonna be alright From 1965, Petula Clark, downtown. That's where I am right now. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show, live from downtown Las Vegas. I'm not at the Rio anymore. I'll be back at the Rio tomorrow, because tomorrow I'm in main event day three. For the first time in four years, I am returning to day three of the main event, and I actually have decent ships, not even a short stack, so... We'll talk about that tonight, along with many other World Series of Poker Week 6 stories. Uh, I am in a hotel I've never been at before. I actually haven't stayed downtown in uh, 13 years. The last time I stayed downtown was when poker player Thy Prez, some of you might remember him from Poker Stars, admittedly a big fish, but Thy Prez gave me his Four Queens room, which was... A total dump, but he gave it to me free, so I took it. And I stayed there. And why did he give me his four queens room? He was actually 
in Vegas in the summer of 04 to play the main event. He won a seat through stars. He didn't cash, but he won a seat through stars. But he gave me his four queens room, which he got as part of his stars package because he already had a comp suite at Harrah's, which he wanted to use to impress a prostitute. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. He, for some reason, he thought it would be better if he gets like, you know, he's going to buy a high class prostitute if there really is such a thing. And he didn't want to bring her to a crappy room in the Four Queens, so he went and got a comp suite at Harrah's, you know, as if the prostitute's going to care where he's staying. So I got his Four Queens room, and, yeah, it was better than paying because I was out of comps at the time. And just like then, 13 years later, I am again out of comps for the moment, and I am staying at the uh, Golden Nugget right now. That's where I am downtown. Don't try to call me. Don't try to call me at the Golden Nugget, but that's where I am. And, um, in fact, I forgot to take the phone off the hook. The question, should I stop the show to take the phone off the hook? I don't know. I know somebody's going to call there. I shouldn't have said where I was. I give you guys way too much information. Anyway, that's where I am. And uh, I'm at the Golden Nugget thanks to the generosity of a listener. I'm not going to say who unless the person wants to take credit. But someone uh, generously gave me this room. And then I had some problems checking in. Through no fault of the person who gave it to me, they did everything correctly, but uh, the the Golden Nugget was very difficult, and uh, I finally got into the Golden Nugget, and that's where I am right now, that's where I'm doing the show. Now, if you hear, like, a, I don't know if you guys can hear, like, a little uh, sound of uh, a background, either hum or blowing sound, that is because the air conditioner is close to where the desk is here. It's not even much of a desk, it's like a little circular table. But uh, that's where the AC is. So my choices are to roast here while doing the show or have a little bit of a background. <sighs> I'm not sure if you can hear it or not. If it's too terrible, I'll turn it off. But I, I have to imagine you either can hear it or it's kind of moderate. Though I think I yelled at Trader Ruski before when he was at the Golden Nugget and had that in the background. So I'm being a bit hypocritical to leave it on right now. Anyway... Uh, the free roll tonight is at 8.40 p.m. Pacific time, as it usually is. It takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. But something is different tonight. Something is very different about the free roll. You register normally. Uh, you know, the usual rules apply. You have to look at all the rules, whether you qualify for the free money, at PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. And the... Sorry, I got distracted here for a second with the text. But uh, PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll is where all the rules are for whether you qualify for the free money we're giving away tonight. And it takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. Totally free. Does not require any play chips even. Just totally free to enter. And we pay you real money when you win. Real cash money, not crappy chips on a poker room. You really get... See, look at this. I knew I should... Okay, now see, you guys are forcing me to turn the... Now I have to go all the way across the room. I bet this doesn't happen on the 2 plus 2 poker cast. Hang on. Okay. They never say who they are either. They never say who they are. They just sit there. I even said who's calling, and the person didn't say. So, okay, I took it off the hook. You can't do it again. 
But anyway, that's where I am tonight. And I'm returning to main event uh, day three. Bit of a drive from here, but you know, the point is it's free. That's the point. And uh, anyway, tell me about the free roll. I keep getting distracted. The free roll is a $38 plus 50 free roll. Now, usually plus means the entry fee. That wouldn't be a very good free roll if that was the entry fee. If you had to pay $50 entry fee and 38 went to the prize pool. That sounds like something that, that uh, the Rio would do, actually. But no. The plus 50 came from Solomon. Remember Lollaman, Solomon? Anyway, he gave $50, except it's not going to go to traditional spots of first, second, third, fourth. It's going to go to 10th place and 19th place. Those are the spots that will be paying that usually don't pay. And the weirdest thing is 10th place is the best prize by far in this free roll. <laughs> so here's how the $88 free roll breaks down, the 30 plus 50, or 38 plus 50. First place is $20, probably the lowest first place we've ever had. Second place is $11. Third place is $7. Then if you finish 4th through ninth, you get nothing. 4th through ninth in this free roll gets a grand total cumulatively of 0.0. Then 10th place is $40. $40 for 10th place. Then 11th through 18th place, again, will be paying 0.0. But 19th place is $10. So the third best prize in this tournament, and almost the second best prize, or sorry, sorry, the, the fourth best prize and almost the third best would be 19th place. The best prize by far is 10th place, and then first, second, third. Kind of weird. So you're playing for 10th for sure. When there's 11 left, you've got to just start shoving it in. And it's kind of a weird tournament. If you think about it, this makes it interesting because... You're trying to lose at 10th place, so you don't want to have such a big stack that you can't bust 10th, but then if you don't bust 10th, then you've got to try to win it. So it's interesting. I wonder if one day something like this really will take place at a casino. I'm not even joking. This would be kind of fun in a way, just for something different. I'm not saying every tournament should be like this, but just as a fun change where you're trying to lose all your chips for a specific spot, but then if you don't get that one spot, then you're going to want to win it from that point. So that's definitely what this is. Starts at 8.40. There's 25 minutes of late registration. That means until 9.05 Pacific time. The money this week, aside from the 50 from Solomon, $15 came from Allen, $8 came from Narakil, and $15 came from Norwegian listener Mr. Smith 9999 He really listens from Norway. So thank you to the four of you for your generous donations. We still have $50 from C-Money that we'll be using next week. Uh, I also want to uh, let you guys know that the show will be taking a small hiatus, not next week, but the week after. So follow the Poker Fraud Alert Twitter. That's twitter.com slash Poker Fraud Alert for the information. But basically next week it should be the normal Wednesday show, unless, unless I make it super, super deep in the main event, and I really hope I do. Unless I make it super, super deep and I'm still in a week from now then I'm not sure if it'll be a show. In fact, I, I don't think there can be because I think I'll be playing every day until I bust starting tomorrow. 
But uh, that's the right now. The regular schedule is a week from today. But then after that, uh, the, the next week will not have a show. So uh, follow the Poker Fraudler Twitter for that information. So I'll tell you guys a bit about. Uh, well, let me let me just give you the whole agenda and all the other intro stuff. And then we'll get going. This won't be a super long show tonight because I have to play at 11 a.m. tomorrow, and I have to drive down to Vegas since I'm not as uh, I'm not right there at the Rio right now. The Call to Listen line is a very useful phone number that you can use. It's been up for about more than a year and a half. But you can use it to listen to the show wherever you are with any phone in the world which can dial. You don't need a smartphone. You don't need the Internet. You don't need a strong cell phone signal. You don't need a data plan. All you need is any phone that can dial. That phone number is 712 775-8162, 712-775-8162, 775-8162, 712-775-8162. It's not a call-in number. You can't speak to me on that number, but you can listen to the show live on that number, and you can also listen to our streaming reruns when we're not live. It'll just pick one of our more than 225, 230, whatever it is, shows that we've done in the history of the show, and it will pick one randomly, run it in full, then pick the next one randomly, run it in full, and you can just... Call up and listen to as long as you want. As long as you want. It doesn't cost me a penny, no matter how much you use it. It's, it's a flat rate thing. So enjoy it. 712-775-8162. If you want to call into the show, the phone numbers are 775-FRAUD55. 775-372-8355 is what that translates to. And you can also call the Mount Charleston line. The Mount Charleston line is located in a cabin in Mount Charleston. It's about 45 minutes away from Vegas. It's nice and cool in the summer there. 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. It's an old 70s rotary phone. Forwards to wherever I go. You cannot text that number, but you can call it. 702-430-1808. If you forget any of these phone numbers, just go to the radio page on Poker Fraud Alert, and you will see them all listed. That includes the call to listen line. If you want to chat during the show, just go into the chat room, and you need a Flash-enabled device, plus you need a Poker Fraud Alert account in good standing and validated. Someone messaged me today that they never got the confirmation email. They registered, but they didn't get a confirmation email, and they can't post. So if you've registered and you can't post or there's some problem with your account, just email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, or text me 775-372-8355, and I'll take care of it for you. So, I think that's it. I think we can get going with the agenda and then the show. So, I'll tell you guys about that check-in fail. It's not a very entertaining story, so I won't take too long with it. Then, I also try to sign up for the Golden Nuggets 24K uh, Players Card program and get a status match to their second highest card, which I thought I was entitled to. Well, I am and I'm not. It's, It's a very schizophrenic offer. And I only found this out today when I tried to redeem it. I'm going to try to still push to see maybe if they can make an exception. But this is the dumbest policy. I'm going to explain it to you guys. It's, it's nothing that's being done to me. I did, I, you know, nothing is being done to me personally. It's just a really dumb policy that makes no sense. I'll explain that to you guys. Then we'll go into the World Series stories about my main event day three that's coming up. I can't talk about the day three yet, but I can talk about days one and two and the fact that I made day three and how I'm feeling. I made a TV table for ESPN which aired yesterday, sort of. 
I will explain. There's a lot of outrage right now at the World Series of Poker over a certain logistical issue. I bet you're thinking it's the players' cards or the playing cards. No, it's not the cards. I bet you're thinking that it's having to do with registration. No. I bet you're thinking it's about some kind of bad ruling or stupid rule they have in place at the World Series. No. So what is the major outrage at the World Series of Poker right now, especially about the main event? It's about the bathroom. (laughs) But it's legitimate outrage, and I noticed it, and in fact it made me miss either one or two hands. And it's not what you think. It's not just, oh, there's long bathroom lines. We've had that every year. This year has a real problem, and the Rio dropped the ball big time. So we'll talk about the bathroom controversy raging at the World Series. Speaking of controversy at the World Series, Luke Vrabel. Remember we had him on the show? He was kind of drunk. And, uh, in fact, I was mostly on his side, but he was... uh, I think he was so used to adversarial reactions that uh, he was believing that I was just that I was against him, but I wasn't. I wasn't against him. I, you know, I try to be neutral, but I was more on his side than not on his side. And I was trying to tell him that, but you know, he's he's mad because the poker media. Oh, whoa, that's loud. Calwat, hello. How you doing, bro? Hi. Okay, there it's quieter. Okay, okay. So, uh, where are you right now? I'm in Tokyo. In Tokyo. Okay. So no monsoons, it's just, a, just in Japan. And what no is, monsoons, but it's hot as balls. I was going to ask you, what's Japan like in the summer? So I guess it's hot and humid there? I believe New York is, I believe New York is about the same uh, latitude. Mm-hmm. Is it latitude or longitude? Latitude. latitude. It's latitude, yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty similar to New York City. Which, as you know, you probably know, New York City can get super hot. Yeah, I, I was only there in the summer once. Uh, it was in yeah. August of '02, and it was awful. It was like during a heat wave and humid. It was terrible. So, yeah. uh, so I, I'm happy to have you on the show. It's just, it's just very, very noisy in the background. So I don't know what we can, do, we can do here. Well, I can try muting it, um, and also hold on. Let me, let me just try something real quick. Well, uh, is that any better? Um. The whole thing kind of got louder. It's like you're louder and uh, you're louder now, but the, actually, this is better at the moment. It's, it's still a little bit. It I feel, is better. I'd still like it if you mute it when I'm talking, but yeah, other than that, it's, yeah. uh, it, it, is, it is an improvement, yeah. Because the other one was with headphones, and this is with just me talking on the phone. Yeah, this is definitely better, in fact. This one isn't okay. bad. It's a I'll little... just mute it Okay. most of the time, and I, I'm probably not going to be able to be on for too long. But Okay, that's fine. We'll that's do fine. all we can. Whatever we can have, is, uh, I'll appreciate. Okay. So that's uh, Cal Watts here from, from Tokyo. I mean, this is, this is a real trooper here calling in. Uh, every week we've had this show from his Asia trip. It's not easy to do. And fortunately, we start this show late, so the time zone for him, it's not even that bad. I mean, I guess they're doing things during the day, but it's not like it's middle of the night for them. It's actually uh, kind of like middle of the day in Tokyo and the other spots he's been at in Asia. So anyway, going on what I was saying in the, in the intro here, Luke Vrabel, we're going to have him back on because Luke Vrabel didn't just, uh, he wasn't just angry at the World Series as he was last month. Now he has been officially banned from all Caesars properties and, of course, the World Series. He said he'll come on tonight. Um, I'm a little bit concerned to have him on. I don't want, like, the drunk rambling again. So I'm going to tell his story first, and then we'll uh, we'll put him on. And if he's drunk, I'll cut it short. If he's not drunk, then... Uh, We'll make it a longer interview. I just don't like having drunk people on the show. It's just very, it's always very, very hard to reason with them. 
Some people are, are good drunk. Some people can drink and you can't even tell. But some people, when they're drunk, they get very aggressive and they, they don't let you get a word in and they don't really... It's hard to reason with them. That's the hardest part. Like, you can just say something which makes sense to everybody who's sober and to the drunk person it won't make sense. But anyway, he got banned from all Caesars properties and I'll tell you what he told me in Twitter. And uh, I'll give you a recap of what had happened originally to kind of start off this whole problem about a month ago. They're all related. Uh, speaking of poker players kicked out of the Rio, a, a, a fairly unknown poker player got kicked out of the Rio because he had fireworks in his room. Not very smart, and you might wonder, how did the Rio catch him? Was he setting off the fireworks in the room? You're going to laugh when you hear how he got caught. Finally, Chris Ferguson, he's still in the running for Player of the Year, and it looked like at one point that he was almost surely going to take the lead in Player of the Year and very well win it as well as win a bracelet. But we'll talk about what ended up happening and where he stands right now. A little bit of an update to Alec Torelli's story. His... uh, Wikipedia has been modified by someone we all know. It's been very it's very funny too, though it's been changed back somewhat, but there's still some remnants of the modifications. Last week we said we were going to talk about a weird poker player who reported America's card room to the FBI after claiming they reopened his account after he asked them not to. We're going to cover that story this week. A story I've been meaning to cover and keep forgetting. Trooper ninety seven, a famous vlogger well, poker-famous vlogger, is now in a weird collusion scandal. So we'll talk a bit about that. The the Trump Taj Mahal has gotten rid of all of its internal stuff. Everything on the inside has been auctioned off. We'll talk a bit about that auction and what you could have gotten. Finally, Ustake, a company which briefly owned Tasty Steaks, which is currently owned by CalWatt and was started by Cowat. Ustake is in a legal battle over the legality of online staking, and they are filing uh, court papers about uh, about that situation, trying to get it dismissed. Uh, Did we lose Cowat? We did. Let's throw him back. Now now it's noisy again. It's noisy again. Okay, here we go. It's better. Yeah, yeah, I'll fix it. I hit the wrong button. Okay. (laughs) So... That's our agenda for tonight. I'm not going to take too long with everything because uh, I don't want the show to go too late. I, I, I slept a massive amount of time, a massive amount of time. I was exhausted after last night. I, I had a hard time sleeping the night before. So my sleep schedule has been all weird because I would sleep really long on the off days. And then, of course, when you sleep really long and wake up in the afternoon, then it's hard to go to sleep early the next night. But uh, but I also had trouble sleeping. And uh, so... I didn't get that much sleep the night before day two. I was fine. I mean, I was fine. But by the time it was over, I was very tired. And uh, I slept a long time, like 11 hours after day two. So I can't go to sleep really early tonight, but I do have to get up and you know, get ready and drive to the event and be there in my seat by 11. So, And I obviously don't want to, I don't want to be tired on day three of the main event. That's a very important spot. We'll talk a bit about... Uh, that when we get to it. But right now, I'm going to start off talking about the Golden Nugget. I have not stayed downtown in 13 years, as I just told you guys before. Downtown, for those of you that don't know, was once the major tourist destination of Las Vegas. That's where you would go back in the 60s, back in the 70s, back in the 80s. 
the strip was it existed but it, it just wasn't uh the place you would go to it was kind of a place a little bit away from the action where other hotels existed downtown was the place you would go you would go to fremont street in fact even if you didn't stay on fremont street even if you didn't really want to visit street fremont street uh something that everybody did at some point was just take a drive down fremont street to see all the lights and all the interesting signs in fact there's the famous cowboy the neon cowboy that's uh that's pointing you into one of the hotels. I'm forgetting which one. I was disappointed because when I walked down Fremont Street last time, uh, the cowboy was actually turned off. He was there, but he was turned off. That was very that was blasphemous to Vegas to turn off the cowboy. So anyway, I remember that. I remember back in the 70s, my parents uh, would take me to Vegas and we'd drive down Fremont Street. They they were not they didn't go downtown. They weren't into downtown, but they they would drive down the street, down Fremont Street, and showed me it. And I remember when I saw it for the first time, it just looked so cool. All the the lights. And, uh, you know, people who see Vegas today would take it for granted. But back in the 70s, this is a very big deal. Even the 80s is a big deal. So uh, the Strip really took over starting in 89 when the Mirage showed up. The Mirage was the first uh, real big resort on the Strip and really changed. uh, It was really a different type of property than had existed in Vegas before. And then all the others followed. There was a lot of construction in the early 90s, and by the time 96 rolled around when the Bellagio came into an existence, then much of what you see on the Strip today was already there. Not everything, like the Cosmo came later and the Aria came later, obviously, but uh, much of what you see on the Strip was there by 96. So by then the Strip took over completely, and the downtown was very secondary. Uh, Downtown, they realized over there that they had to make a change because they were rapidly losing tourists so they created something called the fremont street experience and the fremont street experience is actually they turned fremont street into a walkway so you can't you couldn't drive on fremont street anymore they closed a big section of it and they actually put a roof over it with lights that all combined to make like a little movie screen so they would have little shows on the roof of, you know, not not full-length movies or anything, but they would show different little things they produced for it. And it was pretty cool. And it's still there. So that's what Fremont Street is currently. I remember when Larry Laffer came this summer and we showed him downtown. I was explaining to him that it wasn't always like this. It, it was once just a regular street you drive down. So people who come to Vegas that hadn't been here in the 70s and 80s and didn't know the history, they don't even realize what Fremont Street once was. Uh, but I don't really find a reason to go downtown uh, there's, I, I don't think the games are very good downtown for the most part. Uh, there's just nothing really for me to do there. Downtown has become more of the working class version of the strip, to be honest. That's, uh, that's why a lot of people like it. And it's not just the hotel, the hotels being cheaper. It's just the, the whole environment there is aimed more at the working class person and the more middle class, upper class person, uh, the strip is aimed at. And so I just... I, I go down occasionally. The parking thing annoyed me at the downtown because uh, it used to be, and this is for decades, it used to be that you would walk, you would drive into Binion's, you'd park there, you'd get a ticket, and you just walk into Binion's and there's a little machine that just stamps it and validates it. And Binion's was very aware that what people were doing was just parking there and, and doing exactly that. You, you weren't pulling one over on them. They're, they're very wise to that, or they were very wise to that. 
But they figured it was worth it because a certain percentage of the people walking in would say, oh, look, cool. I want to play this blackjack game. I want to play this roulette game. I want to play this slot machine. So a certain percentage of the people while walking in to find that machine to validate the parking would find interest in various games running there. So they figured it was worth letting people park, even those who really were just going to go in, validate the parking, and leave. I think they also only gave you four hours. Like, the whole parking thing was annoying because I know it's changed recently, but up until recently, the strip parking was totally free for as long as you wanted to be there. And downtown, even if you did that Binion's trick, you still only had, like, four hours. So it was always kind of annoying to me. It felt like they were still living in the past as far as the parking situation. That they should just give free parking all over downtown. People will probably be more willing to come there. Because some, some people didn't want to hassle with it or didn't even know you could do that with Binion's. About two years ago, I found a disturbing situation with Binion's, though. Without any notice to anybody, they changed the whole thing to where you can't just go in and get it validated. And you had to play for, quote, 20 minutes to get it validated. And that pissed me off because if I had known this, if they put a sign up, we've changed our policy, you must play 20 minutes to park here, then I would have had to make a decision. Okay, am I going to play 20 minutes or am I going to go park somewhere else or am I just going to pay? But no, they, they had this policy where you could just get it validated for nothing for decades. Everyone got used to it. Everyone knew about it. And then they pulled a bait and switch on you once you're parked in there, once you've already gotten your ticket. Aha, uh-huh, uh, you got to play 20 minutes or pay. So that pissed me off. So out of uh, protest to that, because they was, I felt like it was a dirty trick, I uh, I just pretended to play for 20 minutes. I just kind of sat there. I was with somebody else. We just like talked for 20 minutes, and then I just went and cashed out my ticket where I didn't play a thing. And... Uh, when to get my validation. That was two years ago. Uh, I can actually park for free here because I'm a hotel guest. So that's good. Anyway, um, here's what happened with the hotel check-in. So someone, I'm not going to say who again because I'm not sure if they want themselves identified, but they can't identify them. They, they can do it if they want. I, just, I don't like outing anyone who does me any favors because I don't want others to hassle them for favors as well. So I never like outing people who do anything for me because I don't want to get them bugged by others. It's like biting the hand feeding me. So someone contacted me and said that uh, they could get me a room at the Nugget, but they wouldn't be able to be there to check me in. That's always the hardest part. When a third party gets you a room at a hotel, the hardest part is the check-in, because the person has to physically be there. But this person was able to pull some strings to where... Okay, the person said they just texted me they don't care. So it was Trader Ruski, and I appreciate that. Trader Ruski is such a nice guy. He really is. And uh, a very generous person, very, very nice person, and uh, just always does favors without ever asking for anything back. And I've known him for years, so it's not even like uh, he's, he's setting up something to ask for something much later. I mean, I, I've known him for many years now through these various sites. And uh, so I, I, in addition to helping with co-hosting radio and doing a lot of other things behind the scenes that help out. Uh, so he, he offered me to get me a room at the Nugget, but he wasn't here to physically check me in. So he was able to pull some strings because he had some influence at the Nugget to where I could just show up there and check in, that basically uh, it would be taken care of. I won't go into all the details. It's boring. But I showed up to the front desk, and they said no. <laughs> they said, no, you can't check in. You, you can't do that. We're not allowing it. So it was so frustrating. They were just saying, no, no, no. I put them on the phone with him. They still told him, no, no, no. So he had to go through some back channels to 
push it through. They claim they made a, a management uh, decision back in April to change the whole policy about this, which I guess he hadn't done this for someone since April. So nobody knew until you know you get the bad news, you go to the front desk, and they won't let you check in if a third party had, had arranged it for you. So he had to uh, talk them into just doing it. I, I even offered, look, if take my credit card. If there's any problem... Uh, because the host it was arranged through wasn't there at the moment. I said, take my credit card. How about just, you can hold it, you can even run an authorization on it. And if there's any problem, then just charge me for the, for the night. Because I knew there wouldn't be a problem. I knew it would be fine. They just couldn't verify it at the moment. Because that host wasn't reachable. So I said, how about that? No, we can't do that either. Well, why not? If you run the authorization, then you're basically holding that money on my credit card. You could, you know, we won't do it. So anyway, he got it taken care of. And none of this was his fault. Uh, they were just idiots over there, and they made a dumb management decision in, in, in April to stop that. And uh, fortunately, Trader Ruski was able to apply the right pressure on them. But this whole thing took time. And not only that, I don't know the Golden Nuggets well, so I was, I was walking everywhere. And I'm someone I never use Bell services to bring up my luggage because uh, it takes forever, and I also don't trust them. Not so much about stealing, but that they won't drop something, they won't mess something up. So I always carry my own luggage. And this is one time I wouldn't have if I knew what was going to happen because I was dragging all my luggage everywhere around the nugget. I didn't know where I was going. I was walking in circles a few times. So I, I thought I was just going to go in and check in. It'd be easy. So uh, um, anyway, I got my workout today. Thank you to Trader Ruski, even with all the fail that occurred, which was not even 1% his fault. It was 0% his fault. But even with all that, I'm very happy he did that, and I very much appreciate it because uh, otherwise uh, my other option was to break out the Jew wallet and pay for uh, pay for a room for two nights. I can go back to the Rio on Friday, but um, yeah, that was my only, uh, only other option. I have to be away from the Rio, at least from the hotel, for two nights before I can return on my next comp. They've gotten very hard line about it, too. I tried to get the exceptions made, but it, it failed. I've gotten made, I've gotten the made before, but this this time I couldn't do it. This time I had to leave. So here I am at the Golden Nugget, and and so far you know the internet uh, it was saying it's only five megabps, but I figured it would be okay because as I've mentioned before, when I'm doing the show, I'm actually uploading, not downloading. And uploading is not typically done very much by hotel guests. Hotel guests when they're going to websites and whatever, it's, it's almost all downloading and very very little uploading. So. Almost all of the traffic is coming to the guest's computer, not from the guest's computer. So when I'm doing the show, I'm actually mostly uploading. It's the reverse. So it's kind of like uh, driving on a freeway at rush hour the opposite direction of where everyone's going. So I thought it'd be okay. I think okay. It's, it's, I think so far it's been all right. Notice I, I even turned off the air conditioner. So you guys can have a crystal clear listening experience. I will sweat here for your entertainment. So let me tell you about the Golden Nugget uh, status match offer that was a failure. And I won't spend too long on it, but it it amazes me sometimes the policies these casinos have and how much they're shooting themselves in the foot. So I had promoted on this show before and also on the Poker Fraudler forum about a status match, a two-way status match that existed between the Golden Nugget and Caesars Properties. And 
there's a one-way status match between Caesars Properties and uh, a whole lot of different other properties, where if you have uh, higher-tier cards at other properties, you can get a diamond card at Caesars without even playing. But the reverse wasn't typically true, except for the Golden Nugget. So the Golden Nugget had a uh, they, they have a status match where they will give you an elite card, which I believe is the second highest level. Either the highest or second highest. Someone can tell me which one it is. It doesn't really matter. They'll give you an elite card if you are a, uh, I think, a diamond or seven stars. Yes, yeah, diamond or seven stars. It must be the second highest tier they have. Becomes elite at Golden Nugget. And you'll get three months. So, it, it's not as good as Diamond or Seven Stars at Caesars, but it's still something. So I figured, okay, I'm here, I'll do it. So I go to the desk. Uh, it's called the 24K program, you know, like 24 carry, you know, Golden Nugget. There's five Golden Nuggets, and they're all in the same 24K program. So I went to the 24K desk, and I, I, have, I don't have a player's card yet. So I said, I'd like to apply for a player's card, and I'd like the status match to my Seven Stars at Caesars. So the guy tells me, we don't do that. I said, yes, you do. I just read about it. No, 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 we don't. So I said, well, I read it about it on the Internet. It's possible it could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure what I read was uh, pretty current and on a reliable site. So can you make sure? So he went and got the manager. And the manager said, oh, well, there is one, but it's only at the Golden Nugget Laughlin, not the Golden Nugget Vegas. I said, but wait a minute, aren't you the same ownership aren't you using the same rewards program isn't it the same 24k rewards program she said yes she says but here we only match cards from all other golden nuggets so if you earned uh, elite at laughlin we would match that here but not you can't do the status match to other properties only laughlin would do that i go well, wait a minute couldn't i go to laughlin and then get my seven stars card matched to elite there and then bring the elite card back here and then you'd match it without having to play at all? And she said, yes. <laughs> I said, so wait a minute. How does that make any sense? So you're treating it like, uh, you know, like the, the 24K program at Laughlin is operating differently, yet you'll match to it. <laughs> so, so I could get matched over there and only over there, but once I get matched there, then you'll match me here. So basically what you're telling me is if I want to start off at Elite and not start off at the bottom tier, I've got to make the 95-mile drive to Laughlin and back just to do that. And she said, yes. <laughs> and, and keep in mind, this isn't like a promotion, like you have to play a lot at Laughlin, no, nothing. You just have to walk into Laughlin, the, the Golden Nugget there, which is 95 miles away from Vegas, show them your Caesar 7 Stars card that's valid, they will match you. Then you can walk out of the casino, drive back to Vegas, go to Golden Nugget Vegas, and they will match you at that point. And I said, that's ridiculous. I mean, if, if I want to play here and I want to start off at a Elite, which you're offering as part of the 24K program, which is part of all five casinos, why, why make it to where just one casino will let me do that? Like Caesars, as many dumb things as they do, they don't do that. They don't ever have it where only one Caesars casino will let you get uh, uh, matched up to such and such, especially you know, so close to each other, 95 miles. Like, it's, it's so close yet so far away. I'm not going to make a 190-mile round trip for the whole thing. 
In fact, you're not even getting that much by becoming Golden Nugget Elite, and it's only for three months, so I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't go all the way 95 miles to do this, even if it's just one way. But it's so stupid. Like, either have it or don't have it. I'm fine if they cancel it. I'm fine if they're done with the promotion. But it's just so weird to have only one of the five locations doing it. So if I'm willing to drive to Laughlin and drive back, I can be elite without putting a penny in their machines. If I'm not, tough luck on me, I start at the bottom. And I realize it's their right to run the program whatever the way they want. I don't have a right to elite. But it's just stupid. It just makes me not even want to play here. I was like, I was considering actually uh, running some action here. But I, I don't want to start at the bottom. So they said, oh, you can talk to some hosts. Maybe they can you know, get an exception made. I said, you know, I, I'm just, I have to go do things. So what I really meant is I have to go up to the room and get radio ready like really quickly because I've wasted so much time already trying to check in. And uh... See, I was able to keep my Rio room until about 5, and I slept very late. So I figured, okay, that's plenty of time to go, you know, Drive between the Rio and downtown, stop somewhere to eat quickly, check in, and I'll have plenty of time to start the radio by around 7. But I, I didn't expect all the issues which occurred. So that's, that's where that stands. Let, let, me, let, me, uh, let me talk about the World Series. Take a quick glance at the chat room here. Um, no, just a bunch of people... Uh, Talking back and forth, not really about the show. Anyway, have fun, guys. <laughs> I think people are, like, Darkstar and some other people are fighting. McFicon, Solomon, Real Talk. Yeah, Real Talk says Druff's going to be so disappointed by chat. You don't, you don't even know. I, I was so sure I'm going to see all this, like, oh, wow, that's an outrage about that 24K program. That's terrible. I agree with you. No, none of that. Yeah, Solomon's in the chat. He just, this is the quality chat we're getting here. Solomon just said, I don't have slanty eyes. <laughs> Solomon is Asian, by the way. So, he's, uh, someone said he has slanty eyes and he can't see out of his eyes because he's Asian. He said that he doesn't have slanty eyes. He says it's rare for an Asian. I, Solomon, I, I've seen pictures of you, and I didn't notice your eyes look different than other Asians. I mean, if if I was asked, does Solomon have slanty eyes? I, I hate to say this after you gave fifty dollars to the free roll. I'd probably have to say yes. He's like, I I didn't notice your eyes looked any different than any Asian guy I've met before. I, I can take a look again. I I admit I wasn't looking into your eyes, but that's that's what I noticed. Edra, yeah, <clears throat> can you hear me or is it? Too yeah, much I, 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 I can hear you. So I think probably what he's talking about is uh, there's this thing called a double eyelid. Yeah. That I, you know, if you're Asian and you have a baby, you're paranoid because you want to make sure he's got the, the double eyelid. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. So without it, the the eye the eyelid doesn't like kind of fold in, so it does look like it's slanted over. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what he's talking about. Or another, uh, my wife's sister calls it sesame eyes, where their <laughs> eyes kind of look like sesame seeds, you know. Um, but it, it definitely is a thing. And it is, there's a definite difference between uh, Asians that have the single eyelid and the double eyelid. And believe it or not, they have uh, surgery, a pretty popular surgery for correcting. 
Now, if now, what about uh, children of of, of uh, Caucasian parent and an Asian parent, like like your children? Uh, do they do they always get the double eyelid automatically, or? Uh... Yeah, I mean, for the most part, first of all, only some Asians are don't have the double eyelid. Yeah. Um, and then you you know you throw the white bread in the mix, and you got a pretty good shot at. I see. <laughs> not having to worry about. I it. see. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but I mean it's a, it's a surprisingly popular operation uh, in Asia to get that taken care of. Mm, I never knew about this. Interesting. Yeah, so maybe that's what uh, he's talking about, like uh, in terms of whether eyes are slanty or not. Because again, slanty sesame eyes, you know, whatever. <laughs> there are a bunch of different terms for it, but a lot of the time they're talking about the single eyelid versus double. Wow, Solomon wants us to move on now. He he's like, no more, no more eyelid talk. Come on, let's move on. Okay. So let's, uh, yeah, own Mattisau in the chat saying he's hungry for fried rice now. Come on, guys. All right, so let's, uh, let's move on here. I'm going to talk about the World Series. I went into the main event with a fairly disappointing 2017 preliminary World Series. That is everything but the main. I bricked every single event. I threw away a chance to cash in the 3K limit hold'em by showing up late to day two, as I've talked about before. So that was very frustrating, too. I also got deep four times. That is, you know, fairly close to caching. Four times. Went 0 for 4 caching in those. Got deep in a satellite to the 10K limit hold'em. Didn't cash in that. Finally, I got deep in something to cash. The 888 event. The $888 Crazy 8s event on one bullet. It has unlimited rebuys. I did not rebuy. I got uh, 356th place out of uh, 8,120 people. I mentioned that last week on radio. So at least I got the cashing out of the way. It was the 13th consecutive World Series I played since I started playing, where I cashed at least once. So I thought this might be the year that I would not cash at all. So I got that off my back and went into the main event. But the main event has been a bit problematic for me, except for one year. The first four years, 05 through 08, I was out day one. Finally, in 09, I made day two of the short stack, and I got the good news that I was the TV table. Now, this was not like now where the TV table live. They would record it, and then uh, uh, Norman Chad and Lon McCarran would make their commentary later from the recording, and then it would all be on TV months later as if they were commenting on it live. So uh, they put me on the TV table. I was kind of like the, the secondary poker name at the table, believe it or not. The, the primary poker name, and the reason we were the TV table, was Phil Helmuth. But I was actually the secondary name back in 09. And it was the two of us and seven total unknown players. And I busted against Phil. You can still find it on TV, uh, on YouTube, if you go Google Phil Helmuth, Todd Wattellis, WSOP. I flopped a set. He played Queen Deuce suited under the gun and made a flush on the turn. And I was short stacked, obviously. It was an automatic all-in, and he called and slow-rolled me, and I was gone. But what was good about it is I almost got my entire buy-in back with sponsorships. But uh, one of the sponsorships, I got two sponsorships. One of them was attached to me having time on TV. So thankfully, at least I busted against Helmuth. I knew that hand, I knew that hand was going to make TV. A, a full uh, set against a full house. Uh, sorry, set against a flush. Against Helmuth, I, I knew that was making TV. So sure enough, it did, and I got almost my entire buy-in back. I got ninety-two fifty. Out of the 10K back. So I played the World Series for 750 that year, the main event. That was nice. That was my first day, too. 2010, got off to a nice start in the first few levels, was one of the chip leaders. 
then spun my wheels the rest of the day, still finished with a decent day one stack. Then after that, I, I was a short stack every day, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. I, I just stayed in. I wasn't busting. So I made it all the way to late day six and went out 88th. So even though it was disappointing to go out once there's 88 people left, I didn't even feel as disappointed as you would expect because I just felt like I had avoided it for so long. I sat there with a short stack for so long and was able to avoid it. I played the short stack extremely well. And uh, I I was able to get all the way down to the final 88. And ha- in fact, had I won that final hand that crippled me, which was a race, queens against ace-king, I would have been average chips with 88 left. So that would have really given me a shot to really, really go deep. But that's what happened. I'm not even complaining because I, to avoid busting for as long as I did with a short stack from day two through day six, <laughs> late day six was... Uh, I, I can't complain there that I finally lost a, a flip. So I came into 11 very excited, like, oh, wow, I got to day six. wonder what I'll do this year. And got through to day three, got past about 87% of the field, which today would be a cash, but back in 11 was not a cash. So that was frustrating. 2012 started off with a very nice stack at the end of day one. Uh, spun my, my, my wheels on day two, basically finished with the same stack on day two as I had on day one, which wasn't that good anymore. Came into day three with an average stack and uh, misplayed the final hand with aces and busted. Probably about 82% of the field gone. 2013, made another day three. Came in slightly above average for day three. And I played very well in 2013. 2010, 2013 were my best two played main events. 2013, I played very well. I got crappy cards on the day three. And boy, did I do a lot of things to keep myself from busting. I got out of so many bad spots that so many other people would have busted. And the, the people against me were frustrated. They were, they were visibly frustrated. And some were actually telling me how irritated they were that every time they thought they were going to get chips out of me, I was folding at the right time. Like a, and I, I wasn't just folding to everything. I was really reading it so well when I was behind and, and losing the minimum. So that's why it was so frustrating when two people limped. I shoved all in with ace-king, and one of the limpers had aces. And we were 180 spots for the money, again, about 87% through the field. They paid at 90. So again, I didn't cash. 2014, I got a terrible starting table at the main event. Very tough starting table. Then the table broke, and I said, great. They moved me to an even tougher table. <laughs> so I got two horrible day one tables. I busted day one of that main event. Also, I was every time I had a big hand, I ran to a bigger one. Every time I flopped top two pair, I was losing. It was, it was amazing. 2015, I didn't do anything really with day one. Made it through. Came into day two short stacked. Busted. 2016, basically the same thing. So here we are, 2017. And it started to look a lot like 2010. In 2010, I did not cash in any of the preliminary events. The only year that it happened. The only year I cashed in no preliminaries. 2017, I didn't cash in any preliminaries in, except the last one I played. 2010, I started off excellent in the first four hours and was among the top in chips. More than doubling my stack. In 2017, same thing. 
in 2010. After doing that, I spun my wheels and finished with about the same stack I did after the first four hours. After day one, 2017, same thing. Now, we've diverged a bit in that 2010, I didn't have a very good day, too, and finished with about what I came with. And in uh, 2017, my day two was uh, okay, wasn't great, wasn't bad. And I did move up in chips, and I'm still above average. I was 50% above average coming into day two. I'm uh, a little bit above average coming to day three. Had 99K at the end of day one. I have 165K at the end of day two. And it moves very slowly. So you may think, oh, how do you only go up uh, 99 to 165? Actually, that's that's not that bad to go up that much. Like, I'm not as ahead of the field as I was coming into it, but, but I didn't lose that much ground. So wasn't a bad uh, day two. Started off not so well, but uh, once I started to recover, then it, it, I just kind of slowly moved back up. I, I wasn't involved in any big pots. So I'm coming to day three with 165K. We're going to combine all the fields, A, B, and C. Yesterday was just A and B. 1,023 of the uh, 2,954, I think that's the number of answers, 2,954 from A and B. 1,023 total survived from those two flights. So that leaves the average from those two flights is about 144K. Flight C is huge. Over 4,000 people, 3,300 of those survived. Exactly 3,300 survived. 77.4% of the field, I believe, survived day one, which is crazy. I've never seen that before. I think we had like 74, we had 75% from AB surviving, which is still pretty high. So 77 point something survived from C, which had more people than A and B combined. And I don't know how many people are going to be left by the time it's all over. Uh, day two, which is going on right now as we speak. So C is going to combine with us, uh, with A and B tomorrow for a fully combined day three. I'm guessing it's going to have about 2,600, 2,700 people. They pay at 1,084, uh, exactly 15,000. Oh, oh. I was running first time on here. Hello, can you hear me? Cal what? Yeah, I'm here, bro. Okay. Whenever you first come on here, it's really loud, and then it, then, it, then it quiets down. Yeah, I've got these noise-canceling headphones, and I think they just freak out when they're first adjusting to everything. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, I, I was just walking around Tokyo, and I must have hit a dead spot, so it dropped me. So. Okay. Anyway, okay. I'll go back on mute. Okay. So, so 1,084 is where they pay the min cash, and you're only making 5,000, exactly 5,000 if you uh, do that, because you, you get 15,000, but you bought in for 10. Uh, and then it moves up from there. So the, uh, 7,221 people entered, falling just short of the 7,319 that entered in 2010. Another similarity. Very, very close fields in size. 7,221 versus 7,319. They rank as the second and third biggest main event fields ever behind the 8,700-something field of 2006 when Jamie Gold won, which we'll probably never see that again. But still, this is the third highest field, almost the second highest field. So with all the fail, Rio is, you know, they're doing something right, at least with marketing, with getting people interested in playing the main event of the World Series. Obviously, there's still a lot of excitement in general among poker players to play in the World Series. So I'm seeing some similarities between the two uh, the two years, and I, I hope that uh, they continue to be similar. And I, I prefer not to stay short-stacked for all these days. It was very stressful. Like, I have to tell you, I was 
the last two days it was it was it was nice in that I was relaxed. I never felt like I was against the wall, like I might bust, like it might be over, like I I just kind of was able to just relax and play my game. When I played in 2010, I was constantly on edge, constantly like, okay, am I busting next? Am I busting next? Am I busting next? Like, I, I, it just, I constantly felt like I had to watch with every little thing I'm doing that could this be, uh, you know, if I make a small mistake here while I bust, like everything, it was, it was stressful, okay? By the time it was all over, it was a very nice experience. By the time it was over and I, I got uh, 88th place and I said, oh, wow, I made 88th place in the main event. But it was stressful. I was, I was, I never got to just sit on a nice stack of chips, or at least even an average stack of chips after day one, and just say, "Okay, yeah, I'm in this thing here. Okay, I can relax." I was, I was never relaxed. It's kind of like a pitcher in baseball. Every time is allowing runners on base and is always having to pitch his way out of it. That's what I felt like in the, in the main event in 2010. So that hasn't been the case so far, but uh, we'll see how I can go. Tomorrow is a huge day. Well, they're all huge days from this point forward. But what's really huge about day three is if you finish day three with a decent stack, then it's almost certain you're going to cash in day four. I think I think the cash is going to hit day four, like early day four. But if you finish with a decent stack day three, then cashing, barring you know, a real cooler there, cashing is pretty likely. If you bust day three, obviously it's over. If you finish short day three, then you're in trouble, so... Day three is very big. We'll see what happens. And, of course, the blinds are going to start going up a lot more rapidly and people are going to start dropping a lot faster. A lot less opportunity for you to make tight folds or to fold with uh, good second-best hands. Can't do that as much as it goes further and the blinds get deeper and everybody's playing for much smaller effective stacks as far as the number of blinds. So we will see. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about it. I, I haven't been to day three in, in four years. So, we'll see. I, I was only able to see so far two of the people with me. One of them is a Russian guy with 228K. And I, I assume he's probably pretty good, but I have a position on him. And then there's a guy with 64K whose name is David Ritter. And I hadn't really heard of him before, but I Googled him and I recognized him immediately. He's known as the symbol guy. Not the symbol like S-Y-M-B-O-L, but symbol C-Y-M-B-A-L. He brings a very big pair of symbols to the World Series and bangs them together at the start of each level. So loud that if you're across the room, you still hear it. You hear it pretty loud. I'm surprised they allow it. It doesn't interfere with play because he does it just as it starts, but I'll have the pleasure of that at my table Tomorrow, at least until he busts it. He's got 64K, so he may not last that long. But it's just him and the Russian guy right now, and the other six people will be assigned from tonight's field. But I won't probably won't see that till the morning because they, they've been kind of late with posting this stuff. With all the other events, they were blazing fast. Like, sometimes they were so fast that, like, by the time I got back to my room, the stuff was posted. But, yeah, like, so fast, I didn't even understand how, how they could be that fast with entering this info. Because it's not it, it's not fully computerized. They may have the names already working. They just key it a few a few letters and and uh, quickly type stuff in. But uh oh, hey, Russ, do, yeah. do you think the other people at the, the table are doing research on you? I, I bet they are. In fact, I read a, uh, a poke. Yeah. I read looking a po- you up, and they're being like, "Oh, okay, that's the prick who was causing problems with Helmut. He's a rules nit." <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Oh. He starts fights with guys in wheelchairs, like geriatrics in wheelchairs. We've got to watch out for this guy. Right? 
I actually saw a Poker News article recently encouraging people, saying that it's a mistake not to look up your table mates in between days. That's a, they're saying that's a big you know, thing you should be doing, and if you're not doing it, you're making a mistake. Like I, I read a Poker News article that was telling everyone, go do that. But I, I've always oh, done it. true. Yeah, it is true. So It's true, but you don't necessarily want to let everyone know. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, I, was like, I was like, damn, don't post that article. Like, I want people not to think about that. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure people looked me up. Or, or will they, most of the people at the table don't know they're with me yet they, they won't find you know what some of them won't find out someone could google you someone could google you and just the picture of Joe Seabock's cock comes up <laughs> <laughs> right they go what is with this guy what is going on here is he run like a gay porn site or something jeez so uh, I I was on the TV table also sort of so this is what happened I got moved a few times. I got moved twice, actually. I started at table 157, and they were breaking from high table to low table. So 157 broke. Then they moved me to 123. Then they moved me to 96, which is where I stayed the rest of the night. Well, about half an hour after I moved to 96, uh, I saw all the ESPN people gathering around and writing things down. And then then they went and asked for everybody's names, which really meant that they're going to be moving us, which is what happened. So here's the reason we moved. The funny thing is I only instantly recognized one person at the table, and that was Jeremy Osmus. He made the final table in 2012 of the main event. And he, he also knew me. Uh, I don't know how he knew me, but uh, I, think, I, I, I think he knew Mycon also back in the day, so maybe he knew me through Mycon, though I don't remember ever meeting him before. But I remember he, like, he appeared on Mycon's show in 2012, after he had been at the final table. So I, I know, and Mike on had written something like, uh, oh, you know, great to see J- Jeremy Osmus making it. He's such a good guy. And he seemed like a good guy. I liked him. But it, uh, but he knew me, and he knew I was a limit hold'em player, and he was asking me some questions about that. But uh, I didn't recognize the guy directly to my right because he had facial hair, and he's gotten 70 years older, and that would be Jonathan Duhamel. I did not recognize him at first. I thought he was just, uh, you know, kind of a younger but not super young poker player. That was to my right. That that seemed like he was pretty good. Um, I also didn't recognize the guy to my direct left. And that was uh, NBA player, former NBA player, who's now 44 years old, Bob Sura, who played on the Cleveland Cavaliers in the 90s and some other teams. So that was why. The funny thing is they, they probably within 20 to 30 minutes when I sat down is when they decided to make us the TV table. So... Jeremy Osmus said, and he wasn't even joking, that he thought I was like the tipping point, that, that my presence there was what made it the tipping point. But nobody knew that was Bob Sura there on seat one. So I have to think that he was more the tipping point. I don't know when he got moved to the table, but uh, he was there before I was. But I have to think the reason for the TV table was Bob Sura, Jeremy Osmus, and especially uh, Jonathan Duhamel, who won in 2010, the year I finished 88th. You might wonder, did I play with Jonathan Duhamel in, ten, in 2010 since we both made it down to the final 88? Answer is no. We did not play at all. But, like, four people at that final table were at the table where I busted from. So, uh, I know Soy Wen was there, Filippo uh, Candio was there, and I think two others. Oh, Jason Senti and one other guy. Like, four people from that freaking table made it to the final, and I didn't. So freaking tilting. Um... But but never played to Jonathan Duhamel. So he was the guy who actually got beaten up not too long after he won the main event 
in his own home because he was set up by this really scummy girlfriend he had. He had a 20-year-old girlfriend. He was he was fairly young at the time, too. He was in his early 20s. But he had this scummy girlfriend who set him up to be robbed. I think she left and purposely left the door open or unlocked. And uh, some dudes walked in and beat him up and then tied him up and told him that they're going to, uh, you know, demanded to know where all his stuff was. So they stole his bracelet. They uh, stole you know, his main event bracelet. They stole a bunch of money from him. And eventually these guys got caught, and I think they ended up telling the police who directed this whole thing, the girlfriend. So they arrested her. She only served like 18 months in prison or something. It's a joke. She should have gotten a much longer sentence for this. You see, he got beaten up pretty badly. He's, he's okay now, but he got beaten up pretty badly then. And, uh, and a lot, some of the money was never recovered. The bracelet was recovered, but it was in horrible shape. I don't know what happened to it, but it was really in very bad shape when they found it. But because of the publicity of this story, Caesars, uh, for, I'm sure, PR reasons, agreed to make a new bracelet for him at no cost. So basically they remade the identical bracelet. So that, that was really crappy. Imagine your girlfriend does that to you. She uh, sets you up to have dudes come in and beat you up and take your stuff. So, and there was a similar story to this, which had a much worse ending in, in England, where it wasn't a girlfriend, but it was a prostitute who pretended to, I think she was a prostitute, whatever. It was just some woman who was 24 years old who pretended to have interest in this uh, rich poker player around there who was in his 50s. Pretended to have interest in him, and then when uh, he brought her back to his place, she let some guys in who beat him up, tied him up, same thing, except they beat him so badly he died. So uh, that was a much worse situation, and they arrested the guys, and they arrested her. And uh, But I think even she didn't get as bad of a sentence as she should have. I thought she should have gotten life in prison for that. And uh, I thought the guys who actually killed him should have gotten the death penalty. But, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of criminal justice in... Non, in some of these non-U.S. countries, like Canada and Europe, I think they're far too lenient in situations like these. Far too lenient. So, I didn't ask Du Hamill about that. It's, it's been a number of years, and I didn't want to be a downer there. Well, Drup, Drup, you'd like the legal system in some of these Asian countries I've been going to. Well, there, there they can be too. Uh, they, they just kill them. That's what I'm saying. There, there they, in some of these Asian countries where you're even going, like Singapore, they're too hard line there, where they, where they'll kill people for things that I don't feel are, are crimes worthy of the death penalty. Like, like yeah. drug crimes and not, stuff like that. Not in Japan. I mean, it, it, the, the interesting thing, though, like in Japan, where we're at now, I mean, everywhere we've been, the cities have been immaculately clean, and there is just no crime. Like, literally no crime. There's, like, almost nothing you have to worry about. I, so, I, I noticed this, too. I noticed this, too, in Japan. When I was in Tokyo, and I was in the, in the late 80s, but I noticed the same yep. thing, that there was no, no crime concern. And it's not a fad. Like, it's been like this for, yeah. forever. It's a cultural, yeah, it's I was, a cultural thing. I was going to say, it is, it is a lot of the cultural thing where they're, they're, you know, there's a lot of reasons. And, you know, the U.S., it, it did, and this is before anyone who's alive now was born. By the way, maybe you should mute it. It's kind of noisy in the background. Okay. Yeah, and the other thing I was just going to say real quick before I muted is that you were mentioning this other situation with the uh, the prostitute. Yeah. And whereas Jonathan Duhamel, it was his girlfriend. That wasn't his girlfriend. That girl was worse than a prostitute. She was basically a prostitute pretending she wasn't one. Yeah, you know? that's true. 
<laughs> at least the prostitute's being honest about what's going on. Yeah. You know? Anyway, go ahead. I'm going to mute it. So, yeah, there, there is definitely a, a cultural aspect to this. People say, oh, you know, the crime in the U.S., it's because of poverty. But no, it's not, because I, I've been to a lot of countries where the poverty is much, much worse than the U.S., and some of these uh, countries have very little crime in the, in the uh, most impoverished places. The standard of living isn't very good, but there's no crime or very little crime. So there's definitely a, a cultural problem in the U.S. with, uh, with violence. And it's, been, it's existed from the time before any of us were born, before anyone alive today was born. It goes way, way back. And uh, the U.S. hasn't completely shaken it. But it's, it's, people think it's about uh, the economy and, uh, you know, if, if only certain people, they had more money, they wouldn't commit these crimes. That's, not, that's true maybe for some of them, but, it, but most of the reason for the crime that we have in the U.S. is cultural. And until that changes, it's going to continue. And, uh, and you can see that by going to other countries where it's poor. Even within the U.S., there are some small towns which are fairly poor and there's no crime because the culture of those towns, it, it uh, doesn't lend to that. There, there's, there's some drug abuse, some drug problems over there, but not, not much crime. And I'm talking about the, some of these small U.S. towns. Anyway, that, that's a whole different subject for a different time. But uh, I didn't bring this up to do Hamill. You know, he was nice at the table. You know, if he was a jerk, uh, maybe I would have said something. But, I mean, it wasn't his fault that this happened. Uh, you know, it's a play, it was a pleasant table. Everyone was getting along. Uh, you know, we we're all talking about our kids because uh, Duhamel has kids, Osmus has kids, and uh, they're all around, kind of around. Uh, well, Osmus's kids are around. One of them is the same age as Benjamin. Uh, Duhamel's kids are a little bit younger. But, uh, you know, I wasn't going to say, oh, and by the way, you know, n- nice hearing about your kids. Uh, so h- how was it with you uh, getting beaten up six years ago by, you know, the friends of your girlfriend? Like, I, I wasn't going to bring that up. It's an unpleasant thing to think about. But I thought about it. I definitely thought about it. Duhamel busted like four hands away from the end of day two. He got it in with Jax versus somebody else's ace-king and lost the race. Osmus didn't do that well. He had a cooler hand where he made a backdoor flush on a paired board. And the guy had made a set on the turn. So uh, he finished probably, I think, like 80K or something. He was like semi-short stacked. But he made it through the day. So uh, it was the three of us sitting in a row. Alan Kessler actually approached and said, oh, well, look at this. This is like murderer's row here. So I was talking back and forth. And he goes, oh, and you know, you're, you're the third. You're the third best among the murderers, he says to me. That's like such an Alan Kessler comment. Like he, Alan Kessler just blurts these things out without caring if he's being rude or not. But I, I didn't care. Like I, I don't care if he says I'm third best next to two people who, you know, one won the main event, one finished ninth in the main event. So. That's fine. I wasn't insulted. <laughs> at least at least he included me in Murderer's Row, though. At least he was saying, like, it's three scary people at the table, and I was one of them, even if I'm the third of the three. So, fortunately, I had position on those two. Not that they weren't playing wild or anything. Like, nobody was playing wild or out of the line. And I should mention that. Something that has definitely changed at the main event of the World Series in recent years is that everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but a large portion of the field is far more cautious than they used to be. Because there used to be the days where people would just, uh, you know, one would get jacks, one would get queens, and they'd go all in on the first day, and that'd be that. Uh, you don't see that anymore. 
you see people in the small blind now when there's an under the gun or under the gun plus one raise in front of them that they're in the small blind with queens. They just call. I'm not saying I do that. I'm just, I'm saying you, it's not even uncommon to see that anymore. It's not uncommon to see people with top pair checking the Turner River, even if it's not a scary board. Uh, some of these plays I don't agree with. Some I think are too conservative and are giving away value. Uh, some of them I do agree with. Some of them I think you're avoiding losing a lot of chips or having to make big folds when people make moves on you, possibly. So that, that's the reason people are doing it. But everyone's now taken the attitude of the main event is so deep and so slow. You start with 50,000 chips and it moves up very slowly. That especially in the first two days, you might as well just stay out of danger. In fact, I've heard people say that if they get aces, while they will put it all in pre-flop, they're not that happy about it because there's still the 20% or more chance that you could lose the hand. So that's very different thinking than there used to be. The, the, the old thinking of the main event was, oh, my God, please have aces. Oh, my God, please, everybody go all in. Like that, That's what everyone was thinking. when was, Now it's like, oh, well, okay, I hope I don't get screwed here. I'd rather not have to put all my chips in in this spot where I'm 80-20. Like, I, that's really the thinking. Now, I have to say, if somebody offered me, would you like to have aces and guaranteed action pre-flop where everybody goes all in, I'd say yes. Because the 20% that I lose there or even if it's more than 20 if I'm against multiple opponents, I'll take those chances with aces because the upside of winning is so much and, the, and it's still, uh, unless there's a whole lot of people in the hand going all in, I'm still more than 50% to win and usually much more than 50. But I kind of understand what they're saying because uh, a lot of p- other people, their, their attitude is just, I want to make it to the later days with a decent stack. And then from there, I'll have to start taking my chances. But I, I want to get that far with a playable stack then I'll start worrying about uh, getting it in where I don't really have a spot where I'm super confident. So a lot of people are very cautious, and this includes a lot of the good players. Like when I had Bryn Kenny at my day two table, I thought, oh, boy, this, he's going to be so wild. He's going to be so difficult to deal with. No, he was he was pretty tight. So... That, that's the new thing everybody's doing. And you have to watch out when you play the main event because if you're betting and people are calling you, they have a lot more than they used to have. It's, it's hard to value bet in these main events in days one and two because uh, sometimes they're going to turn over a hand that's surprisingly strong yet never, never raised you. So that's another reason to check yourself sometimes if you're getting some action is if your hand is just you know, good but not great, you, know, you don't want to bet more, not only because you don't want to get check raised all in or something or check raised with a big raise, but you also are concerned maybe I'm behind even though my hand's pretty good. You know, you've got King Jack, the flop is King 6-4. You bet the flop they call. Uh, there's a very good chance that it's, it's King Queen, Ace King, even Aces I've seen, uh, two pair. Like You'd be surprised at times people are not check raising. Or they're not raising. They're not putting in a single raise. They just let you fire off. So now it's, th- this changes as the as the days wear forward because the blinds get too big, and at that point you can't uh, afford to do that. At that point you have to. Uh, the, no one's deep enough to to play as conservatives like that. But uh, this has really increased over the years. And if you're not aware of this when you're playing days one and two, then there's a good chance you're going to shoot off your stack in in spots where. Uh, you thought you were ahead or you thought you were good. So that's the biggest change I've noticed. But I adjusted to it. I very much adjusted to it. 
and uh, I even I'm not going to go into the whole strategy I was using, but I, I I adjusted both defensively and offensively to it, and and I think the adjustments worked. So uh, day three, I I don't know how that's going to play. I haven't been in a day three in four years, so it'll be interesting. Because four years ago it was it was different, but people have. Uh, there's definitely a, a new style that's taken form at the main event. And and you know what? I, I actually noticed that some of the more successful players are playing that way. It's not even like Fish are playing this way or scared, you know, people who are scared to put action in or play. These, I'm talking about people who are, a lot of people who are very successful in tournament hold, uh, No Limit Hold'em these days are playing this way in the main event. So... Uh, a lot of times you'll see someone at your table that you're going to think, oh boy, this is going to be like a, a super crazy guy. He's going to be super aggressive. He's going to be tough to deal with. <laughs> nope, he's going to probably be playing that style that I uh, just described. Not everybody, but I'm telling you that's become much more prevalent than it used to be. If you, if you drop a player from 2017 and 2007, uh, he'll be pretty shocked by what he sees. <laughs> Unless he's already played in 2007, then he wouldn't be shocked. We will see what happens. Looking at the chat room, there's there's still nothing interesting in the chat room. The chat room really sucks tonight. Mike Ficon said, Druff could make a six-hour segment describing his last shit. Well, okay. Challenge accepted. When I was at the TV table, they moved me there. Um... Well, okay, let me, let, me, let me rewind a little bit. The, uh, during, I think it was the second level. Each level's two hours. So during the second level, you play five levels per day. The second level, I actually did have to take a shit. And it had to go pretty badly. And it was very, uh, very difficult. Okay? In fact, it started kind of the end of the first level. So I, I tried to rush out to the bathrooms there as fast as I could, but I wasn't quite fast enough. And if I just needed to pee, then I was, you know, I was there pretty easily, but the few stalls that were there were already taken. So I knew by the time these guys would get out, there would be no, no more time. So I said, okay, I'll just go back and hold it. Well, that was a, that was a bad decision. So the next two hours, I, my stomach was really hurting. Like I really felt like I needed to go. But I'm like, I don't want to miss hands. <laughs> so I was like, I so didn't want to make... Like, if I had to pee, I guess I, I may have run over there. But I I, I just... just I, I'm going to hold it. So I just, like, held it. My stomach was hurting. It was tough. Well, of all things, I play the final... I probably should have, like, not looked. But I got Queen Jack in late position on the last hand. I probably should have just mucked it. It's not like it was aces. But I played the damn Queen Jack. I flopped an open-ender. The hand ended up taking a little time, and I ended up chopping with another queen jack. We both missed. So we both had queen high at the end. But by then, by that point, like two minutes had been wasted, and, and the bathroom lines were just insane by that point, which is another problem. We'll get to that shortly. So I had no other choice but to go all the way back to my room and take the dump over there. And I knew I would miss hands because, you know, it's a long walk back to the room. I already missed a few minutes, you know, two minutes of the break from playing that hand to go all the way to the room. I had to take the dump there, and then I had to wash my hands and come all the way back. It's, it's, uh, I knew I couldn't accomplish that in 18 minutes. So sure enough, 
Uh, I, I missed, uh, I got there like two and a half minutes in, but I think I either missed one or two hands. I think either, I think the hand took a long time that was right back from break. So I think I only missed one. Anyway, I came back on my big blind. So I, at least I missed, if there were two hands, I missed the best two hands to miss, which was, uh, under the gun plus hey, Drew, one. You know who you got to have call in about, about going to the bathroom? Mac Lance? No, the Hansen kid. Oh, the Hansen. Well, he had a. Mac Lance has been tweeting about it like crazy. No, he just he's very particular. That dude, like, if he goes to like, uh, you know, like a, a sports stadium or whatever. Yeah. Um, he would he would rather just die than use one of the bathrooms. Really? Like, See, I literally not, would rather just die. I'm not like that. I've heard yeah. about this before. I will go to any freaking bathroom. I don't care. I'll go to a freaking outhouse. There just weren't bathrooms for me. Oh. I, just, I just couldn't get to one. No, you, we gotta get we gotta get the Hansen kid to call in because he. I mean, he's very. Yeah, I, I believe him. Like he literally would rather die and be or be taken to the hospital than use one of those. I've places. heard of this before. I've heard of people before. They just they, they like can't use public bathrooms or like they, they just have to either like even going in their own hotel room is tough for them. I don't feel that way at all. I can go to any bathroom anytime. It's it's all the same to me. But I have to be able to get into it. So that, that was the problem here. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care either. So so anyway, I went. Uh, so so yeah, I missed a few hands, but but uh, what could I do? I mean, I really I couldn't hold it anymore, and there was there was no way. I, I guess if I I should have mucked the queen jack, that was my mistake. You know what I think it is, Ruff? I think if if you went camping when you're a kid, then you can take a dump anyone <laughs> because you know because you've dug a hole in the ground and just taken a dump there, and you're like, well, you know, anything is an upgrade from that. <laughs> But if you're uh, a kid growing up and you've never been going camping and you always just, just kind of, you know, kind of been, uh, you know, veal in a way. I don't know. I, I just, I, veal. I just never, I never, <laughs> I never saw, I, it just didn't make a difference to me. It just never seemed like anything I should care about. Uh, so uh, it's just something that's never bothered some people me. Are very, some people are very particular. I'm just saying, maybe if he's listening live or something, we can get the, the Hanson kid to call in about it, but uh, he's definitely gone out of his way to avoid some bathrooms. He just doesn't, uh, not no. his thing. You know, like you said, some, there's a, actually a decent number of people that that's the case. That yes, yes. refuse to use public yeah, I've, bathrooms. I've, I've, had, I've had some tell me that. Yeah, I've been surprised the number of people I've run into that with that. And then there's some kind of in between. Some, like, they can, but they're very unhappy about it, but they, they do it. But, like, I, I really just don't and care. I dropped. Yeah, I'm, I usually don't care either, and I'm pretty brave, and I've seen stuff everywhere. But I honestly, I saw a few public bathrooms in Malaysia that I would, I just would not use. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can imagine there's some awful in part, ones. Well, in part because some of them were like, like the seat was just missing, so it was just like the bare rim, and then there's no toilet paper. There's just a hose. Oh boy. I'm like, uh, I'm not gonna like hover here and then use a hose and have this. no. I'm just, I'm just not gonna use this one. I remember know? in Thailand, I had to like, you'd have to pay for uh, to use the bathroom and then they give you a set amount of toilet paper and then I had to talk to them right. into giving me more toilet paper. Like they give me like two squares. Well, this I go, was That's in like... Bangkok. This was in Bangkok, right? Yeah. No, no, all over Thailand. Yeah. They were doing so, this. Oh, all over. Yeah. Well, the reason in Bangkok, well, first of all, it's a, uh, you know, it's a cultural thing because a lot of the toilets there they just have a hose. Right, and they use that as kind of a third-party bidet or a third-world bidet. Um, but the other reason is that Thailand has got a very archaic plumbing system, and it can't handle that kind of material being flushed down it. Oh. So they're very, very sparing about. It. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. So that was that was different. And we'll talk more about this when we get to the bathroom segment because there really is a whole bathroom segment to this show. But thank you, Muck Ficon, for bringing that up. 
Anyway, uh, the TV table, we moved over there, and they had us fill out this form about ourselves. And, uh, you know, so we do all this, and then I notice that there's no place for it to read our whole cards. So I realized, well, wait a minute. How's this going to be on TV if they can't even see the whole cards? It can be pretty boring. Uh, I, I asked around, and finally I got the answer that this is the third string TV table. There's the main TV table. Then there's a secondary, and I don't know if the secondary can see whole cards, but the third one, they don't mic anybody up. They do have, like, a, a mic above where they can hear you a little bit, I think, but it's not that good. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Gruff, you're a third stringer now? Yeah, so so even with me, Duhamel, and uh, Jeremy Osmus, and this NBA player, Bob Suro, you know, it's not like he's a, a top-tier NBA player back in his day, but he, he did play for a while. Uh even with the four of us at the freaking table, they, they, we couldn't uh, somehow be the first or second table. So what ESPN was doing, ESPN was showing you, this. You've got to queue, queue up the uh, Springsteen song, Glory Days. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, Glory Days. So, so the, first, the first table had Doug Polk. They were obsessed with Doug Polk, and they didn't want to switch off of him because what they were doing, they were, they were playing the whole thing on ESPN live on regular ESPN, but they were switching between the tables, and apparently they uh, they barely showed our table at all. I think the Poker Go app, they showed a little more of our table, but very little. People said they saw me for like a few seconds, and there was no poker being played. They they showed like no hands at our table. They just showed quickly who was there, and they didn't even, I don't think they even mentioned me. They, they, I don't think they mentioned Osmus either. They mentioned you Hamill and Bob Sura for sure. I don't know if they, I know they didn't mention me, but I, I was seen there because I'm between these, you know, Sura was direct, directly to my left. Osmus was two to my right. Du Hamill was one to my right. So I appeared there and uh, there were two screenshots that were taken and posted on Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, both had them. Both of them had me on my phone, and the second one, you could actually clearly see that I was browsing the Poker Fraud Alert forum. <laughs> so, the the reason that I was browsing the Poker Fraud Alert forum. By the way, you couldn't hear the sound effect, right? I, I think I forgot to share it with you. Uh, anyway. Um, the the poker. F- no, I could not hear the sound. Yeah, okay, I, right. I, th- I think I you. Be- I, no, I, th- I, th- I think I put it on. Now you can hear it. But anyway, uh, poker fraud alerts forum. I was browsing not because I can't take my my eyes off the internet when I play, but I was specifically reading the forum because I couldn't see the broadcast and I wanted to know if we were being shown on TV. Like I was trying to see if people were seeing our table at all. So th- that I kept refreshing it to see if people had been watching, especially because there's a few hands they may have shown involving me. Nothing big. Like, for example, I flopped a flush. I flopped a low flush. I had 7-5 of hearts to a middle position raise. I called. Flop was jack high all hearts. So I check raised the guy, and he folded. Not the most exciting hand, but I thought, you know, maybe, you know, there, there was a little time while he was thinking what to do. Maybe they'd be showing it. So I was, I was wondering if they're going to be, if they had been showing any hands at the table and if I had been seen. And that that's why I was reading the forum. Where I do read the forum somewhat when I'm at the main event, just because there's a lot of downtime where you're just sitting there while people are playing long hands. But I was really reading it very actively during this TV table for that reason, because I didn't know if it was being shown or not. And that's actually the truth. But people enjoyed finding a, a, a screenshot of me where I'm actually reading Poker Fraud Alert. Because someone was joking, ah, I bet he's on his phone reading Poker Fraud Alert, and then someone found another, another screenshot where you can actually see Poker Fraud Alert. 
you can see the, the blue colors of it, the blue and white colors. So, yeah, no hands of mine got on TV. I think maybe for a few seconds you could see me. I know for sure it, on something I was able to be seen because people, they took screenshots of it. But, again, it was like a few seconds. So it was kind of disappointing. I, 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 I posted on Twitter all over the place and texted people, turn it on, turn it on, turn it on, and then, nope, nothing to see. But when I texted everybody, I, they just told us where the TV table. We didn't know it would be the third string TV table. So, uh, Like Rodney Dangerfield, we got no respect. And uh, let's see. By the way, um, you know that, that troll, the Twitter troll I mentioned last week? Um, I, I told this person to get in contact with me. And they didn't. I, I had someone get in contact with me who wasn't the Twitter troll who was trying to play games, which is stupid. Like, if, if they saw what this person was doing, they, they wouldn't want to take credit for it. But someone thought they were being funny. But anyway, the, the actual person is now very aware that I know who they are. They, they are now aware that I'm aware. And um, that, that's I, right now during the main event, I'm focusing on the main event and not that situation. But... Um, the person has become aware that I'm aware of who they are. And um, as I said before, they shouldn't have been doing it. There's, I mean, nobody should do this. And the, and the thing was, they didn't just stick to trolling me about the situation with the 3K limit of showing up late. They, they moved into other things. They moved into uh, a lot of nasty and inappropriate things that were, and, and were trying to get me mad. They were even trying to troll me during the main event while I was playing day one. So there's these people that, that really think that, that, you know, they think they're hiding, they think they're anonymous, they think they're going to harass you, especially at times when you're trying to concentrate on important things. And they'll say whatever they think they can say to try to get, get you mad. And they think you're not going to know or you're not going to have proof. And, oh, what do you know? They made a mistake and you figured it out. And you got proof of who it is. So... Um, this person knows they weren't supposed to be doing that. That's all I'll say right now. And um, I, I'm very angry with this person for having done that. I'm very angry at this person. They, they haven't done it. They, they stopped doing it after uh, um, they, after they understood that I knew who they were. After they fully understood that, they, they stopped it. But uh, I'm very angry about this right now. But I'm not thinking about it much. I just, I just want to give you guys an update on that. But uh, uh, and so, someone, yeah, someone thought I wasn't telling the truth that I, that I had an idea of who it was. It, what people don't understand is I've been I've been online for over 30 years, and I, I have a background in uh, not not just you know for being online over 30 years, just from the recreational side of it being online, but uh, I, I have a technical background. And if you combine the two of them, there's, there's a lot of things I can do that you wouldn't think of to find out who you are when you do that sort of thing to me. And if it's just stupid trolling or making fun of me or whatever, I don't care. But if it's something really meant to either seriously piss me off or interfere with my life in some way or try to uh, distract me when, I, when I'm playing an important event or, or try to say really inappropriate things about me or my family... Um, 
you know, I, I, I can find them, and I will. So, uh, you know, had the person just brought up the whole thing about the me showing up late to the event and quit there, fine. They're expressing a concern. They did it in a cowardly way, but fine. But they didn't stop there. And they know they didn't stop there. So uh, I can take criticism. I can take insults. You should see all the time all the insults I get from people uh, on the forum, on Twitter, and I don't care. I really don't care. It's fine. They can do it. I'm all for free speech. That's why I run a, an uncensored radio show. That's why I run a mostly uncensored forum. I, I'm very big on people being able to be themselves and, and, and uh, speak their minds even if it gets other people angry. But uh, when someone puts a lot of effort into trying to uh, cause disruptions for me, then uh, that's a different story. So just don't do it. I'm not, I'm not harassing anybody. You know, I'm not... I'm really not. Like, why do I deserve this? <laughs> Even with the 3K limit thing, I gave people the most generous refund possible. The whole thing. It should have been over right there. So... Oh, and the person, they, they were so proud of themselves after that, too. They, they, they messaged, ah, ha, ha, I cost you $1,500 a year, Jew gold. Ha, 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 mission accomplished. Like, they were so proud of themselves for that. So, uh, but that's not what I'm mad about. As I said, that situation I was going to take care of either way. Even if they had never appeared, I was going to take care of it. I just hadn't decided how yet. But um, it, it's the stuff that happened afterwards. It just, it just got them in the mood to keep bothering me in a nastier and nastier way. And I didn't respond to them. I just they, they just kept going on and on, but I didn't respond. I didn't give them any satisfaction. I mentioned it on last week's radio show, but I didn't give them any satisfaction on, on Twitter. I didn't respond to them on Twitter. I didn't acknowledge them on Twitter. But they, they kept on with it. And when I wasn't responding, they just kept stepping it up, stepping it up worse and worse and worse. And... Uh, they didn't realize, I mean, they should have realized last week from the hints I dropped that I knew who it was, but they didn't. So they, they still were confident that I really didn't know when I was bluffing. Now they know I know, okay? So, <laughs> so uh, I, I, I haven't forgotten about this. For the moment, I'm forgetting. But I have not forgotten about this. The person really needs to get in contact with me and explain themselves. They really need to get in contact with me and explain themselves because they weren't supposed to be doing this. It's not just, it wasn't just some random. It wasn't just some person who uh, um, I've had no contact with before. So uh, this person needs to get in contact with me about, uh, about this because uh, it shouldn't have happened the way it did. That's all I'll say, and I, I think I'll probably, uh, I'll probably going forward not mention it again and just handle it by myself. But please, if you, if, you listen, if you listen to this show and you, you don't like me, if, if this is like this category, Howard Stern once said that uh, the most dedicated listeners he has are the ones who hate him. I, I used to think he just was saying that to be controversial or to say something edgy. But I, I, I found that, uh, yeah, that's, that's somewhat true. There are some very dedicated listeners here who like me, and uh, of course I appreciate them. But there, there was a certain subset of listeners here who dislike or hate me, yet listen to every single show. There's actually not that many, but there's... There's a few, and uh, this, this person is one of them, and that's fine. 
You can listen for any reason, even if it's because you hate me. But don't don't take actions against me. Don't don't try to disrupt things in my life. If if you want to call me out for some kind of you know legitimate thing I do wrong, it's fine. But but you know don't don't uh, don't harass me. That that's where I draw the line. That's where it's got to stop. You know I'm not harassing anybody here myself, so don't do it to me. Anyway, um, Muck Ficon saying, I thought China Maniac was a fat Asian. I was half right. <laughs> the question is, which half is right? Is, is China Maniac fat or an Asian? That's the question. He's not a fat Asian, I will tell you that. All right, uh... Let me put on uh, Trader Ruski. He was trying to call in. We, we, for some reason, only when Trader Ruski calls in, only him. No, it's still not working. When I try to add him, whenever he calls in, I can never add him. I always have to call him back. I have to connect him. Uh, we just have to. It's one of these things. Don't call us. We'll call you. That's the story with Trader Ruski. Though it's fine when he calls because then I know he's ready to come on. Then I can call him back. There. Trader Ruski, hello. What's happening, Jeff? Well, thank you very much for this room here, and uh, you know, I'm. Uh, uh, this really helped me out, and and I also thank you for the effort you put in to solve the issue that came up. And, you know, we don't have to discuss it any further, but just, uh, you know, I appreciate the uh, not only the room but the extra effort you put in when there was the fail, which was. The- Whoa. Uh oh. No problem. What's up, Galat? <laughs> What's going on, man? So yeah. So uh, anyway. Uh, glad to have you on here. And I don't, I don't know what it is with Skype. For some reason, Trader Ruski only. It's like when he, whenever he tries to call in, it just won't let me add him to the conversation. That's that's the way I take calls on through Skype is that it, it gives me an option to either just take the call and put the other person on hold or, quote, add them to the conversation, which is like a, a three-way where we can all talk. Uh, but for some reason, when Trader Ruski calls, it, it doesn't give me that option. It just uh, and It's just like an idiosyncrasy. Like Skype does not – it's not like I don't know how to use Skype. Skype just has all these weird idiosyncrasies that nobody can explain. And this is one of them. So, very weird. Yeah, Microsoft has ruined the product. Yep, as they've been doing for many, many decades. <laughs> a um, now, why aren't you outing this person? I because we're, we're, the, the, it, the whole thing is a process, and that's what the person doesn't understand. Like the person thought I was just posturing last week. The whole thing was a process, okay? And and I, 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 I whenever something like this is happening. There's a temptation to want to jump at it and, and just reveal what I know and, and, and just you know, shoot my whole load right there. But sometimes I want to see if the person is just having a bad day and they're going to let it go or, or you know, how far they're going to take it. Or, uh, you know, I, I, or I, want to just, you know, I want to gather the entire situation before I see the, the entire response, before I, I decide what the proper response is to them. And uh, also I, I want to see, you know, what they're going to do when they believe I don't know who they are or when they believe I might know who they are or when they believe I do know who they are. So, you know, it becomes different in each of these stages. So I, I wanted to let it play out. It was very tempting, very tempting before to uh, come out with what I eventually came out with. And some of you don't understand what I've come out with. Because, well, mo- none of you understand except for this person. But uh, they know. They know that I know. And the reason I'm not outing it yet is we're not, we're not there yet. And I, that's why I'm saying the person really needs to uh, – they need to present themselves to me 
They know how to get a hold of me. They need to present themselves to me. Uh, you know, texting is fine. They can text me. And, 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 ex- and I want to hear from them uh, about this whole thing. I, I need to have a, a serious talk with this person, uh, which will eventually happen in some way. So the, and, and then, uh, then I'm going to figure out what to do. Because uh, this, I, I just wish this stuff wouldn't happen. I mean, can you imagine? And this is, this is not a kid. This is not some some young kid who's uh, um, who doesn't know better. This is somebody who uh, is old enough, by far, to know not to do these things and to, to just sit here during my main event and just to try to think of the nastiest things to say about me and my son and other things and to try to troll this stuff to me. It, just stupid stuff. Not even stuff that's true, but just you know, stupid stuff to try to get me as angry as possible. And, and try to ruin my first day of the main event. And troll me you know, before that as well. Just constantly with just whatever he can think of to try to get me mad. Um, beyond all this, this smear tactics he tried to use over the whole thing with the, uh, with the 3K event. Even after I said I'm paying everybody, you have to go make a message on 2 plus 2 under a fake account. I mean, this person has been just in full swing trying to piss me off and trying to make things difficult for me. And trying to uh, disrupt my life. And disrupt my events. So... Um, you know, if, when you set out to do this, you have to think, can my, how will I feel when my life gets disrupted in return? And if there's something I am good at doing is disrupting people's lives, if they have done it to me, I, I have many ways I can do it. And, uh, a lot of ways you'd never think of, I could do it. I don't do that. I don't, I don't do this unless someone does it to me first, but but there's many ways I can do it. So when you set out to do something like this to me maliciously, you must think, am I ready for the return? Am, am I ready for this to happen back to me in ways that I will, I will find very unpleasant? And if the answer is no, then don't do it. So that's, uh, um, that's, that's the problem. On the Internet, a lot of people think they're anonymous, and they don't realize that you have to be ultra careful not to, be, not to get exposed in some way. One comment you can probably get away with. One thing you do you can get away with, you probably won't be found. But the, the more you persist with something, the more paths open up to find you. It's, it's a very interesting thing. It's a very interesting thing. I've, I've done this for years. You know, I've, done, I've been online over 30 years. Obviously, I've dealt with a lot of trolls. So that's uh, um, especially because I, you know, I always insert myself into situations where, like if I was just kind of a background guy online, never got involved in controversy or whatever, then... Uh, then I wouldn't have that much experience with this. But, you know, I'm, I'm always someone who's outspoken about things and always states my opinion and gets involved in kind of like free speech type communities like this one. That, that's where you're going to attract a lot of that. So that's, uh, you know, I've gotten very experienced with dealing with it. And uh, I, I wish I didn't have to. I don't enjoy it. But uh, I just wish people would, some people would think before they do these things. Because uh, they, uh, if they thought before they did it, then they wouldn't do it. At least that's, what I hope. So anyway, get, getting back to the uh, World Series stories. Um, I want to talk about the bathroom. Okay, now, let me describe the bathroom situation at the World Series. And this has been something that's it's been a problem for years, but it's been only a moderate problem to where it was manageable. And that's why only this year are you hearing a lot of the loud complaints about the bathroom. Well, I guess you're reading it on Twitter. But people are very angry this year, and for good reason. Uh, the Rio ha- convention area, which they hold the World Series, has uh, 
a few different bathroom areas. There's one that's kind of on the side by the Brasilia room. There's one that's in the main hallway. There's one that's uh, all the way down at the, well, I guess at one of the ends of the World Series, just kind of where the World Series Total Rewards desk is, where the big Lamborghini is parked this year. Um, so it's kind of like, there's one that's right where the walkway from the hotel to the World Series ends. So that's another bathroom. And then they have porta potties that are out in the back. You can actually exit towards the back by the Amazon room and go outside, and there's porta potties out there. So those are the different bathroom options. On days where there are not massive field events, that's enough. And the breaks are long enough. You know, sometimes even if only a 15-minute break is, is still sufficient to go to one of those bathrooms and the line is short enough to where you'll be able to uh, finish and get back. It's not terrible. The problem has always occurred on the bigger field events. That includes the Colossus, the Crazy Eights, um, the uh, the Monster Stack, the Millionaire Maker, all, all the big field World Series events, and of course the main event, where there's a lot of people in the building taking breaks at once. There you're going to have a line. There, if you're one of the last people on the line, you may be a little bit late getting back, even though the break is 20 minutes. In the past, what I would do was I would walk very briskly to my hotel room, which is about an eight-minute walk, sometimes seven minutes if it's uh, one of the closer rooms of the tournament area. The Amazon, it's eight. That's the farthest point. But from the Amazon room, it's eight. So it's about eight there, eight back, which is 16 minutes. So provided I don't waste much more time, provided I start the break exactly when it starts and I'm not playing a hand, I can uh, walk to my room, pee, wash my hands, walk back, and get back in, in those eight minutes. And the eight minutes, it, it, that usually includes the time for the elevator ride. So that's what I've done in other years where I've played uh, in these big field events for the most part. Or sometimes I was fast getting out there and I could get to the bathroom uh, quick to the, where the line is short for me. So this year, the first sign of a problem... Where, where it was beyond the normal uh, lines. There. Uh-oh. It's off mute. Yeah. Got something to say, Cal? What? Yeah, Drew. Do you remember like there was an old 70s or 80s movie where they all went into some kind of group therapy, and part of it was for them to let, let go and let free and everyone pee your pants. Do you remember? No. Did it ring a bell at all? No, it doesn't. I must have not seen it. Anyway, it was like this, you know, neo-hippie stuff where everyone is supposed to, in a group, is supposed to, like, pee their pants and it's supposed to feel so good and whatever. And this guy who was in there was smiling. He had, like, a, a, some apparatus with a little hose that went down his leg into a little uh, little bottle. <laughs> so he basically had a nipple on his dick, and then he peed down and it went down into the bottle. You should get one of those <laughs> for when you're at the World Series. Then he used not have to go anywhere. Well, provided, only provided I have to pee. Otherwise, I have to bring a colostomy bag with me. Well, yeah, but honestly, like, pee is the thing that you do more frequently, and it's harder to hold. Yeah. You know? Well, it depends. But I, I agree. I, buy these things. Like I agree. I, I agree that to make more frequently. But, you know, sometimes if, if, if you have to take a crap, then you, you, sometimes you can't hold it that long either. So, uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, that's true. But, but yeah, you're, you're right. The peeing is what you do. Seriously? Yeah. You're right. You should seriously look at investing into one of these things. Right. Are you sure you're not? Ta- are you talking about semi-tough? 
when he was I don't going, know. I, when he, I, I when he was he was doing he was doing yes. And and then he uh, they wouldn't let you pee. That was one of the things. That's like what no, the no, no. This choice is a different movie. This, it's a different movie because I remember that they were doing doing this like group counseling thing, and they're doing all yeah. these silly things to like get in touch with their feelings. And one of them right. was just peeing, and they're like, "Oh, everyone, just let go and pee." Right? Ah, okay, that's not it. Anyway, but Robert, they, you should yeah. buy one of these. You should buy one of these. You'd be a boss. Like you could just <laughs> sit there and you could play twenty four seven. Yeah, you that know? would be funny. Uh, so yeah, so let me getting back to the bathroom thing though. Uh, and I know this you can you could be at Kate Hall's table, <laughs> you know, start talking to her, and be like, oh, I really got to pee, I really got to pee, and then you could just stare at her, <laughs> and she could hear the sound of it trickling into the bottle, and you could just smile. That'd be great. <laughs> you know, she'd be like, ah. I still haven't seen her around. I, like the entire World Series that I've been here, I have not. Forget not. I mean, not only have I not played with her, I have not even seen her once. Which is, I, I would think I would. But that you were texted. Um, when did you text me the picture? I, I didn't text it. Somebody else did. But check your your uh, phone, and you'll see a funny, kind of funny Kate Hall picture. Oh, okay. Let me see here. Oh, okay. <laughs> so well, it's not actually Kate Hall. It's it's her. Uh, it's her All American Davis bag in the trash that says Kate Hall. That's funny. Well. That's Kate Hall in the no, trash. No, but the part, Gruff, the part that you're missing is it's Kate Hall, and then it's white trash. Oh. <laughs> Do you see that? Okay, yes, now okay, now, now I get okay, it. Okay, good. yeah, all right, that's right. It is, a white, it is white trash Kate Hall. That's true. That's true. Okay, so this is the problem this year. I remember, I, so I showed up in the, like, week two of the World Series, and maybe week three, whatever it was. I showed up to play the Limit Hold'em event. That was the 1500 Limit Hold'em. And I saw that in the main hallway bathroom, the one that's most used, two of the five stalls, two of the five urinals, not the stall, two of the five urinals were closed. They, they had a plastic bag around them and said, out of order. And I thought to myself, wow, that's uh, that's pretty bad for the World Series to have two of the five urinals in the main bathroom out of order. I, I guess they just broke today. Well, that was in that was about a month ago. That was like June 14th. Today, July 12th, those same two urinals are still broken. <laughs> so they haven't fixed them. And you can imagine how that's already a big problem. When they already have a bathroom backup anyway during these big events, to have 40% of the urinals of the most commonly used bathroom out is a disaster. So that creates a, a, just a, a spectacularly long line. And I just nobody can understand how can they not fix two urinals for over a month? How how can they not afford to do this? How can how can they not do this? And in addition, the porta potties in the back, one of those also has a urinal that is broken, and is uh, has the same plastic over it saying out of order. <laughs> so there are insane lines for the bathroom during the main event, and while it was very very bad. When I played, so if you dare play the final hand before the break, forget it. If you happen to be at a table that's not right by the exit to get to one of these bathrooms, forget it. 
you're stuck in the long line. So what some people do is they walk out of the tournament area and try to go into main Rio to try to use the bathrooms there. So there is a bathroom that's down that hallway, but that one has a huge line too. You then walk over to the bathroom that's kind of by the uh, VIP diamond check-in. That one has a huge line, which usually doesn't. I think the only bathroom with a reasonable, with a reasonable line is the one that's kind of by the buffet that's past all past the American Bar and Grill. But that's the farthest bathroom on property. That, that's going to take you a good 10 minutes to walk to. So you still might not make it on time. So people were furious. And keep in mind, a lot of the players, they have no idea where these other bathrooms are. I know because I, I know the Rio very well. But a lot of the players have no idea. So there were a lot of complaints about this. And there have been. And, and they're just not doing anything about it. And that's what's getting people so angry is that they're either making excuses or just not responding to players about this, about why the bathroom situation is so terrible. And, I mean, I don't care how tough this is. They they need to do it. I'm sorry, there's not just um, two stalls out in that main bathroom. I haven't been in it in a while. I actually see in a picture that Chicago Joey posted, there's four stalls out. Wow, of urinals. Four urinal stalls are out. It was two before, now it's four. Chicago Joey tweeted this out six hours ago. If this gets 1,000 retweets, World Series of Management has agreed to fix to fix this, the stalls that have been broken for three weeks with all the rake they've made. <laughs> Is that embarrassing that, this, that Chicago Joey hasn't sent this out to shame the World Series? I don't think they've really agreed to this. Can you imagine four broken stalls in the main bathroom? It was two before, now it's four. Uh, I don't know when this third and fourth broke. Um, someone else just sent out I don't know if this picture when it was really taken but someone just sent out a picture of some bathroom where they blocked off every style every stall there was a guy named Seth Foster three hours ago and Seth Foster tweeted this picture of all the stalls being blocked off with like like a fence that has the caution sign on it and he said the Rio just raised I think we have to fold Matt Glantz posted a poll with over 1,000 votes. On a scale of 1 to 10, how hard has it been to take a piss at the Rio this summer? Uh, 47, 356, 8,722, and then some gigantic number like in the trillions. So 66% voted for the gigantic number in the trillions. (laughs) I mean, this is all the talk of the World Series here. David Baker, the older David Baker, the one that doesn't get along with me very well. He said something that I agree with. I love the World Series of Poker, he writes, but the lack of interaction and adversarial attitude towards the players trying to help is becoming increasingly frustrating. And he tweeted this uh, uh, to Seth Polanski. Uh, Seth Polanski, I'm trying to find the response. Seth Polanski said uh was gave he gave an excuse that i thought was really lousy trying to find it here matt glance also tweeted out yesterday the way the line looked yesterday outside of the porta potties and it's just a line that snakes way back it looks like you're at an amusement park um so 
he did Matt Glance did give Seth Polanski and Jack Effel a pass in one way. He said, I will guarantee you that uh, Seth Polanski, Jack Effel, and Ty Stewart put in the request to facilities a, a dozen times. A dozen times. Uh, zero shot, it's on them. I will say, though, when a business, especially the casino, stops fixing essential issues, it's usually a precursor to shutting the doors. They, they've wanted to shut the doors for a while, but uh, they haven't because they... Uh, they haven't been able to unload the Rio. They're, they're, they've tried to sell the Rio for a long time. And I don't know where the World Series would move if they sold the Rio, but they've been trying to get rid of it. The Rio's only value these days really is the World Series. The Rio really has no other value. It doesn't even have a gimmick anymore. They used to have that show in the sky. They used to, ha- they used to try to give it that party South American uh, Rio de Janeiro atmosphere like they like was originally envisioned when the hotel opened in the mid-90s. But that's long gone. They shut, out, they shut down all of that. So it's just a, it's a boring kind of rundown, very old, very old 22-year-old, when I say very old 22-year-old, I mean it looks older than that, hotel that, that's lost anything good that it started with. And really the only thing left there is the big convention area, which is good for the World Series. So uh, anyway, I can't find Seth Polanski's tweet but he was basically saying that it involves major work to the bathrooms. It's not a mad, it's not a matter of just fixing some pipes. They have to tear up the floor and, and do so much work it would require the bathrooms to just be closed completely. So he's saying so either we close them completely or deal with it the way it is. So you may think at first, okay, that's a good response. Like if the World Series is in process, they can't just close down bathrooms for entire days because anyone playing those days will have big problems. But there's an answer to that. Think of the back. Think of the porta potties in the back. I think they have like three porta potties back there. These are when I say porta potties, they're not outhouses, they're actually buildings, portable buildings they bring over that are just bathrooms. I think there's three of them in the back, maybe four. The question why didn't they buy more? Once the bathrooms weren't working and fixing it was not a trivial issue, why did they not bring in double the porta potties? Why didn't they bring them in several spots? Why don't they make the players aware? Okay, we have porta potties in this parking lot now, in this parking lot. We have them over here and over here. Just buy a lot more porta potties. Rent rent a lot more porta potties. I I don't see why they have the same number of porta potties they always have had if they are having problems with their main bathrooms. When unexpected things happen, they have to spend the money, which wouldn't be a lot of money, to take action to get them fixed. Now, I also don't necessarily believe that this would be a multi-day fix. I don't know for sure. I'm not a plumber. But I also wonder if they couldn't just start late at night when bathrooms are not used very much, especially on a day that they're not going to have, like sometime during the week when they're not having one of these big no-limit events and close down a bathroom at 10 p.m. and work all the way until 10 a.m. the next day overnight. Yeah, you'll have to pay some people to work overnight, but there's plenty of people who will do this for a higher rate of pay. So hire a firm that can come in overnight and work 12 hours straight to get the thing fixed and close the bathroom during that time. That's a hell of a lot better than creating this situation. And 
as I mentioned before, I actually missed hands because I simply could not get into one of these stalls to take a dump. Because, you know, those are, of course, there's a certain percentage of the field which need to do that also. And they would leave early also and they'd get there before me. There just weren't enough bathrooms. But also having to pee, fortunately, I, I knew enough to where I would leave as fast as I could. And sometimes even make tight folds on the last hand. I'm not even kidding. Like, I wasn't going to fold premium hands. or But I, I was actually sorry I didn't fold that Queen Jack. I almost did, just because of the bathroom. Isn't it sad when you have to make decisions on your poker hands based upon the bathroom? And not even about your personal bathroom issues, but the fact that the bathroom just will not be available for you during the break if you don't fold a hand? Like, it really came down to that. I really had to make bathroom-related hand decisions. And if you don't, then you end up coming back late from the break, and you miss hands. So it really is a, something you have to take in mind strategy-wise. So isn't it sad that we have to do that in a $10,000 buy-in event? Where they make so much money in rake? So they needed to spend whatever the money they had to spend to get this problem fixed. Or to at least mitigate the situation. I mean, you know, you're playing with shitty, markable cards and going to be peeing in a plastic cup soon. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it really is kind of ridiculous. They screwed up two really large things this year. And it's too bad because operationally, other than these two things... They improved a lot of things. They, they avoided a lot of mistakes. If you take these two things away, they didn't do that bad of a job. They did a pretty good job this year taking those two things away. But unfortunately, these are two very big things. The cards and being able to use the bathroom on the brakes. And they dropped the ball big time with both of them, especially with the main event. Because it just got worse. The bathrooms actually got worse, not better. And they made no effort to fix them or bring in portable bathrooms, extra ones, to mitigate the circumstances. So, it, it's terrible. And uh, I also, I think one of the breaks, I, I did come up to the room to pee as well, where I just uh, did the brisk walk, peed and came back. Like, I shouldn't have to do this. But if I do have to do that, it should be at least be because they've done all they can to bring enough bathrooms. Like, why not buy more porta potties in the first place? I don't wonder, I, I wonder why, why not invest in a bit more money to where you have enough porta potties so on the busy days the line is not as bad. Forget when things are broken. When everything's working, the bathroom line is still fairly bad. They've just got to keep these things in mind. They can't just say, well, that's what we've got here. That's what we're giving you. Just deal with it. Like, this is the biggest t- poker tournament series in the world. They make so much money from it. It's such a valuable product to them. I just don't get why they let these things happen. So some people are very, very angry about this, as you heard from these tweets. And and even those that are not tweeting about it are like quietly angry about it. That's a, the buzz in the Rio right now is about the bathroom. About the why is the bathroom so terrible? Why why can we not use the bathrooms unless we race over before the break's even done before the break's even there? Like with thirty seconds left, one minute left, you've got to drop everything and zoom over to the bathroom if you don't want to stand on a terrible line. If you, if you start walking towards the bathroom when they announce the break, you're screwed. That's how bad it is. Hey, Druff? Yeah. I got a message I got to convey. So Bart wanted to call up, but he's in the little one. 
Uh, he's in the tournament. Yeah. Um, he said he hasn't taken a dump in a public bathroom for over five years. Oh, wow. I don't know how you do that. But yeah. What does he do when he travels? Strategic planning, I guess. You know, he just kind of grins and bears it, I guess. I don't know. He might have that app that George Costanza came up with. Didn't he have, like, a bathroom uh, app or something? Yeah, there was a... <laughs> you know, I... I uh, when I have to go to the bathroom, um, as far as having to take a dump, my problem is usually when I have to go, I have to go fairly badly, which, which has its good and bad sides. The, the good side about it is that for that reason, is it's all related. For that reason, I'm almost never constipated. Like I can't remember. I'm only constipated if I, I like take medication for diarrhea and overdo it. That's the only time I've ever constipated. Otherwise, I'm never constipated. It's just never a problem I have. But the the other side of the coin is that when I have to go, I usually I don't have that much time before it gets really really uncomfortable. Where other people they can wait days sometimes. For me, it's like I, I I've got to. So I, I could never even picture that. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't take a dump in a public bathroom because, like, I'll be on the road somewhere and I have to, and then I'll pull over to the next bathroom I get to and do it. So I, I couldn't picture going five years. But, you know, I'm sure Bart is different. He probably doesn't have that issue. But uh, I, I'm glad I don't feel the way he does. Otherwise, I don't know what I would do. A lot of bathroom talk on this show. Even more than I expected, even with, with making the bathroom a topic. Here, let's see if the chat room's talking about the bathroom at all. Um... Bobby Orr is asking, where is the hidden bathroom that Antonio is always t- talking about? The hidden bathroom, he's probably using the staff bathroom. And I haven't thought of that one in a while. There's a staff bathroom that I know he and Phil Locke like to use that was really supposed to be for the dealers. And I don't know if it's even still open anymore. I felt uncomfortable in there. Phil Locke like, brought me there one time. And I used it, but I just kind of felt like all eyes were on us. Like, why are we in there? Um, I, I kind of feel bad invading the dealer's space. I kind of feel like they want to get away from the players sometimes. So I, I hate being the, the jerk who's invading their space because they're not working for very much money. And they've got a tough job and they've got long shifts and they're actually being forced to work longer than they originally told they would be working. So I know it's not the most pleasant of jobs. And I think they probably want to have a break away from all the players for a while. And I hate just like, invading their space there. The only way I've invaded their space so far is uh, sometimes I've needed a cup of ice, and what I just do is, like, on the break, I just quickly walk into their uh, the dealer. They have, like, a little dealer snack area where they have some free food for the dealers, and I would never take their food, but they do have a soda machine there, like a free soda machine that you'd see, like, in a Carl's Jr., and I just grab a cup quickly and fill it with ice and leave. So I, I do take ice from there, but that's all I take. And I, I get in and out really fast. I, like, I don't want to be in their way. I don't want to hang out in there. I, I, I understand it's their area, not mine. So, But using their bathroom, I would feel funny about. But, um, Benford's asking in chat, could the Rio vendors be approved to sell Depends? You know, as the field ages, maybe they'll make a partnership. Because the field is getting older slightly every year. And... I do wonder if by the time I'm 50, five years from now, if the seniors event field will be tougher because other players my age who are good will also be 50. So I wonder as this field ages, you know kind of how 
a lot of companies are having to shift their product offerings because of the baby boomers, because there's so many of them. And as they age, they, uh, companies are trying to keep up with that and offer what they need. Uh, I, I wonder if that's going to happen with poker, where they're going to have to start offering depends. Well, especially if they have this bathroom problem continuing. That might be the solution. Just wait till the, wait till the field ages. And then just start giving everyone free depends on this thing. Ruff, I am going to make millions. I'm going to put a little vending machine. I'm going to, you know, get involved in that little uh, space, the vendor space outside the Rio. Put some vending machines all over the place. So they're going to sell those bottle and tube kits. You know, <laughs> for everyone that needs to, to pee, they can just uh, pee uh, up. They that can, is. They can spend the entire day, you know? Yeah. That might that might be it. That might be the, the big... Uh, the next money maker in poker. So you well, got to help me come up with a product name. <laughs> How about just? I'm thinking like free, something freedom related, so I can brand it with the American flag, make it really cheesy, like freedom <laughs> pier or free piss, or you know what I mean? You could just go. Like you could just go simple. It's called poker pee. Poker pee. Oh, that's pretty good. Poker pee. I like it. I like uh, it. By the way, ball- I'm not going to have to pay any licensing fees for that shit, am I? Ballhawknet said, uh, Ballhawknet said in chat, uh, don't worry, Druff, or don't forget, Druff, you age too, so you might not be better. I'm not sure what he's saying. I, I think I'll probably be in five years. Oh, it was very noisy in the background. There, there we go. Uh, I, I think in five years, I'll probably be essentially the same poker player I am now. I, I don't think much will have changed then. I think I can sit down and play the same game and have approximately the same endurance at the table. That I have today. I don't think it's, it's going to be a significant change between 45 and 50 in that way. Well, well Trader Ruski, you, you're 50 now. Did you notice any change in the last five years? We still have Trader Ruski? Nah, no, no. No. Okay, Not yeah. At all. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah, like I'm still 29. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Druffy, I haven't noticed any change either, but you know why it's so noisy? You ever heard of like those crazy, like, huge electronic stores in in Tokyo? Yeah. And that's what I'm in. Oh, really? I'm in one of those stores where it's just like wall-to-wall electronics, you know, for five or six floors up and down. Mm. Is it like the crazy, Eddies, the crazy Eddies of Tokyo or something? I mean, it's kind of like that, but way more... I mean, you can, there's stuff... There it used to be that there's tons of stuff that you could only get here. I think that's probably a little bit less with, uh, you know, the rise of the Internet. Uh, but... It still is pretty astounding, the amount of stuff that they have here. I mean, it's literally, uh, we're in the Akihabara district, which is the electronics district. And the amount of stuff that they have here is just crazy. I, I could probably buy you a fully functional robotic love slave if you want it, Drew. <laughs> that would be good to take on these uh, Las Vegas trips when I'm alone here. She never says no. She never nags you for being on the radio. I'm yeah, well, saying. no, when I go on these trips, I, you know, I'm just alone. I, I, don't, I don't get to... Uh, do anything like that. I have to just wait till I get back. So that might be that might be the solution. No, drop, please. You already have given away what you do before every poker tournament. No, but that's not the same thing. I'm just by myself. That's yeah, not the same. How is it not the same thing? Come on, it's not the same. Just to, you know, to jerk off yourself and to be with a woman. It's a totally different. It's still a relief. No, it's, it's totally different. <laughs> okay. One, one, one is so much less uh, satisfying than the other. That's a. So well, much which less. one, though? 
I guess it, I guess it depends which woman you're with. I guess that depends on that. Oh, or how talented your hand is. Yeah. Right. So, but someone someone saying in chat, uh, Caitlin would tell us like that I'm going to be like Caitlyn Jenner. They they think that's the change I'm talking about. Maybe in five years, that's that that's not going to happen. You're not going to see. Uh, I won't be I won't be using the all gender restroom in 2022. Don't worry about that. So, okay, let's let's look what's what else is on the agenda here. Have I really lost it already? Have I really just? Oh no, it's it's with me. It's, here we are. Okay, so. Uh, Luke Vrabel, known as uh, Slay America. I think he's even changed his name on Twitter. Let me see. Uh, I think he, I saw. I think I saw a different name for him on Twitter too. Uh, but he was banned. Yeah, it looks like he was. Uh, he was banned, and he's changed his name to uh, like Prince of Degens or something. Slay America is now gone from Twitter. All, all his tweets are gone. But yeah, he's Prince of Degens now. So he had a, an argument with a floor man when he made it to uh, the final ten, and they all combined to one table at the uh, Colossus event, which is a big accomplishment in itself. I mean, you're, uh, that's a gigantic field. It's the biggest field they have in the World Series, and he made it to the end. Uh, Matt Affleck was there too, a very good No Limit player, and I guess Matt, Matt Affleck's girlfriend and other friends of his were very loud and obnoxious on the rail. Now Luke Vrabel is known for being very outspoken himself. He's known for yeah you know, being rather loud himself. So reading between the lines, this is what I believe happened. You know, he has his story, the other side has their story, but this is what I believe happened. I believe the rail for Matt Affleck was loud and obnoxious. I believe that Luke Vrabel was getting more and more frustrated with this, that he was having trouble concentrating, he didn't want to hear it as he was playing for so much money, which he was. You know, he was, uh, you're playing for huge money there at that point, when you're at the final table of the Colossus. So, he felt he couldn't concentrate, and he probably shouted something back to them. He probably said, well, you guys shut up. He didn't say, I, I, I don't have proof of this, but this is, for, for some reason that he couldn't really make clear when he appeared on this show about this matter last month, and for some reason nobody's made it clear. It's never been made clear why the rail for Matt Affleck was picking on him in particular, because his story was that, Matt Affleck's girlfriend and other people on the rail were shouting insults to him and just being so nasty to him. And that when he went to the floor man to complain about it, the floor man said, too bad, deal with it, put on headphones if you don't like it. Then he got in a big argument with the floor man, and then the floor man had two security guards stand right over him in like an intimidating fashion for the rest of the tournament, and they also th- threatened to disqualify him. And that was very distracting for him, and, and you know, he was really mad that the floor man wouldn't just shut the rail up. So on its on its face, that sounded awful. On its face, it sounded like a player was being harassed by someone else's rail. And that when the player complained, the floor man was very flippant and dismissive and then eventually took it out on the guy who complained and, and even surrounded him with security guards and was threatening with disqualification for continuing to complain. So that, that sounds terrible on its, on its face. Uh, but I think from what I deduced, I don't have any proof of this, but from what I deduced, it looked to me like he probably started fighting with the rail. They probably were loud and obnoxious. It probably was too loud. It probably was distracting to him. He probably 
gave people on the rail a hard time. Like, hey, will you shut up? Hey, will you stop being so noisy? And then they, in turn, started fighting back with him. And that's what caused the whole thing to escalate. And then at that point, he probably went to the floor, who I believe probably did mishandle it as the way he's describing. Um, I, I, I think probably the floor man took the attitude of, hey, you know, they, they have a right to cheer. So too bad. Put on headphones if you don't like it. And if you've ever been in the Amazon room or now it's in the Brazilian room, you know, wherever they have the rail and these final tables, you'll hear very, very loud cheers when, we, when the person they like wins a hand. So there are very, very loud rails. I, I once had to play in the same room as this, and I was I'm hearing constant. Uh oh, there's noise here. You got a comment here? Yeah, draw. I mean, you know the the expression, the the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. I mean, this guy being picked out is kind of is like that. But instead of the squeaky wheel gets the grease, it's the the Jersey Jersey uh, douche gets the abuse. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think it was something I mean, like that. Like, people like that. People like that bring it on themselves to some extent, and when they are treated unfairly. You know, sometimes they they don't get the the fairest shake because people look at it and they're like, well, <laughs> what do you expect, you know? Yeah, and I think that probably played into it, too. I think probably, um, and that was my guess, too, that, that not only did he fight with a rail some before complaining, but that maybe when he went to the floor man, he didn't do it in a gracious manner. He went up and it's like... You know, what the fuck? How come these? How, how come you're letting these people just shout at me? How come this is going on? How come this can happen? Like he, it probably wasn't like, hey, uh, you know, the rail's really bothering me, and they're they're screaming insults at me. Can you please put a stop to that? Like it probably that probably wasn't the language he used. So, um, uh, probably. No, the- I, I'm thinking, Druff. I'm definitely thinking more Andrew Dice Clay than English gentleman. Yeah. So you know what I mean. So right. <laughs> In terms so, of how the request went. Yeah. It wasn't. Uh, hello. Uh, pardon me, sir. Um, could you please um, get the rail to be just a, a bit more silent with it, with, it, with no. their applause? Um, would that be um, something no, you could just manage? Yeah, it was more like, hey, shut your bitches up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so I think the floor at that point uh, just said, screw this guy. He's, he's kind of loud and obnoxious himself. Uh, we're not doing any favors for him. F him if he doesn't like uh, getting a taste of his own medicine from the rail. Fuck him. He can put on headphones. I, th- I think that's what it wants. And so the floor made a mistake there because no matter what they think personally of the player or the way they're approached, they have to be able to put this aside and say, we're going to do a professional job here. And the bottom line is if a player wants the rail to not shout at them or shout insults at them or if, or if the rail is – if they're too close, because this was – I think this was not a, a table where the rail's far away. I think this was one of the secondary or, or third-tier final tables, kind of kind of like third-tier TV table like I have. It was something where the rail, the rail wasn't far. I've seen pictures of it. It was more like a rope, the rail. So I, I think they were very close, these people. And when you have a rail standing that close, anything they say is much louder. So you – they have to be controlled. They, the rail can't destroy people's ability to concentrate at a final table, no matter what, no matter who it is, no matter what a jerk that person is. You, you can't. You have to be able to let them play in peace. If you want to cheer at the end of hands, fine. If you want to, uh, but it, it, it also shouldn't have. There should not be insults flying from the rail, even between hands. There shouldn't be insults, and there shouldn't be noise during hands, and that should be managed by the World Series staff. And I, it sounds to me like it was not managed, but it sounds to me like uh, the person who was 
being targeted the most by the rail was someone who already has a reputation for being obnoxious and loud himself and someone who they weren't going to want to do a lot of favors for. And then it escalated from there. And then uh, so after this, he was boycotting the World Series. He put out uh, messages on Facebook and, and Twitter making it clear he was boycotting the World Series and putting in fact was mad that certain poker pros were refusing to condemn this that he, he felt everybody was too quiet about this he felt that the poker media was afraid to criticize the world series and that they're pretty much in cahoots with the world series to cover up any problems and when we had him on here i was trying to tell him look this is one show that doesn't do that this is one show that is never afraid to cover any problems with the world series this is one show that never covers anything up we always uh talk about whatever's happening and so we're, we're the one form of poker media that really is unbiased. We were the one area of poker media you can always go to and get the what appears to be the true and, and accurate story with no bias. When I say appears, sometimes we don't have all the information, but we do our best to put out the most accurate version of the story without a bias trying to make one party look bad or good. And uh, when I say bad, like there's some people who hate the World Series and they want nothing more than to humiliate it and make them look terrible. Like that's not the goal of the show. We don't want that either. And that's why if I think the World Series is being unfairly accused of something, I will say that too. And I have defended the World Series before when the popular opinion is that something's their fault. So I I don't like that side either. I don't like when those that are just always looking for something to come out and say the World Series is terrible. And I'll joke on my Twitter about things that that annoy me. But I mean people who really make big deals about something. Where, where they, they always just jump to the, the first thing in their mind is let's find a way to make the World Series look bad. And I always say, Let, let's take a step back here and see if they deserve it. So, like, for the bathroom, they deserve it for sure. For the playing cards, they deserve it for sure. Um, with this one, uh, they definitely deserve it as far as uh, the way the floor man probably acted. I wasn't there. I didn't get to see it. I've never seen video of it. I don't think video of it exists. But from the description I'm receiving... Uh, I, I believe his account that the floor man was dismissive and would not stop it. I believe his account that the rail was insulting him. I think there's more to the story as to why the rail is insulting him. But I, I believe that they were. I believe they were too loud. I believe the floor would not control it. I believe the floor dismissed his concerns. I believe all of that, and, and that was a mistake, especially at a final table of a massive field event like the Colossus. That's a huge blunder on their part. But that's old stuff. That's from last month. So why are we talking about it on July 12th? Well... Luke Rabel, a.k.a. Slay America, a.k.a. Prince of Degens, has been officially banned from the World Series of Poker and cannot play the World Series. So I asked him today on Twitter. I only heard about this recently. I, I, had, not, I had heard that he was boycotting it, and then he decided not to boycott it and play anyway. That was the last I had heard. But he, he was banned, and I thought, hmm, that's kind of weird. What was he banned for? So he, uh, he answered me. Hold on, let me, let me get to uh, where he tweeted it. I, I thought I had it up, but I don't have it anymore. He tweets so much, it's hard to find it. Um, let me get to where he said this. He's he's really sent out like 50 tweets in the last uh, 
since the show started. <laughs> um, that's weird. Well, I see why I can't find it. He he removed what he what he sent to me. Well, there's, there's, he sent me two tweets, but I'm only seeing one. Let me see if I can perhaps go back in some way and find the other tweet he sent. He sent it to the Poker Fraud Alert Twitter, which sometimes has remnants of what was sent before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I found it. Is it really gone, this conversation? Let's see if it's really gone or if Twitter's just acting weird. It's so weird when I talk about things on here, then the, like the tweets are gone. Um... Now I can find. I don't know. It may. Be, I think it is gone. Yeah, I think he deleted this tweet. Can't say for sure, but uh, I think it's gone. Anyway, he says to me, "I allegedly threatened a floor man. I did not threaten said floor man." And then he he. It seems like he deleted that tweet that he sent to me. And then he said, "Leave it at that. Can't do details because it's a legal matter now. Would love to go on show though." So obviously, the, I mean, not for sure, but I'm thinking that the floor man he threatened was probably the floor man that he had these issues with. I don't know what happened. I don't know what the threats were. I don't know if the threats were in person at the World Series, or I don't know if they they took something he wrote on social media as a threat and then banned him for that reason. That's very possible, too. There was someone who was banned for just joking around about bringing an AK-47 to the World Series, something like that. Someone, I think, on social media wrote something like that, and then they got banned, and they, they just can't seem to get it overturned. And that person, I forget the person's name, but they were, uh, they were banned for the entire year. They did not play this year because they said this. So I, I wonder if they saw something on social media that they were able to twist into being a threat and then use that as justification to ban him. Not, not that they can ban him for any reason. But maybe that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back and they decided they're just done with him and banned him. So he claims it's a legal matter. I don't think there's much he can do. They can ban you for any reason from Caesar's properties. Any casino can ban you from, from itself for any reason, except for one that would be... Uh, discriminatory reasons that are protected by federal law. So they can't ban you. They can't say, hey, we don't like black people, so we're, we're removing you because you're black. They can't do that. We don't like Jewish people. We don't like gay people. You know, they, they can't do that. We don't like old people. It's another one. They can't. Uh, so those reasons, they can't kick you out. But, but they can say, hey, we just don't like you. We think you're a jerk. We don't like that you've been criticizing our event. They, they really can ban you for criticizing them. They can ban you for any reason. They could just say, we just don't like you. We just plain don't like you. We, we're not going to go into specifics. We just, we just dislike you. And unless you could then find a pattern of this that shows it's discriminatory in some way, which, you know, he's just like a white guy. He's not, uh, I don't think he's in any group that uh, could claim discrimination. Uh, yeah, they could tell you we don't like guys that their cock hangs to the left and then just ban you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's then there's nothing you can do about it. Right. So I don't know what as this. As long le- as it's not. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know about the legal matter. Sometimes you can get a lawyer involved to try to pressure them in some way or ask them to or negotiate for you. There was a guy years ago who got banned for card counting and banned from all Caesars properties and then was trying to get back in to play the World Series. It was it was a Jewish guy from like San Diego. I hadn't heard of him before, but I guess he really liked the World Series and he was banned for card counting though. It it was funny because like the the respo- I saw the letter his lawyer sent and it mentions he was bad, banned from card counting, but like he doesn't admit or deny the card counting. So it's so clear the guy really was card counting because there, it was not one denial in there, but they also weren't admitting it. It just talked about how he was banned from card counting. You know, He's willing to stay away from the blackjack tables completely, blah, blah, blah. Just please let him play the World Series. But as far as I know, he wasn't able to come back. They were, they, they were trying hard to do it, but I don't know if he ever was successful. So that that is a problem if you ever do anything to get banned from Caesar's properties. You, you've got to be careful when you're at Caesar's properties that you don't uh, – do something that's going to make them want to be done with you, whether it's uh, blackjack card counting or, or just uh, getting drunk and belligerent or whatever it is. Unless your name is Phil Helmuth, you're not going to be able to get away with that. And then, then you may, you'll find yourself banned from the entire World Series. So, like, for example, I, I'll never play blackjack at a Caesars property for that reason. I don't want to get banned from all Caesars properties for card counting. Uh, I, I, you know, there's... It's similar things like, uh, you know, like when I see Dan, Daniel Negreanu recording video at the table and posting it online. Daniel Negreanu can get away with it, but I know that I, I'm told I can't do it and I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to push it and say, oh, Daniel's doing it. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to I have to follow the rules because I, I don't want to risk getting banned. Now, I, I'm not going to be so scared that I'm not going to criticize the World Series for things they do wrong. But I, I think my criticism is, is fair criticism. And... Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to break rules here, to uh, and risk being able to play the world, not be able to play the World Series anymore. So anyway, that's that's the story with that. He's been banned, and there's been another guy who was banned for totally different reasons. Well, the Scotch on the East Coast wants to call up and give us uh, some more details here. Let me. Uh, so before we get to that story, I'm going to call Scott. He says he has great details to bring up about bans at that. Uh, Caesars. So we'll we'll put him on here. One second. Then we'll go on to the story about someone who got uh, kicked out of the Rio and banned from the World Series for a weird reason. A reason I would never think of that someone would uh, find themselves banned from uh, Caesars property, though it makes sense. But let's put on Scott first. But if you want to call in anybody, seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. Scott, so what what would you like to add here? Uh, first, that, first shout out to Larry. Okay. Um, remember, probably your most beautiful listener. Nothing against, nothing against Amanda Stenchcom, but your most beautiful listener, Michelle. She was banned for the floor guy hitting on her. They ban you at these properties for anything they want, Todd. Well, she didn't say she was banned. Was she? She can still come to Caesar's properties. No, 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 no. Her story was she was banned and kicked out, even though she was a seven stars, when that floor guy hit on her and sent her all those text messages that she sent in. Was it? Okay, maybe I'm forgetting the story completely. But she can come back. I, I, I totally. I know she's not banned. I, I totally it. misunderstood it. 
I know she's not banned now because she was she was talking about uh, how she was going to come during the World Series, and uh, I'm not sure she was going to play events, but she was saying she was going to be out here. I don't know if she ever made it, but she uh, she was saying she was going to be out here, but she wouldn't, and she was. I, I, she didn't directly say she's going to be at the Rio, but it was strongly implied in what she was saying to me that she was going to be out here. Uh, as I said, I never ended up seeing her around here, but uh, uh, I, I, she may have been banned temporarily. I'm forgetting the exact story she told now. Now you're making me doubt myself. I remember, obviously, the whole story about the guy hitting on her. She sent me the text messages. Uh, I agree the text messages that she got. The guy there. wanted to do this Cleveland steamer on her and all that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, it was the very inappropriate stuff the guy wrote, and and he was very aggressive with it. And I don't I don't know what made him do this to her, but yeah, that, that it seems like the story she was telling was true. Uh, but I don't believe she's currently banned from Caesar's properties. She may have been banned at one point. I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting all no, that. No, 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 no. She she was she was she got it lifted. Okay. Well, maybe she can clear this up. Yeah, that that may have been what happened. She can clear this up if she wants. But uh, yeah, they they. uh, And again, you get. What were you gonna say? You get these dummies that want to be banned from our that want to be banned from properties for stuff that they actually do wrong, and then it makes the company look like like jerks. Where we had a guy who who uh, pressed a bet for an extra dollar in roulette, so he got paid an extra thirty five dollars the other day, and he refused to give it back. After he got caught cheating, and they ban you for stuff like that—that that is, that you should be banned for, or that you should be kicked out for if you don't get the money back. Yeah, those are the t- things they need to enforce. My my property doesn't enforce it, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So some of the bans, a lot of the bans people get are for are correct bans, and there are certain people that uh, are very bad to have around at these casinos that are disruptive in some way, or abusive in some way, or they cheat, or whatever it is that where it's totally justified to remove them. And in fact, in some cases, it's uh, even better for the other customers that they're removed. But uh, I th- this Luke Vrabel story is so weird because. Knowing this guy's personality, I've never met him in person, So I, but just knowing his personality and the reputation he has, it's always hard to give someone like that the benefit of the doubt that they didn't cause some of their own problems. But then at the same time, I can totally picture the floor man going on a power trip and being unreasonable, especially if it's someone he doesn't like. So I, I can totally picture both sides where I can just like see this whole thing happening. Even without being there, I can picture the whole thing happening and escalating and then getting to a point it never should have. But, I, but I've always said, and I've said this at businesses before, where sometimes, you know, I'm not one of these like, really like obnoxious, loud people, but I'm also someone, if a business is screwing me, I'm going to speak up. And I've had it before where some employee wants to just fight back with me because they, they, they turned it, instead of just trying to look, uh, listen to what I'm saying and understand it, they turn it into an ego thing, like they've got to be right and I've got to be wrong. So... I've had it where employees have gotten very rude to me and so rude to where they don't even bother to stop and think that maybe I have a point. So when I eventually go over their head and their boss confirms that, yeah, I was right the whole way and not just to kiss my ass, but they, you know, they confirm I was right. They're going to tell the employee I was right. They're going to make sure everybody understands the rules, blah, blah, blah. But the the problem is, and I, I've said this before, uh, and I've said this before when I have these type of employees arguing with me, I say, it, it doesn't matter what you think of me personally. You, you have to be professional here. You have to... You have to deal with me fairly whether you like me or not. You may dislike me personally, but you need to treat me fairly as an employee of this place because you're not – this isn't your own business. This is your – you're working for a company that would want you to treat me fairly and according to the rules the business set up or, or, or doing the right thing for the business and not, not just 
going by you're mad at me for arguing with you right now so you want to you know, so you want to win this or you want to you want to prove me wrong or you, you want to you, you know you you have to always be able to put your personal feelings aside when you're at work and not try to use your position at work there to screw with people and uh and, and I, I feel very strongly about that and i've worked jobs before i've been on the other side of it where i've been working jobs and i've dealt with customers who were very awful and very rude and very difficult to deal with and I, i'll tell you you guys may be surprised but i've never fought with them I've ne- I never put them down. I never argued. You know, I, I'd argue only if, if, if I was sure I was right. But I, I, I was never. Uh, I, I sound like a completely different person than what you're used to, because I knew I was representing the company and not myself, and that I knew that I was supposed to just put my per- personal feelings aside and still treat them respectfully, and still uh, uh, give them, you know, whatever service I'm supposed to give them. And that's. But a lot of people can't do that, and a lot of people. Sometimes you know, work for these companies will make it into about their own ego, and they have to win the battle, and uh, that's where some of these problems happen. So I have a feeling with that floor man there that probably occurred, and that's where they the floor man was probably wrong. These these are all my guesses. I don't I don't know this for sure. It, it's possible one side was completely right, one side was completely wrong, but I don't think so. I think that he probably escalated it some. And then the floor man improperly escalated it himself. And there's a higher level of, of expectation upon the employees than the, than the customers. So the customers aren't working for anyone. The, the employees are. So the employees, they, they're the ones who always have to take the higher ground and say, even if the, the customer's being obnoxious, I'm going to not let that affect me and still act professional. And, uh, and so I think some of these floor men, get, get, you know, they get on power trips and, and they get that way sometimes. And then there's other floor men who don't give a shit and don't uh, don't enforce anything. In fact, I, I forgot to tell you guys about a hand at the World Series I play. I tweeted about it a bit, but this this is an example of a floor man who isn't who didn't do enough. So at my second table, uh, not too long after I was there, a guy raised in middle late position, this uh, kind of heavy set. Uh, Young, not really young, kind of moderately, probably early 30s uh, guy who looked either Indian or Arabic. It's hard to tell. See, he he raises in middle eight position. I have pocket eights in the small blind, and I three bet him. It comes back to him, and the whole time he's been on the phone, not just the phone, he's been on FaceTime with his girlfriend. So he's on. he raises, he stays on FaceTime, he's still talking to his girlfriend as he's raising. Then he actually says as I re-raise him, oh, looks like I just got re-raised here. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to play this hand. I'll have to talk to you a little bit later. It's like, like you can't do that. You can't in the middle of a poker hand on a tournament, be on FaceTime, and even announce to the person on FaceTime you just got re-raised. <laughs> so I had always thought that if you do that, your hand is dead. And I'm not, I'm not talking about being a hard ass like if someone you know, do, you know doesn't hang up their phone the, the second they get dealt cards. I mean, yeah, he sits here. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, I love you. Raise. Yeah, so so he's going like with a regular conversation like it's not supposed to end. So I don't want to say anything at this point because I eights aren't that strong of a hand. At this point I'm I'm happy if his hand is killed, but if it's not killed, I don't want to give away that I don't have something like aces and that uh, like I I don't want it to make it seem like that I I'm happy just to take his original raise and and the blinds and annies and be done with it. I want him to think you know, I might have a, a super strong hand where I want the action. So I can't say anything. But I have a guy to my right who just is outraged about this and, and, and says, that's not, that should be a dead hand. That should be a dead hand. That should be a dead hand. I, you can't be on the phone. You can't be on FaceTime. So he, they call the floor over. And then this very lackadaisical floor is like, yeah, what's going on? So they, yeah, so they explained it to him. He's like, okay. So 
Is he on the phone now? No, no, no. But he was on during the hand. He explained the whole thing. Okay, well, play the hand. I'm thinking, what? you got to be kidding me. I, I, I totally thought they were going to kill his hand for this. But the guy just totally didn't give a crap. And then I couldn't say anything, of course, because I'm in the hand still, and, it's, and we've got to play it out, so I don't want to reveal my I've only got eights. So the flop came with, like, one high overcard queen or king and two little ones. So I bet the flop... He called, and I'm like, shit, i got to check and fold now. So I check the turn, he checks the turn. On the river, wouldn't you know it, the eight comes. And there's no straighter flush possible. So obviously I'm, I'm gold here. So I actually put out a fairly big bet, and he called it. And he looked frustrated, so he must have had eight speed. But um, at that point, I was obviously very happy that they didn't kill the hand. However... Um, Right after the hand's over, because <laughs> he's already in a bad mood for losing, he doesn't take it out on me, but he, that guy who had brought all this up, remember, I hadn't spoken to Peep here. Those two started really going at it, and at one point, uh, almost went outside to fight. The only reason they didn't was because they, you know, the, the, the guy who originally called him out, you know, they got worse and worse, he actually said, let's go outside and settle, but, and, and the guy, the... the the guy who would use the phone said, okay, let's go, and stood up and was ready to go. And then the first guy backed down. He, he was actually just bluffing with the fight thing. So he said, yeah, that's what I thought, you fat fuck. And that said, right, what was that? That right there, standing up, deserves to be banned. Uh, banishment. Yeah, well, 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 he was challenged first of the fight outside. But, uh, but anyway, so the floor man saw, like, heard a little of this. And so then he said, like, you, you need to come over to, you know. I think he... he uh, at some point, the floor man heard the back and forth there and actually called over the guy, you know, the one who was in the hand, and said he had to talk to him. So I, I can only hear a little of their talking, but I hear the end of it, and this, this obnoxious guy is going, yeah, well, you know, I, I, fine, fine, you know, I, I won't comment about that stuff, but I, I, have a right to be obno- I have a right to be annoying. I'm very good at being annoying in these tournaments. I'm great at being annoying, and that's what I do, and that, that helps as part of my game, and I'm going to keep being annoying, and, and that's what I'm going to do. For the rest of the tournament, and the, tur- the floor man, instead of saying, "Wait a minute, no, you can't just purposely be annoying. We're, you know, we'll penalize you." Instead, of the floor man's like, "Okay, okay, okay." So he just sits back down, believing he's been given the right to quote be annoying the rest of the way. Then he announces that because the table did this to him, that he's going to call the clock on everybody every time. But uh, then he didn't actually do it. He didn't call the clock once. And then we did. We didn't last that much longer. And then. Uh, then the uh, the table broke, but he did manage to about twenty minutes after that. He saw I was wearing the bracelet, and he, about twenty minutes later, he's like, "Hey, uh, what, what is your name over there?" I said, "Me." He said, "Yeah." I said, it's "Todd." He's like, "Okay, well, you know, I see you have a bracelet. I didn't notice that before. You know, what what event was this?" And I just want to let you know, I wasn't mad at you there about the bad beat there. I was only mad at that guy next to you. And he's like, <laughs> he wanted me to know that, uh, you know, he didn't have a problem with me. I don't know if he was impressed with the bracelet or what, but uh, um, so so me and him had never had words, but so. But he's one of you. He was scared of the hat. <laughs> he was scared of the poker fraud alert hat. So yeah, so that that, that happened there. That, there was a little fireworks there. So it was about my hand, but I never got involved simply because. And I, the funny thing is, the whole time I wanted the hand killed, I just I couldn't say anything. I felt just like uh, that wolf guy in that game uh, with, with Alec Torelli last year, where you can't argue your own case about your hand because you're going to give away the strength of your hand. So that is exactly how I felt. Like I could not say anything. Because I didn't want to know that I'd be. Ha- I didn't want to make it sound like I'm advocating to kill his hand. So, anyway, uh, you know who we can blame for this for the guy Atkins boy. 
Who? Brandon's buddy, William Kasuf. <laughs> well, it's it's funny you mentioned William Kasuf. Um, William Kasuf played on one of the TV tables and busted in day two yesterday. He played while I played. I, he was never at my table, but he busted uh, off the TV table, and the whole crowd cheered. And some people were not happy about that. Some people were saying that there should not have been cheering, that William Kasuf was kind of a mini moneymaker, and that he probably, you know, the, the, the field of the main event went up some. For Like the last few years, it's been like 6,600 type uh, field. Now it's like 7,200. And some people say, hey, maybe William Kasuf actually is the reason because a lot of people watched him play and were entertained by him and thought, you know, hey, we'll, uh, you know, this seems fun. Let's come play the World Series. And I, it, it's... Yeah, but wait a minute. Moneymaker wasn't an asshole. Well, you know, Moneymaker... Yeah, exactly. No, Moneymaker's a nice guy, and, and I'll say that he had a huge effect, a, a gigantic effect on poker. Will and Kasuf, if he had an effect, it's, it's, it's a moderate effect or a small effect, but, but people, some people were saying that his his play still probably encouraged people to be interested in poker and want to play poker and maybe may have had to do with why the field was bigger so people shouldn't be boo- shouldn't be cheering that he got knocked out well for sure it was more exciting to watch than you know some uh, backpack kid tanking you know in his hoodie for 30 minutes before every decision for sure it was more interesting than that yeah and and uh and we had him on this show. He was nice when we had him on this show. And and I know this is really an act what he does there. I can see being at the table with him, it's annoying. Uh, so I, I probably wouldn't enjoy playing with him and having him do this constantly. And I know all his table mates were just really frustrated with him and he was getting on everyone's nerves. And he does that on purpose, of course, to gain an advantage. But I don't know if he was doing that at the TV table. See, if, if he was acting like a jerk at the TV table and, and they cheered him because he busted, then that's fine because he, he brought it on himself. If you're going to act like a jerk on purpose and, and be the bad guy and then everyone cheers when you're gone, then you can't, you know, you can't be mad at that any more than an actor who's playing a bad guy in a movie would get mad if, if people cheer when his character dies. So uh, if that's the truth, if that's what caused it, fine. But if people were cheering based upon TV coverage last year and if he was acting normally this year. I don't know if he was or not. Then then that's a problem. So, uh, uh, yeah, by the way, someone sent me a copy uh, of this tweet from earlier about the bathroom from Seth Polanski. A listener sent me a, the copy of it. It says, uh, we explained this issue earlier in the summer. Bathroom needs a total gutting. Walls, floors removed, et cetera, to fix. We chose half working versus none. Yeah, yeah what I was saying before, though, is they had to bring in more bathrooms. You can't just say, okay, well, it's going to be half working. Uh, by the way, from 314, they're texting, holy shit, Cal Watts sounds like he's in a rocket ship slash video game each time he unmutes himself. Hilarious. Couldn't replicate that sound effect if you tried. <laughs> Level up. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, Larry Laver says, Player two has entered the game. Larry Laffer says, haven't shit in a public bathroom in eight years. Bart is correct. Public bathrooms are gross. Um, one of the listeners is guessing uh, if that movie you were talking about earlier is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Was that it? That was not it. Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, from the 440 asking, do, main, do the players get paid for the main event TV tables? 
Actually, no. And the other sad thing is that there's not even sponsors that hang around anymore that give you money. That the, the, the times have changed. I asked that right away. I said, "Oh wow, TV table. Can we get any sponsors?" They go, "No, nobody's there." I'm like, ah, shit. Okay. I thought I thought I'm going to get my buy-in paid for again. Actually, I didn't. I thought I probably wouldn't, but I was hoping. Uh, from the five one two. Uh, says uh, not- I don't know if he's at the main event but he said notable players at my table Brian Boitano and Barry Larkin I would think that's probably the main event interesting I wonder how they play Let's see any- anything else here um, Todd I got a question for you yeah since you can't get sponsored uh, you personally anybody can't get sponsored anymore at the TV tables do you have to sign a waiver like you do with the WPT to go on ESPN? No, but they make you sign a waiver at the beginning before playing any World Series event that basically says that they can broadcast whatever they want. So so it's the same thing as WPT. You're signing the waiver as you sign up for the event. Yes. Well, but as you sign up for and any again, event. again, you're in a casino. I mean, you're in a casino, so the casino has the rights to you, but you're signing the waiver so ESPN can broadcast it. A thousand times if you make it and not pay you a single. Penny. Yes, yes. You, you sign that with the first event you play each year, and then it's supposed to be binding for all the events that you play for the remaining year. Uh, here, this is from Mumbles Badly. Some truckers keep a bucket in their truck to crap in if they don't want to leave their truck to go to the bathroom. Not me. <laughs> That's gross. I'm glad he doesn't do it, though. Uh, uh, let's see. I wonder how his hooker uh, takes that when he has the. Oh, uh, he doesn't do it. Never mind. <laughs> from the 631, uh, longtime archive listener, first time listener from New York. Now I really know about show delays. Yeah, there's a big one tonight. Good luck in the main rest of the way and have a good show. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, th- this was a longer delay than usual because of the problem checking in, and uh, it would have been even a longer delay if, if Trader Ruski hadn't. Uh, Push them along to speed it up. From the 480. Hey, Todd, if you want a good prank pre-recorded segment, try these clowns. What I'm sending is the text translation for my voicemail sent me. They're getting creative using a 202 number this time. Quote, internal, Rev- internal revenue service is the reason for this call is to inform you that the IRS is filing a lawsuit against you to get more information about this case file. Please call immediately on our department number 202, blah, 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 blah. Okay, we'll try that tonight. That's, that's... Oh, have you had the new one yet about drugs? They call you and they try and sell you um, Cialis or something? No. here We have a, we have a new caller, though. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Todd. It's Brett from Sacramento. Hey, Brett. What's going on? Hey, you remind me, uh, when someone said about the truckers, I had to throw something out there. Um, for years, I've been driving back and forth like to Utah or Nevada, Highway 80, and between California and Utah, for the longest time, I could not figure out why are these all these bottles of half-full iced tea on the side of the road? Oh, no. It's not iced tea. It's the <laughs> truckers. They pee in the bottles, and they throw them over the side. I, I, long, I couldn't figure out why it's so consistent. Why are all these tea bottles on the side of the road? <laughs> I had to throw that out there. We mentioned the trucker thing, man. I, I don't know if there needs to be a, a state-enacted law, but these guys are throwing the ga- – it's always Gatorade, too. They throw the Gatorade. <laughs> Well, the Over problem the is I, probably in desolate areas like that on I eighty uh, I eighty something that that runs you know across uh, Nevada northern Nevada it, it's it's a very yeah. uh, empty stretch where there's probably no one around to see it like you can there's a lot you can do and get away with and no one will see over there so 
it's just it's just bad, man. I, I, to the point, I think like should I contact the state legislators or something? I mean, I don't know how you enforce that, but it's you just can't, like, that's the problem. It's so hard to enforce because they, they'll know nobody's around to see it and they'll just toss it and that's yeah. That. I just you reminded me that when you mentioned it, man. It's just such a bad, especially <laughs> Nevada. Yeah. So thanks a lot. All right, thanks. That was Brad from Sacramento. That's, that's great. He thought it was iced tea. <laughs> I knew, as soon as he said iced tea, I knew what he was talking about. Okay, so those are the texts we've gotten tonight. And Eric Ryland is claiming he's coming to the Rio tomorrow and that we'll meet for the first time. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. He always says he's going to meet me and then never does, so we'll see. But he, he's easy to spot. He's like six foot seven, and he has big eyebrows. So it's, it's not hard to find Eric Ryland. It's easy to even find him in a crowd. Like, seeing Eric Ryland in a crowd at six foot seven is kind of like me in a crowd in Japan. So, uh, yeah, it was so weird in Japan. I'm sure Calwatt's experienced that. You're in Tokyo with just like mass crowds of people in the streets, and you could just look over everyone's heads. The whole crowd, you look over them. It's crazy. Did you, are you seeing that there, uh, Calwatt? Are you looking over everyone's head there? Here comes a rocket ship. No, no rocket ship. I guess he's uh, doing something. No, no. Oh, you're here. You're getting the rocket ship. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. It makes it easy that I can see over everyone here because I'm taller. But the the one thing that I hadn't thought about that is a severe disadvantage is back home. It was pretty easy for me to find my wife. Oh. You know? I could be like, hey, has anyone seen like a little Asian girl? One. Oh, uh, yeah. And then here, if I'm trying to find my wife, I mean, forget it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I even had that experience at uh, at home. We uh, we went to this is a number of years ago when Ben was a baby, but we went to this uh, Hanukkah thing where they lit this like giant thirty foot menorah, and that was the first time my girlfriend had been around like an event of all Jews. And I told her there, I said, if I walk away, you're not going to have trouble finding me because all the Jews are short. So you're going to like, I'm going to stick out in the crowd. And sure enough, she she noticed exactly that. Like I, I walked across and she was very easy. It's very easy to locate me because like I really was like taller than everybody there by a wide margin, which doesn't always happen. Like there are some tall Jews, but uh, not that many. So really like with a large crowd of Jewish people, there's like a few tall heads sticking out of there, but not but not many. So. I can even get that experience going to Temple or anything. Anything with a lot of Jews, it's 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 amazing there, because they they all look like you know they fit in with me until I stand up, and then uh, and then most of them are just so much shorter, like five inches shorter or more. So anyway, that's that's going on to uh, the situation with uh, the fireworks in the room. This is crazy. Uh, there is. Uh, uh, and this is a story brought to me by Alan Kessler, by the way. He 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 always likes to bring stories to me during the World Series. Now, he brought a good one to me last year. He, he wanted me to look into the Jared Blesnick getting banned and then unbanned within three days. And I found out coincidentally, because there was someone uh, someone who knew, that just happened to know that, that I came in contact with, that, uh, that what had happened. And I found out it was Phil Helmuth who pulled the strings and then... Uh, I made that public, and then eventually Poker News asked Jack, Jack Heffel about it, who verified it. So it was, it was correct. It was Phil Helmuth who got him back in. So that was all because uh, Kessler brought the story to me at the World Series. So this year he brought a, a less exciting story, but still interesting. A poker player got kicked out of the World Series and the Rio, and I believe all Caesars properties, for storing fireworks in his room. <laughs> 
this is what happened. Uh, this was just a stupid mistake. He didn't even mean anything harmful with them. He bought fireworks to shoot off on the 4th of July. He bought too many. He had some left over. He said, no, I might as well not throw these away. Now, I don't know what he was planning to do with them. And I don't even know where this guy's from. His name, supposedly, I don't have this verified, but I was told it's a poker player named David Aker. A-K-E-R. I looked up David Aker, and I found that he he has some caches, uh, mostly smaller caches, uh, smaller type events. I'm looking at his Hendon Mob right now. Um, I shouldn't say smaller. Uh, He's been buying into uh, a lot of World Series circuit events. He also cashed in the Giant this year and the Monster Stack this year. But he's mostly entering in like $365 circuit events. He seems to be doing that a lot. And some of it's in Las Vegas. Some of it's in places like Tunica, North Carolina, Philadelphia. He's going all over the place, this David Aker. I don't really know him. He's from Bakersfield, California, it says. And the picture of him, he's uh, a black guy. He's a black guy, looks uh, fairly young. Uh, I only see one picture of him wearing a, winning a, a circuit event. He has a pretty long stretch of caches, though. Again, most of them are small, but a pretty long stretch of caches. The biggest one was uh, well, he won a circuit event at Bally's for 25K. And then he the big one is he won uh, the Harris-Cherokee, or finished third in the 1675 Harris-Cherokee main event for 109K, which must have had a pretty big field. So obviously he's you know, he's probably a pretty good poker player this this guy. Oh, he also got uh, first at a circuit event in uh, another Cherokee circuit event in uh, on April twentieth of this year. So he has a lot of caches. I'm, I'm sure this guy is probably a pretty good tournament player. But uh, he's not playing the main event. I don't know if he was planning to, but if if Kessler's story is correct, he got kicked out because his fireworks were discovered in the room, which is. Very, very prohibited. You can't bring anything explosive into a hotel room for obvious reasons. Very, very big fire hazard. Very, very dangerous. I, I'm sure he didn't mean anything by it. I'm sure he's just like, oh, damn, I didn't use them all. Well, I don't want to throw these in the trash. I've got, I've got, I want to save them. But uh, now this isn't quite as dumb as Christian Lusardi cheating in the Borgata and then flushing the fake chips down the toilet in Harris. That It's not quite this dumb, but it's... Uh, it's somewhat as dumb. He stored these in his room, and then he didn't put a Do Not Disturb sign up, so the maid came in and found them. <laughs> I mean, come on. At the very least, he had to figure out that this wasn't allowed. At the very least, you've got to think, okay, I shouldn't be doing this, but it's going to be fine. Nothing's going to happen. I'm just going to take the chance to do it anyway. But at that point, you put up the Do Not Disturb sign. You do not let anyone come in your room that would report you for this. I mean, the, the truth is you don't do it. The truth is it is dangerous. But, uh, but putting that aside, if you're going to do it, you keep the Do Not Disturb sign up. But for some reason, he didn't. For some reason, he still wanted his room service. He, he didn't want his bed unmade. So the maid saw it, reported it, and they kicked him out of all Caesar's properties from the story Alan Kessler told me. Now... If I'm incorrect about this, David Aker, anyone who knows him is welcome to contact me and I will issue a retraction next week if this is not a true story. But uh, Kessler tends to get these things right. But this this was an Alan Kessler reported story to me. 
I tried to find independent verification on the web and cannot find any inter- independent verification. I always feel funny when I come out and tell a story like this based upon hearsay. I once got burned by it, where I reported something that was only half true. In fact, it led indirectly to be getting banned on 2 plus 2, even though, I didn't, even though I didn't post it on 2 plus 2. But we won't talk about that anymore. I'm back there. So, uh, that happened. Uh, another thing happened regarding the ladies' event that someone just brought to my attention in a text message. And I, I had heard about the story, but I forgot to add it to the agenda. They stopped the men playing in the ladies' event thing a few years ago by coming up with an idea to make it to where it wasn't worth it for any males to enter it. Because before males were entering it, and by law you can't discriminate by gender, so males were entering it, there was nothing they could do. Uh, not only that, they couldn't even ban these people from the World Series for that, because that is actually banning someone for discriminatory purposes. Like if, if you play the main event, if you play the women's event and then they ban you for that, or if they ban you and say it's for a different reason, uh, you would have a good case in court that the reason they banned you is actually because you played the ladies' event. And therefore, they're discriminatory, and therefore, you could win a big judgment against them, so they can't do it. So they were just irritated by this at the World Series for years and finally came up with a smart idea. I'm surprised this is legal, but it must be because they must have checked into it. And for several years now, they have been charging $10,000 for men and only 1000 for women. They're basically giving – it's like a $10,000 event where women get a $9,000 discount, where it's effectively a $1,000 event. I would think that would also be discriminatory because they're discriminating the you know the price by gender, but I guess they're kind of going along with the ladies' night thing that they have at bars where they'll, and clubs where they'll let ladies in for free and men have to pay. So that's been a thing for a long time in order to encourage women to show up, especially in places that tend to get more men. So I, I'm thinking for whatever reason, they uh, th- this must be legal. And therefore, that dissuaded men from entering. Before men were entering, because it was a good value tournament. Uh, Sean Deeb famously did this in a dress and makeup. He, he dressed in drag and played the event. This is before he became as big of a name as he is now. Now Sean Deeb uh, wouldn't do things like that. But Anyway, and I think Sean Deeb would take it back now if he could. Like I, I think he, that's a very embarrassing thing for him now. Much like the Negreanu and blackface thing he would take back if he could. But yeah, sometimes people do things in the past that they wish they could take back once they become more high profile or more mature. So they've done it for regular events. so you can go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's the time to dress and drag. Exactly. <laughs> that's a great point. You know, I, I you know I'm going to start doing, I think I'm, I'm going to start dressing and drag and I'm going to say, I'm identifying as female and I start using the women's bathroom. That's a great idea. I think maybe, maybe between now and tomorrow at 11, I'm going to have a sex change. Not, not, no surgery. I'm not going to have my penis chopped off. But I think I'm going to uh, just identify as a woman starting tomorrow. Gruff. Oh, Can you hear me? Yeah. You will make a horrible woman. But that's okay. I don't have to be pretty, though. I just have, I just have to be, uh, I just have to identify as a woman. And these days they can't question it. And I'm just going to... Uh, you know, I'm just going to say I, I identify as a woman, and I'll show up as a woman to the event, and then uh, I can use the, f- the women's bathroom. That might be worth it. So this would actually be a good test, a good test of uh, Kate White Trash Hall's uh, tolerance. Yeah, that's right? true. Wait, wait until she goes into the bathroom, <clears throat> and then amble in there awkwardly in your high heels and dress, <laughs> and saddle up next to her and just let the monster loose. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then I'll say, well, hey, Kate, uh, you know, I identify as a woman now. That's why I'm in here. Oh, uh, yes, and you have to make sure you engage her in conversation. Yeah, yeah I'll say I identify as a woman. I, I bet you, of all people, would support this, you know, being a social justice warrior. I'm sure you support my right to use this bathroom as, as uh, the woman I'm identifying as. So, yeah, yeah that would and solve the problem. Eye contact is a must. <laughs> that would solve the problem. That's a great idea, Trader Ruski. And you too, Cal, what, to, to wait, to, wait till uh, Kate Hall uses the bathroom. In fact, I've got, I've got to see if she survived. Uh, I, I believe she played the main event. I've got to see if she survived and will be in day three. So here's, here's another developing story. Oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't finish this story. So the reason I'm mentioning the ladies' event is that there was one player who actually played this year in the ladies' event who was male. And he got, uh, he busts, I guess, he busted within 20 minutes. And everybody gave him... Wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't, don't tell me it was hashtag king. Did no, he actually no. do it? No. Because he, he was going to. I don't think he could afford it was the problem. He probably would have. But oh no, he was banned. Right. He's banned from Caesars too. That was the biggest problem. That was the, uh, that. That's going to be the reason. But within uh, twenty minutes of of playing, I guess this guy busted. Uh, and the reason that he was able to afford it was that um, this guy is a pro hockey player of all things. So for some reason, a pro hockey player, his name is. Simon Dupre Belevance, a Canadian professional hockey player, but he's currently a free agent. Uh, he used to play on the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Anaheim Ducks. He's the only one to have ever entered the tournament since they changed it to $10,000 for male. So he put up the t- full $10,000 and played. Um, I, I guess he did, it wasn't 20 minutes. I guess it was uh, – I'm seeing Poker News is claiming he was six and a half hours in. So I guess I'm getting different things here. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess Natasha, N- Natasha Mercier, formerly Natasha Barbour, played at his table. And she tweeted, just hopped in the ladies' event, lighting it on, uh, lighting it on fire, and found one human w- lighting it on fire even worse. And uh, she, so she played with him. Yeah. And I see a picture of him. He wore like a, he wore a hat, uh, kind of like a cowboy. He wore a cowboy hat. And he had a big smile on his face, and he, he said, this is what he said, um, I've been working on my game since the beginning of the year. Even though poker is a hobby for me, I love the game, and I really want to win a bracelet. I thought I had a good chance to do well in the ladies. <laughs> so that's, that's the reason. He wanted a bracelet. He felt this is the easiest path to a bracelet. So he put up the extra money. <laughs> that's funny. I hope he made good money with with the NHL because that's uh, nine thousand dollars you're wasting there. Well, but if you're a woman, like you can't be mad at this. This is fantastic. Look, well, look at the the overlay he's adding to the price. Well, price. that's what someone said. Someone tweeted, not a, a woman, but a guy named uh, Brett Carlson, tweeted, "Ladies can thank hockey player uh, Simone Dupre Belavance for donating ten k into the prize pool today." Yeah, so, I mean, did you, you say you Grant Carlson? Uh, Brett Colson. Not Grant. I'm sorry. Brett Colson. Yeah, I don't know who he is. But anyway, yeah, but, I mean, he brings up a good point. Yeah, it's, it's the, he definitely just donated an extra 9K into the tournament. Plus, uh, if he wasn't good, I guess he donated another 1K for being a uh, fish. So that's funny. The reason he did it, though, was it wasn't to make any kind of social statement or be controversial. He just he just wanted a bracelet. But, you know, is he really going to be proud wearing that bracelet? Hey, where, what do you want your bracelet in? Oh, the, the ladies' event. I won the ladies' event. Like, like, 
why would you even be proud of that bracelet? I could see more if you're doing it just to troll or if you're doing this because uh, you, you think there's value. But... Ruff, I have the feeling a guy that's going to enter this to begin with is going to be very proud if he wins that bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. He'll get his mates, his mates over after a night of drinking. He's like, oh, you want to see my World Series of Poker bracelet? And they'll show it to him and be like, yeah, it's for the ladies' event. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's very proud of that. Well, he had if, a big... if he was able to win it. Oh, he would be so proud. He had a big smile on his face in the pictures I've seen of him. So that, that yeah, that happened too. Okay, that was a, a bonus topic tonight, and uh, that was brought to me by a listener. Um, hey, you brought up the fireworks. Did you get the email from me about the fireworks in Baltimore? Yes, yes. But you you can go ahead. What what happened in Baltimore? I mean, you can tell everybody if you want to. A uh, car apparently caught on fire, and a uh, guy was in the poker room talking about how he paid it off three months earlier and uh next thing you know about about an hour after he's talking about it car lights on fire and the whole casino gets evacuated and spread to two other cars now did it have to do with fireworks in the parking garage for any for anybody that's ever been to the casino the parking garage is separated by a good 25 25 yards i'd say from the casino oh so there was no threat to it so it was really weird to evacuate the casino and Everybody in it. Now, was was this, I this mean, including a, employees? This is a horseshoe, Baltimore. Yes. And, and uh, now, did it have on, to do on Fourth of July of all days? And did it have to do with fireworks in the car or not? Uh, I mean, there's like, speculation. I mean, yeah. Otherwise, why would a car just just spontaneously catch on fire at Walt's Park? That's very weird. That usually doesn't happen. I mean, it could be an electrical issue that that was. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it could. Yeah, it could have been really hot when he turned it off, and then and then it burned up while it, once he left. But that's. Yeah, I would think the Fourth of July is a good chance it could be fireworks. So. It spread from a. I should say it spread from his car to two others, and even ruined a bunch of the. Uh, we have golf carts at the property, which I find really weird that security can't walk the parking garage. They have to actually use golf carts, <laughs> and they're all gone now. I wasn't there to see the damage personally, but wow. since I've been back, they are not even there. So I believe this guy's insurance will actually cover this. Um, I hope so for him. Yeah. I, I, if they can find proof he had he left fireworks in the car, maybe not, but I, I'm guessing he'll probably cover it. Uh, if your car just spontaneously catches I mean, it is Baltimore. It could be a ton of things. Yeah. If it's spon- a, a block that he didn't put out properly yeah i i don't know in car in car situations like that i don't know how much they investigate because it's different they you you you, you're covered a lot of times for fires even if it's your fault and uh like if you got in an accident it's your fault you still get covered your rates will go up you get covered so that's part of the insurance i there's a good chance you'll get covered anyway uh so i i've never really thought about how that would work with if something happens to your car from something you leave inside of it that explodes and causes the car to get destroyed rather than just the car itself having a problem where you're driving badly. So I don't know. I think I'll probably get paid for it. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. What if you're walking through the parking lot? Like, do you ever do you ever picture walking through a parking lot that a car is just going to explode or just catch on fire in front of you? Like, it would be so weird just walking by that and just seeing a, a fire just start up in a parked car. That's just something you would never expect to see. Uh-oh, rocket ship. 
Yeah, I was about to say, if you grew up watching any uh, Chuck Norris movies, I mean, cars just spontaneously blow up all the time. Well, yeah, yeah, when people, yeah, in, in those movies where, like, a, ga- <laughs> a gangster movies or something where they they, they put uh, explosives in the car where the, the second they turn on the ignition that the car explodes, that happens all the time. So, that's, uh... okay, let's, uh, let's go to, uh... I want to talk about the Chris Ferguson, and then we'll be done with the, talking about the World Series for tonight. Chris Ferguson gave everybody a scare. It's not over yet. In fact, I don't know in the main event. Someone could tell me if he's still in the main or not, uh, and if he's in the, the one, the little one for one drop that Bart's playing. Because those are the drop. I just got to preface this by saying that I mean, for all the talk, poker players are pussies. You know, like. Not a not a single thing has happened to either one of these guys. Yeah, I think the the the, the only real thing that's uh, I've only heard about like uh, like I confronted Howard at the table and had a long conversation with him and I started off pretty hostile too. Right. Uh, and then uh, Daniel Anderson, she she confronted him too, and I think uh, so. Like and I'm not I'm not advocating violence against any of these guys, but there are people who have advocated that. But none of them are doing it. Yeah, none of them it. do it. They're right, all, right. Everyone's just all talk. They're all full of shit. Yeah, I know. I know. Even, even people that have threatened them, you know, if they, they see them, they'll just walk past them. Yeah, that's what I'm... You know? I, I said, I'm it's, it's, a, it's pathetic. Yeah, yes. It's no one, pathetic. At least yeah, most, you had the stones to sit down and talk to them. Yeah, and during a 10K event, too, I did that. So, so anyway... Uh, but I'll tell you, if Ray, Ray Batar pissed off enough people that he, he might actually be in danger. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. Like I wonder if, if he, he returned publicly to any of these events. Like someone might actually do something. Yeah, I do wonder with him. Like, I some, think... like someone of the type of person that was recently banned from Caesar's properties, for instance. <laughs> so right? you know, someone like that might just be like, you know, they'd be having a bad day, have a couple of drinks, see him, and then just boom. Yeah, just lights out. Though, know? the people getting their money back, even though it wasn't thanks to Ray Batar at all. Uh, that's really calmed some people down because they they just think, well, I have my money now, so it's all passed. Like if, if anyone was still owed money, I'd, I think they'd be more pissed than they are today. I think that's somewhat mitigated. That poker stars not only bailed out the players, they really bailed out. Uh, the, that's the, true, but the crap these guys got away with is just. Is, I, mean, it's I know it's terrible. I know I agree with that. I agree it's terrible. <laughs> you know. But by the way, your connection is not very good, and there's a lot of background noise, so I'm not sure what to do here. It's it's a. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to hear you, and there's more background noise than it used to be. I'm, I'm muting the whole thing now, so you shouldn't hear anything from me. No, I'm saying when you talk. When you talk, it's like kind of a bad connection and a lot of background noise. And then, then when you're not talking, it's muted. So I'm not sure if there's anything you can do. I, I think it's good, Jeff, because, you know, we hear the sound, and then we anticipate what he's going to say, and then <laughs> he finally says it. It's so exciting. <laughs> if, if I was uh, – if this was a – professionally produced show then i would go through all the hours and i just keep taking out that rocket ship sound at the very least and then, then but i am not going to do that and in fact the the internet is, is not i'm surprised the internet here is, is broadcasting the show okay uh to, to upload this show again after you know to download it and re-upload it would be a, a very long task let me just say that for with the speed of internet fortunately it looks like the speed of internet is actually okay as far as uh, the broadcasting which i thought it would be so chris ferguson he played the 10K stud event, and to many people's chagrin, Chris Ferguson got down to heads up with a player named Mike Wattell. That's W-A-T-T-E-L. Kind of similar to my name, but not as similar as it sounds. Mike Wattell. 
And uh, Mike Wattel is actually a very underrated player. He's actually a, an excellent poker player that most people don't really think of when they think of very good poker players. Even if you think of very good underrated poker players, you don't, don't really think of him. But uh, he didn't have a bracelet. And uh, it looked like he wasn't going to get one because Chris Ferguson took a gigantic lead on him. Uh, there were about 4.4 million chips in play. And at one point, Chris Ferguson ha- was leading about 4 million to 400,000 with the blinds pretty high. So 10 to 1 lead for Chris Ferguson. It looked like uh, Chris Ferguson would not only win the bracelet, but would jump into the lead for player of the year, which is what everybody has feared. Well, Mike Wattel doubled up to 800,000. And then he continued to win and actually take a lead over Chris Ferguson of 2.5 million to 1.9 million. So that was a huge comeback. But it wasn't that simple because then Chris Ferguson came storming back and they, they played for hours and hours and hours. And I mean, when this happened, they'd already played for hours and hours heads up. This is an incredibly long heads up match. I don't even know how many hours, but many hours. And it was towards the end of this when this was happening. So... Even with the blinds that big at that point, they were still constantly trading leads. It just wasn't ending. So for a while, it started, started to look like Mike Wattel was going to win. Then it looked like Ferguson would win. It looked like Wattel was going to win again. You know, there was the point when Ferguson had a 10-1 lead and didn't win. Well, finally, Mike Wattel took a lead, and it stuck. So Mike Wattel ended up winning the bracelet, and Chris Ferguson ended up not taking the lead in player of the year. The person who took the lead in player of the year was John Manetti, who finished, I think, fifth in that same event. And that gave him enough points to move up the rankings to barely edge out, for the moment, John Raisner. So as it stands right now, John Manetti has 865 points. John Racer has 853. Chris Ferguson has 848. Ryan Hughes, 820. So those are the top four. The others are way behind. So barring like a big finish in the main event, they're 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 not gonna or or maybe the little one for one drop they're not going to be a factor. So it's mainly those four. John Minetti, John Raisner, Chris Ferguson, Ryan Hughes. Now I don't know if someone can maybe tell me in chat if Chris Ferguson has if he's still alive in the main event. He busted. He busted. Okay, so it won't be the main event. So he's probably gonna be playing the one drop tournament. I'm not sure if he could still get in at this point, but uh, if he's not in that, then he's definitely not the player of the year because that's the last event, the little one for one drop. I don't know what John Minetti is playing. I don't know if John Minetti has yeah, if still alive in the main event, and I don't know about John Raisner or Ryan Hughes. But I'm guessing, especially since he's out of the main event, I'm guessing that Ferguson is not going to be the player of the year. He'll be close, but he won't be there. It's probably going to be John Minetti, but maybe the main event or the little one for one drop will change it. But I don't really care which of these guys win it. I have no emotion about this. I, I actually, you know what? I, I kind of hope that Racer doesn't win it either because he really did try to screw Mark Klang. <clears throat> and even though he eventually made it right and Mark Klang had to make an obligatory, oh, it was just a misunderstanding type post, it was obvious what really happened. And... I don't think very highly of him for that reason. So the the rest of the guys, the John Manetti, Ryan Hughes, that that's fine if they win. I don't care. But uh I, I think John Manetti's gonna take it. And that's great. He's 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 an okay guy. I've I've played with him before. Uh they call him angry John Manetti, but when I played with him he wasn't angry and you know, he was okay. He didn't uh 
didn't do anything unpleasant at the table and uh, seemed like a nice enough guy. And uh, he's cashed, as you might guess, he's cashed in a ton of events this year. Which brings me to my next topic, which was not even on the agenda. I have a, a topic that we did not, uh, I didn't put in the agenda, but I meant to. So I am going to talk about it. Daniel Negranu had a meltdown regarding the player of the year system. Daniel Negranu is seventh in the player of the year. Now let's throw another person on this show. Let's throw another person here. Brandon Drexel Gerson, hello. Brandon. All right. Not working. Let me try to add him. Skype is just kind of sketchy here. I try to add Brandon again. He he called in. I added him. It showed he was added, but then something weird happened. So we're gonna try to. When I go add them directly, it's, it seems to go better. Brandon, hello. Hello. It's the fraud show, Brandon. Hello. Is it on live? Yep, hundred percent live. Hello. What was that loud noise I kept hearing? It sounded like a rocket ship. That just turned it on a bit ago. That's Calwatt blasting off. He's he's the first uh, BFA yeah. member in space. I'm just calling. I just tuned in uh, a little while ago, and it's a very good fraud show, without a doubt. But I have to correct you on an inaccuracy I heard just mm-hmm. right off the bat. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Who, who's on the line? we got Trader Ruski. Is he on? Yep. What's happening, Brandon? Hey, what's up, buddy? What about the uh, – You got Scott from the East Coast, too. Oh, what's up, Scott? Yeah, How Scott, you doing, buddy? No, no more Calwatt, though. The Rocket Man's gone. Mm. No, you, you know made a comment about, about... – I thought C-Money would have been the first listener to go to, to outer space from us. That actually is a good point. That might be – You might made a comment about Chris Ferguson. Not- oh, there it is. Hold on. There's the rocket ship. There's the rocket. Calwatt. We got the rocket. Nope. Yeah, I'm here. I just muted myself. Okay, okay. You made a comment, I think, a couple minutes ago, because I just turned on the show, that I believe you said Chris Ferguson could not, couldn't win or isn't going to win the player of the year. Is that correct? Um, I, he could play the, the little one for one drop, but uh, other than that, he's in third right now. Right, but you have to remember, and I don't really agree with it, but it's the way it, it's been, and it will be this year as well, it accounts for the 11 events that have yet to take in place that are wherever they're going to be in Europe this year. And that's part of it. So I'm sure he's going to travel over there if he's in striking distance. So it, it has, it's been like this for five years now. It's not just established when this WSOP is over. Oh, I thought, I thought the Europe um, already took, it didn't take place yet. The Europe is later. It's yeah. It, it's, Oh, I thought it was took place already. So okay. there's 11, I believe it, it, there's definitely at least 11, maybe 12 events counting the main event and then that's what it, that's when it will decide the whole idea behind it was to kind of like november 9 to build up suspense and then have it you know have everyone like literally leave the continent to go somewhere else and chase okay. after it okay so so yeah i see he probably, so yeah, he probably definitely will 100 percent. that's it's not going to be decided no matter who's ahead um i mean obviously somebody like that like is racer still in the main event uh, I don't know i haven't checked it. i heard ferguson was or like I don't Manetti, know if, if one of those guys final tables it 
they would obviously probably you know, seal the deal. It would be close to impossible just because I don't think it assigns that many player of the year points for, I don't even know where it's at this year. I mean, the, the, is it in Europe? Cause I know it was like in Spain before it was actually outside uh, Europe. They're claiming too. there's one in, in, in Czech Republic. That uh, okay, so that's that's probably where it is. I think there's eleven events. Yeah, it's ele- that, so, right? yeah, it says eleven events in Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then the other thing is, you, you, when you're talking about that's right when I turned it on, I just kind of woke up from a nap. When you're talking about the heads up battle with Ferguson, uh, you're talking about the the stud. Yeah, but it was it just stud? It was a stud high, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like I think because I remember just watching it because it went really long. It yeah. was Close to seven hours. That's what I thought. I, I, mean, thought it was around, I thought it was around seven. That's, that's a lot of. That's a lot of time. It is a lot. Up, tons of time. You know, yeah. Big bad game. And the guy that won, Mike Wattel, well, I think it was his second bracelet. If I'm not mistaken. I, I thought it was his first. Like his first. His second, maybe. No, he got he won one in the nineties. Oh, okay. I, okay. I, don't know, I, I don't really pay much attention to this, but for some reason, I did see his little interview afterwards. <laughs> he was really emotional because it was almost twenty years ago that he won his first bracelet, and he thought he was never going to win another one. Um. You know, which made it even you know more more sweet. But anyhow, that was really it. I'm just like I said, just listening. And uh, so you go back tomorrow for the main. Yeah, 11 a.m. tomorrow. Nice, nice. What what do you have exactly in chips? One sixty five, one hundred. Oh, okay. And what was what was the story about uh, checking in? Or so you were saying something before when the show oh, first started. I, 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 I already explained it. It's not a very exciting story. It was just oh, there, there was issues checking exciting. in. There was issues checking in that uh, Trader Ruski Trader Ruski arranged it. They, they they changed something in April. Didn't tell anybody, and then they wouldn't let me check in the way Trader Ruski had set it up. And, and then they refused. Even when I put him on the phone, they refused right. to make an exception. And he he finally uh, browbeat them into into doing it. But it took some time. So okay. So listen, I've watched. Uh, the only real main event coverage that I watched, I saw, you know, I looked for you when you texted me, was it, was that yesterday? You uh, texted me and said that you thought you were going to be on TV maybe? Yes, yes. Yeah, so I, I put on ESPN, in fact, I think Trader Ruski was watching it too. And I have to say, I think, you know, I'm really surprised that the coverage has been really good. Um, and I'm really surprised that it's been this many years that they haven't had you know, even with a 30-minute or so tape delay, same-day coverage of the main event. I think it's really good for poker, and, 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 you know, this is something I think they should have maybe incorporated years ago yes. just for the game itself. But uh, the fact that, you know, you know, before, obviously, you know, you read about in the paper or see what's going on or you know, look on the Internet, but you'd have to wait, you know, a couple months to start actually watching it develop in front of you. But the fact that people for the first I mean, am I correct? Is this the first time it's been on ESPN like this? Yeah, at least at least the uh the, the earlier days, yes. Well what I mean like with like uh, I see you on T V and it, it happened thirty minutes prior. I mean, you know, Yes, well they had they had reasonable... this they, they had this last year, like the main event final table I watched uh well, of course, right, but I'm talking about just the day one. Yes, and day yes, two. this is the first time they're doing yeah. that, yes. And I, I can't understand why they wouldn't have done this before because I think it's gonna bring so much I mean, I don't know if it's going to have a profound effect at this point. You know, it may. I can see a lot of people, you know, that maybe never saw coverage or just were uninvolved, you know, actually, you know, benefiting from watching this. But it just made me wonder today, why haven't they done this before? Because it's really coming across really well done. Uh, you know, I, I think, I don't know if you've watched it because you've been playing, but they've had, 
Antonio, Phil Locke, Maria Ho, David Williams, Kara Scott for the most part, and of course Norman Chad and Lon McCarron comment, commentating on it, and they've done a really good job. I mean, it's presented I, I, really, really well. Yeah, and I heard, I heard, uh, Nick, well. I heard Nick Schulman joined them today. He played in my flight, but uh, I heard he, he joined them today on the day off, and he did a good okay. job. But so. I mean, it's been it's been really. I, I maybe watched maybe six, seven hours over four days, but very good coverage. And I just it was kind of shocking to me. Why haven't they done this before? It just it seems like something that would be really good for the game itself. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, this is a, this is a very good idea, and I think something that's it's especially good. It's it's on regular ESPN, so people just run into it when flipping channels or when just turning on ESPN just to watch ESPN. It's a very it was high... actually I think it was on ESPN too because they had All Star coverage on, but whatever. It's been on both of them. Yeah. Well, not... and that's one fail they have because like I season passed it on ESPN too. So then when it was on ESPN, it didn't pick up any of those episodes. Oh, yeah, that's, that sucks. And then I missed half of it tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's no big deal, but still, I, I, I think they could promote it better, too. But I agree with Brandon. It, it has been really good coverage. Yeah, and, and so that's – And you know what? What's with – you know, I know Helmuth started this years ago, and then Ben Lamb did when he had that great – you know, that great summer with that main event run. But what's with all these big-name pros wearing Aria hats? Are they just kind of snubbing Caesars by wearing their biggest competitor? I noticed the whole entire series now, Antonio's been wearing one. I'm, I'm sure it's a contract they've signed. Like, Phil's yes. been doing it for years. and You know, but it, it, more so than that, is it is this just like a snub? Because, that, you know, that's our biggest competition in Las Vegas. You're saying is the, is the Aria, think, is the Aria signing them? to do with three bets. Well, I'm, I'm seeing other big-name players this year as well, other than Phil wearing Aria hats as well. And I'm just wondering if it's getting kind of personal. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because that's their biggest competition. They're getting TV time at Caesars, and they're all wearing, you know, the flagship MGM property hat. Yeah, well, they, they probably— It's not just the three— You're seeing, Sorry, you, you think You think the three-bad clothing line, you think they're, they're the ones—what uh, do they have to do with this? I, I don't know I mean, Look at the names that— that Brandon's bringing up. Are they associated with 3-Bit? I don't know. Three of those guys are. Hmm. I don't know who else he's referring to besides Antonio, Ben Lamb, and, and Phil. Well, I, th- I they're think... they're all 3-Bit clothing reps. I, I think maybe these are people who are just willing to, you know, just have agents that that's hook them up with whoever you know, they can wear. But I, I just, I don't think it's personal. I think the Aria just decided they're going to, they're, they're willing to pay and then these agents, uh, they probably allow them to use the same agents who, uh, who arrange it. That's my guess. Brandon, if some, if some rep told you that you'd be 500 bucks for wearing a hat, would you wear it? I can't hear you. What? That, that was Kyle. He's having some connection issues. He's, at, he's saying... Uh, if, some, it, if, if a rep said they'd give you $500 to wear a hat, would you wear it? I mean, it depends what the hat would be for 500 I'm not automatically putting it on for, for 500 I mean, if it was Aria, I probably would just because it's a reputable brand and, you know, I, I wouldn't feel embarrassed or, you know, any sort of ethical uncertainty wearing it or promoting it. But I don't, anyhow, I, I just, it, it's just... So now you, know, now you know what's happening. Right? Now you huh? know what's happening. Someone, at, someone in marketing at the Aria just got smart. That's what's happening. 
I, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't yeah, here, hear. Yeah, here, I'll, I'll, I'll translate. <laughs> I'll do the. I'm uh, sorry, Kyle. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll do buddy. the translation. Yeah, there's like it sounds like airplanes in the background. It's pretty. It's pretty hard to hear. I was able to understand what he's saying though. He was saying that uh, you know now you know what's happening. That they're just basically offering money and they're taking it, and that's it. It's, it's nothing more than that. And I, I think I think I agree here that the, I think it's probably through like an agent, maybe the one that that handles a number of these players that they they know the Ariu is doing this and is willing to pay for certain big name players doing it. And uh, and obviously, if you're and as you said, it's a reputable company, so why not? And it's of course, uh, especially if it's a decent money. I, I actually speaking of hats, I was in 2010. I was one of the final two main event players in the final hundred who would not who were not wearing hats for any of these uh, major sponsors. Uh, I was the only one of only two who did not have a sponsor yet. It was me and and Jason Senti who ended up making the final table. And and the reason was we were the only two smart ones. The rest everybody else jumped at it because poker stars in full tilt were approaching people and saying, "Hey, sign a contract with us. Wear our hat the entire time and we'll only pay you if you make TV tables or if you make it really really deep. Like 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 final table or final two tables or whatever. Otherwise, we're paying you nothing." So they they asked me this, and I said, "No, I'm not. I'm not wearing your stuff for free." I said, "You you either guarantee I get something decent, or uh, I'm not wearing it." So th- that helped me because then when I went when, it, when we went to dinner on day six, and there was like 120 left, they uh, they were panicking because they're both really really wanting more players. So there's a big competition at that point for the remaining two, me and Jason Santi. So that's I got a much better deal than everybody else, uh, in, including uh, seventy five hundred dollars no matter what. Including uh, that uh, a TV table bonus, including that because they could, they weren't allowing more than three people wearing the same logo at a TV table, and and the sponsor would then choose which three wore it. They agreed that they would always let me wear it unless unless my chip stack was shorter than a certain number of lines. They would always let me be the one to wear it, and uh, and so a, lo- a lot of other things that were demanded that uh, um, that that I got, and also a million dollars guaranteed if I made if I won the event. So, like, a, a lot of stuff that would not have been agreed to had I asked for originally. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of it is timing, too. And I know this year, number one, I'm nowhere near as deep. And number two, uh, there's there's no sponsorships like that anymore. But uh, but I, I would take the same attitude. If I, saw, if I saw the same thing happening this year and if I were fortunate enough to get deep again, I would take the same attitude where I'm not going to wear any clothing or hats or anything if I don't get paid for doing it no matter what. None of this... Uh, you only get paid if you wear it at the TV table, and and I even asked at the time. I said, okay, how about I just take it and I'll wear it at the TV table? No, 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 no. That's not that's not the agreement. You've got to you've got to wear it uh, all the time, and then we'll pay you if you get on Wait, the TV are, table. Wait, are you saying that that's still, that premise of an agreement is still going on today? No, I said in 2010 that's happened. I'm saying if, if this has happened right, again, right? I, but I'm sorry, I realize that, but I'm saying nowadays that doesn't happen anymore, though. I assume. No, I don't think it does. So, I, I, like, I, I think if I, like, let's say I made the final table of the main event, I, I'm pretty sure I, some sponsor would come out of the woodwork and want me to wear their stuff, but uh, but I don't think in the final 120 they're going to gonna get any offers. So what was the hand yesterday that you were in against? I don't know who you said it was against. You, you text me, and you said that ESPN filmed it for their B-roll, but you don't think it would be Eric. Oh, that was against uh, Jonathan Johamel, and uh, it wasn't very exciting, but uh, I was just annoyed that the only hand that was filmed of me playing in this main event was when I lost, because I really won most of the hands I played. Uh, so uh, I had uh, Ace-King, and I three-bet him. Oh, no, it wasn't Ace-King. I had Ace-10 suited. He raised in the cutoff. I three-bet him on the button with Ace-10 suited. And um, he called, and the flop came... 
six four three two spades, and I didn't have spades. So it was a freaking hor- horrendous flop. And uh, so I, I just decided I'm giving up. So he checked, I checked. The turn was the five of spades of all things. So th- so now, you know, this is the freaking winner of the 2010 main event. He's not an idiot. So he knows that if I check that behind, that I probably have, you know, big cards that missed. And with uh, with three, four, five, six with two spades on, with three spades on there, like, that's like a horrible board for any big cards that missed. So he bet out, which is an automatic bet no matter what he has. And uh, I even said that before folding, kind of just for TV's benefit. I said, well, you're, I know you're betting that with whatever you have, but I can't call you. Now, they, they couldn't see what I had. Uh, that if they were to show that they would, but I don't think it's going to appear, especially because race, not race, because uh, um, because Duhamel went out shortly after that, so he 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 didn't play a significant role in this, and he didn't you know he didn't bust against me, so there was no there's no reason to show this if he busted early. There's no reason to show some small hand he played where he bet me off on the turn. So, um, no, so that uh, like, and I don't mean to make. You recap things because, like I said, I was napping and I kind of had it on briefly. I tuned in and I missed something that was kind of interesting. I, I just I missed the beginning. I guess I can listen to the archives, but real fast, you said you described a style of play that players are playing differently in this WSP versus years past. Can you just tell me again, real fast, what that was? It's, it's basically, that's, people are being a lot more cautious and conservative with their betting that they, they just don't want to get that many chips in unless they have the nuts are very close to it and that uh, they're often ch- checking in spots that you wouldn't expect them to check and not even for purposes of check raising. They're just uh, they're just trying to keep the pot small with, with hands that are surprisingly good and and also even pre-flop where, where they're even with hands like queens, uh, well, they're not even re-raising. Antonio it's funny you mentioned that because that's what I kind of thought you were talking about but it was hard to know just because I missed the beginning of it but on the ESPN broadcast tonight Antonio mentioned that as well described that sort of play people just basically being a lot more conservative even checking behind with you know smaller full houses and he attributed it to basically what happened early with that Vanessa Selps Handverse, oh really? <laughs> Gisela, well, oh yeah, yeah, wait, 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 uh, yeah, Gael uh, Bauman. Yeah, we even talked yeah, about that well, yet. Yeah, that's her name. Yeah, yeah. we haven't talked about that and, yet, but that, that was a hand everybody's talking about. That's, for some reason, that I, was like level one. Yeah, I mean, so that's definitely noteworthy to talk about. Yeah, sure. yeah, I, I should have talked about that. I forgot to put that on the. I forgot a few things on the agenda tonight because I, I quickly threw it together because of this. Uh, you know, I got in the hotel room and I quickly put everything together. But uh, yeah, th- that was a huge hand here where. Um, in fact, let me. I'm going to find a copy of it online and play it for you guys. Uh, you've, you've, I'm sure you've all heard of it, but uh, Vanessa Selbst had just the cooler of all coolers uh, on day one of the main event. The same flight I played against uh, Gail Bauman, who made I think tenth place in uh, 2014 or 2013. Uh, so here is uh, here here it was here. You know, the sick thing is, and when you're done, don't let me forget to bring this up. That isn't even by by close the sickest hand of this main event. There's another hand, and like I said, we'll talk about it afterwards. I just don't want to forget where there was an aces, kings, and kings all all in pre-flop. I don't know if you saw that hand. No. That, probably that probably not. Probably that's literally well. You know, I'll just say it real fast before you talk about th- this hand. Cause it's not really much to talk about, but that definitely was the sickest hand I've ever seen in in in, in a tournament setting before. It was aces, kings, and kings all in pre-flop, and a straight flush came on the board. 
This is at the WSOP. I mean, it's got a lot of coverage. <laughs> I can't kind of shock you to see this. But the the one of the I'm sorry, the aces locked up a hand or had it locked up on the turn because there's three hearts, and the ace hand was the only one, you know, obviously had, had a heart. And then, but there was already on the board, I think it was eight, nine, ten, and then, you know, obviously came eight, nine, ten, Jack Queen. And everyone ended up playing the straight flush, huh. which was just nuts. Like, first of all, it's pretty nuts that, like, after, you know, talk about, like, you know, Brett Ritchie and, you know, that best Jack can, but that that many, you know, the two kings got that many big blinds in so early. With, you know, yeah. just, you know what I mean? It just, you got to think, you know, a shove and then another shove and then the kings, the second kings, you know, just called off. But anyhow, five card straight flush came on board, which is yeah. just nuts. That, like, that I mean, is crazy. I, I've never even seen that before. No, I've never seen that before. You know, I'm going to play this. I'm going to play this. Can you hear this? Hold on here. Can't believe you didn't hear about that hand. I mean, that was. And are you are you hearing this here? Listen. No, I hear nothing. Can anybody hear this? I hear no, nothing too. We can't hear it. Great. Hold on. I'm gonna... Skype. It's it's hit and miss with whether. Here, I'm gonna try one more thing so you guys can hear. So I just, I just stopped sharing sound and restarted it again. Let's see if you can hear it. Uh, let me play it again here. Okay. So why why are you trying to get this figured out? I'm gonna read this from Poker News. No, no, I want you to listen. So I, 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 tell, tell me if you can hear this here. Download the top-rated app and save. You, can you hear that? Yeah. Okay. Groupon. Yeah, hear it. Okay, good. So here, I'm, I'm going I'm to play it here. Hang on here. This is the, uh, the Vanessa Self-Tan. It's Ace of Diamonds. Wow. So this, this is on level one of day of... This is actually level one. Pierre Delamar is my new hero. That was oh. that was pretty oh. boss status. <laughs> so I'm going to fast forward. This is the beginning of the hand. Where it's, uh, no, that's not the exciting part. The, the exciting part was the turn. So the flap was a seven five, all clubs. Neither has a club. Self has pocket aces, and Gail Bauman has pocket sevens. These are both good players. Uh, you know, Vanessa Gail got uh, tenth in the 2013 uh, main event. And if Noah's calling the other hand, oh. So, so there's one other guy, and he folded the flop. Yeah, so, 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 so you don't really want to call to draw to the. Oh, oh what alert! What alert! Bye bye, Vanessa. <laughs> so they're talking about the seven that hit the turn. So the board is now ace seven five seven. Bauman has sevens. Self has pocket aces. So you can imagine what's going to happen here. Oh. <laughs> no. Can it be? There's still one card to come. Come on. So Vanessa's checking. Likely. I know that I'm going to go broke in this spot. Oh, my goodness. So Bauman's betting. That is seven. You know, when you have Talk top full in Hold'em. Oh, uh, Ace is full of sevens and second best. And one out. The uh, last ace in the deck for Vanessa Selfs. Oh, what a hand. Gail Bauman turns quad sevens, giving Vanessa Selfs aces full. Unbelievable. And now, Bowman has been raised, as you see, to 5,800 by Selfs, who needs the last ace in the deck to take this pot. And there is just a call. One hour into the main event, Vanessa Selfs faces. That's Norman Chad there. Cooler. So they get to the river. They didn't. Action uh, on. Bowman didn't shove it in yet. She was waiting for the river, obviously not afraid of the quads losing. Only one out to make that happen. Selfs first.
here's the crazy thing. If she bets and Bowman moves in, she's not going to insta-call. She's going to think about it. Yeah. That's, that's Antonio cool telling everybody that, uh, that self won't fl- uh, snap call, that she'll actually think about it and realize that Bowman probably has quads. Wow. So that's, oh, that's exactly the reaction we expected. So it just went. So she just went in, and now Vanessa is like falling. Like kind of like fell out of her chair, not completely, but just kind of like oh, like she's just a, she's like she can't believe it. She she knows what she's facing. Are here. you serious right now? Let's see which cards, which uh, suits I have. Cards is a thing. This is not a thing. So what she's trying to figure out here, uh, Vanessa sells the pocket aces. Obviously, she knows that uh, as far as the, the possibility of a seven, that uh, Bauman would not have played a seven offsuit. That she'd only be playing a seven suited. So she looked at her, her aces and sees that uh, um, she sees this, the, there's two sevens out there. So it would have to either be hearts or diamonds. And so the, the only a seven suited she could possibly have would be a seven of hearts or diamonds. But then she says she, Vanessa sees that she has the ace of diamonds, so it would have to be a seven of hearts. That's the only thing she's thinking she can beat here. Wow, this might be a quick main event for me. I don't know if I'm good enough to fold this. What do you think I have? So, she's, asking, have she's asking. She's uh, asking Bauman, "What do you need, think I have?" I'm gonna need a lot. Of, I'm gonna need a, okay, a lot sorry. of time. I'm sorry. Seven of hearts. I mean, a seven of hearts. Would you shove with a seven of hearts? If you'd shove with a seven of hearts, then I'd have to. All right, you could have a seven of hearts, I guess. So I got a call. You have quads. Yeah. I almost folded. The whole room. Oh. That hand reverberates through Brasilia. It's like you can have a seven of hearts there, so how can I fold? What's crazy is this happened actually between two known players on the TV table of all things. It didn't. This didn't just happen that you read about it on Poker News. This happened between Vanessa Selfs and uh, Gail Bauman. I think you shot with a seven of hearts too. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to fold though. I swear to God. Wanted to release my. That, this this is her just posturing at this point. Uh, she knows it's on TV. She doesn't want people to say, "Oh, you know, why didn't you think of quads?" Well, so she she's posturing at this point now that she's already busted. Just uh, I wanted to fold. I wanted, which I believe she was thinking. I believe she was considering folding. That's not a lie. But she she's making sure to say this for TV. I'm not sure if we get the speech if it's not on TV. Hey, fun playing with you guys. That's a story. Now I got a story. That is a story indeed. I, to, I swear to God, I wanted to fold. Okay, so uh, first of all, Vanessa Self, she comes off as so nice in that broadcast, but that's that's not the that's that's not the full story with Vanessa Self. Vanessa Self, uh, she is known for tweeting a lot of very controversial uh, liberal SJW political views, and then blocking anyone who even politely disagrees with her. And I know this because I was one of them. She blocked me for simply disagreeing with one of her political views. I, and I, I, it's not like I responded and insulted her or called her stupid or called her ignorant. Like I, did, I responded very politely and respectfully to just one of her many, many political SJW-type posts. 
not in a snarky way. I just like, and I got blocked. I was very surprised actually. And, and I've since spoken to others and tons of people have had this happen. So I, I, I don't like people like that. Like if, if you're going to go put out your, your political views like that on Twitter and then block anyone who just respectfully disagrees with you, uh, I, I think very little of you. So, and, and I've also heard about, you know, she's had some nice outbursts and, and temper issues. So she's, you know, she seems so Who nice. Who cares about all that? I mean, the real point is she's a great poker player. She, no, she is. She is That's a great, really, she is, I she mean, is a great poker player. And in this broadcast, she, she, in this broadcast, she came off well and, and took it graciously and said, oh, at least I have a story, you know, a good game, everybody. Like she, she didn't get up and be all pissed. And, uh. You know, so was well, she known for doing that? I mean, no, no, but, but no, no, okay. no, no, but anyway, I could like I, I honestly, I could even see I, I'd get up all pissed if this happened. Like I wouldn't be pissed at the at the person. I'd just be pissed at the situation. Like I, 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 I maybe on TV I, I would control it, but like I, I, I think I'd have a hard time. Um, I mean, you can even see if you look at my 2009 when with Phil Helmuth, uh, I when I busted with his Queen Two uh, suited that he slow rolled me. Uh, well, part of that I was pissed about it being slow rolled, but um, well, he 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 lost it today. I don't I don't mean just getting eliminated. He actually went on one of his normal rants, and I will definitely get TV coverage. Oh, yeah, he's uh, been terrible the whole summer. There there was a big pot. It's not poker news, but a guy jammed him all in. He had he had him covered. You know, he kind of shot off too. I mean, he had like over a hundred, maybe a hundred twenty, a hundred thirty thousand at dinner break tonight, and then he was out an hour later. And it wasn't like wow. one big cooler hand, but there was a hand where a kid, I don't know what Helmuth had. Maybe he, he didn't even show it. I don't know. Uh, we might have to wait till it's on ESPN, but a guy jammed with just, you know, the nut flusher on the flop, put all his chips in and Helmuth thought about it for a couple of minutes and, and folded. And the guy said, you want me to show you what I had and you have. And Helmuth said, yeah. And he showed him. And he went nuts. But, you know, this is the main event. You know, all you had is a flush draw and, you know, just, are you fucking kidding? You know, just with the beeps. You know, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and uh, then from that point on, he, he just started bleeding chips. In fact, it's funny. Poker News made a point. This was actually kind of hilarious because you would think a guy like that, you know, with that many bracelets and final table doesn't tilt. But they made a point to, to write in their uh, little, you know, news thing that after that hand, the next three hands in a row, he limped, and then he got raised every time. <laughs> that you know, he just kept limping. He left. Poker News actually like put this in parentheses. After the hand, he limped three straight hands in a row, which I kind of found interesting. You know, obviously he was playing. You know, wanted to play more hands and needed to try to you know double up or, you know, whatever. You know, just get get action. But you, I, I don't know. I, I found that kind of surprising. Like, yeah, I think that he he of all people. Yeah, uh, would you know just know better than that? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and, I think the, he's yeah. he's been in, something's been different this year. He's always been known for for complaining and and for berating people, but but he really has toned it down in the last several years. This year, there were so many stories of him going off. Just so many stories this year, more than what I've heard of, of the last several years combined. And just this year, he just can't control himself. Of the way he treats people at the table, and I don't know if there's something in his personal life that's unhappy at the moment, or if he's just uh, for some reason he's in a bad mood about poker. Was, something has been really making him behave poorly at the tables this I year. I think the last major outburst was that one summer where he 
had the infamous, or he stated the infamous stupid Eastern European comment that got him briefly, like a, a, the member, it was on the last hand of the day or the last round of the day, and he was supposed to get a three-round penalty the, the next day. Yeah, but yeah. This was like day four, day five. It was deep, relatively deep, and the t, you know, TV wanted him, ESPN wanted him, so it got rescinded overnight. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people were in arrears about it because that was, you know, he got the penalty, and it might have even been enacted that night supposed to carry over the next day i think in fact that's the case and then you know like by nine ten o'clock the next morning they started you know tweets started coming out messages you know without confirmation that it had been rescinded and then you know obviously that that's the case you know in terms of what happened but anyhow like you said since then he has been relatively calm i don't think i've played with him much uh you know, since then, so I, but I, I know you've seen him. You know, you've played with him. You know, this year and other years as well, I believe. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you're right. Maybe this year sounds know, really. He's not the kind of person. He's so tight with his money, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. That he, you know, it would definitely. I don't think would be the stress of having bracelet bets. You know, because even if if he did hypothetically have some bets that haven't become public. You know, he would never put himself in, in a situation where he was betting money that, that he couldn't afford or that could even hurt him in the least. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Like he's, I a, agree. he's a nit. Yes. He's a nit. He's an absolute nit when it comes to, like, bankroll management. And, you know, he's probably after Daniel, the richest, you know, poker player in terms of non-poker income. Um, but, he, you know, to see the way he acts, I mean, you wouldn't think that was the case. Yeah. Yeah, Druff, he's an honorary uh, member of the Duke Club, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why he's acting this way this year. But there's a notable change, and, and the funny thing was, I didn't see any of this. I, I always wondered, like, did I did I possibly set something off inside of him? Because I didn't see any of this happening until I did the thumbs up thing to him, where where I, I called for the rule and he lost it. Then he was super pissed, went off on me. Then then shortly after that, went off on another player at the table who uh, who, who bad beat him. And then from that point forward, he's, he's behaved terribly. So it may be a coincidence. But it, but it did. That was the first incident I I had heard of of him misbehaving at the tables this summer. Was that fifteen hundred limit hold'em where I start where I started with the thumbs up thing and then uh, got him pissed and then he uh, and then he berated somebody else over a hand and then it just it's been going on and on and on since. So wow, I, I didn't know what happened at the main event. But yeah, here's 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 some updates by the way for uh, people who are in the running for the for the. Uh, the the, the let me get to this the player oh, of the year. Before you do that, before you do that real fast, can I just recap this hand that I just thought was so insane? And oh, I see it. Someone, way, someone already sent it to me. But the aces, aces, kings. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, and I wanted to say I was incorrect. I mean, I read it. I just I stated it incorrectly on the fraud show. I said it was kings, kings, aces. It was actually aces, aces, kings. Yeah, I see that. I, I see it. I think you should read it. Go ahead. You can read it because you have the better connection. Yeah. Me, but it's. I've never seen anything like this in my life. It's nuts. Yeah, it's it's a, I would love any of the mathematicians or you know real good math guys that are listening, either tweet Todd or you know if you have an account posted. I'd love to just know, just alone without, you know the aces, aces and kings. Maybe I don't even know how you calculate that, but I'd like to know what the odds of, of this hand occurring that way are. Well, yeah, it, well, of, of, of any of any straight flush on the board. Though it could also be, it could be a straight on the board. You get three, four, five, six, seven on the board. Same thing. But uh, uh, anyway, it went like this: a guy named, last name Malman, 
a person named Berger and a person named Luaro. Malman had aces, Berger had aces, Luaro had kings. It says an unreal collection of hands were displayed across the table, and Luaro was in trouble. The flop came 10-jack-queen, giving Malman a flush draw. That's uh, He had the aces with the... Uh, it was 10-jack-queen of hearts. Malman had the ace of hearts. Uh, the draw was completed when the nine fell on the turn. So Malman was... was uh, it said, surely giving him the lock on the hand. Meaning the only hand... The only thing that could screw Malman at this point would be the eight of hearts, because the king of hearts would give him a royal. So the only thing that would screw him and chop it for everybody would be the eight of hearts. It's the only way he could lose his, his uh, nut flesh at this point. His opponents were only drawing to a chop, which they only had one out with, in the hope of hitting the eight of hearts. The dealer patted the table and swept out the eight of hearts, completing a straight flush on the board. That's the amazing thing, was that uh, um, it was the fact that on the turn that the nine hit, giving him the flush. And that there was only one way, uh, one out to a chop, and then they got the chop. That is an amazing. I mean, it had to be perfect runner, runner, like just to get the chop. It's sick. Yeah, at that point it was. But there it were had there, to be well, there perfect. were there were a few ways it could, it could have gone nine eight. Yeah, it had to be perfect runner, runner of nine eight there to make the chop. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, of nine eight of anything, but uh, but I, I like it even better that the, that it, he first makes the flush, and then there's one out on the river to make right, the chop, right. and then and then gets it. Right. So, uh, but anyway, the people who are out, the people who are uh, playing at the moment, this is interesting actually. So, Helmut's out, but he's not really, he's not in the running for player of the year. Uh, Ferguson is out. Reisner is out. Monetti is out. But Ryan Hughes, would you believe he's actually the chip leader of the whole thing right now? Yeah, like half, oh, he had like 540, 560 when I last saw for cool. my nap. Wow. So that's, well, the, 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 Actually, he's got to have more because someone had it over 600 from yesterday. So that's crazy. Of oh, all this things. was like at 6 o'clock at night. He had 540. Yeah. So maybe. So, right. I think it's well, over. Like I said, all these guys are going to go overseas anyhow. I mean, yeah. there's just too much at stake. They're all going to go, you know, play the 11 events. That, that, that's which... funny, though. These, these top four, though, you have three that are out already. And then the other guy, the chip leader, nothing in between. So. Yeah. Uh, so that that's crazy that he's actually the full day two chip leader. All right, well, uh, and Helmuth is out as, as I, I mentioned. Uh, by the way, it I, I got a message that the the Hollywood Foreign Press ha- has nominated this show for a uh, a Golden Globe that's Award cute. for uh, real cute for real for cute. foreign uh, broadcasting. Okay, so let's uh, let's see what else. Oh, I think I was talking about something that got uh, interrupted. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is about uh, about the player of the year. Let's go back to it. So Daniel Negreanu had a meltdown. Daniel Negreanu finished fifth in the 50K Poker Players Championship. But what happened was that he melted down because he was in line to win the bracelet. He was number one out of the remaining five coming into the day of July 6th, whatever the last day, I think day four or whatever that event so he was he was he was chip leader of the final five on the final day of the 50k event on July 6th. Within two and a half hours, he chunked it all off, and I didn't watch it, but uh, some people watching it claim that he didn't play well. So I don't know if that's true. People love to just watch that and then you know, and then you know, criticize other people unfairly. But it was said he didn't play well, and he shot it off, and that uh, he went from chip leader to busting fifth place out of, out of five when he was so that's uh, in two and a half hours. So. Daniel was tilted. Daniel, who has done very well this year but has not won a bracelet, came home 
and within 40 minutes was tilt-tweeting. What was he tilt-tweeting about? He was tilt-tweeting about the player of the year system. He he believed that he should be the leader in the player of the year. Oh, wait. I don't know if you knew. I'm sorry. He, you know, he has what they determined was about a, I don't even know how it could be this much, but like a $1.5 million custom trailer that he's been living in right behind the Rio in the parking lot. So when you say he went home, he probably walked about 100 feet. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen that trailer. I know exactly where it is. And in fact, I saw his car. got to build him this 1.5. I mean, it's nicer than most people's homes. Yeah, I've seen like, it. It's, I, it's I, disgusting. I, in fact, I saw, I saw his car parked in front of it. Yeah. It's a, so uh, so he, he writes, bitter fifth place For finish. Just... Yeah, bitter fifth place finish in the most fun tourney of the year, 50K PPC. Five days of grinding hard, totally disrespected by a shameful player of the year system. So you think that's that's it? You know he's going to tweet. He's unhappy. He he thinks he should be player of the year. He's not. He's, he he doesn't like the system, which I admit sucks. He's right about that, and that would be that. But nope, he just unleashed with a barrage of tweets in the next hour and a half. I know I'm supposed to just get quote get over it, but I'm not there yet. I wanted to make history, but this system is broken badly. Then he went. Then someone tweeted back to him, "Just win the main, and somewhat flawed system won't matter." He says, "Somewhat flawed? It is a disgrace to the game, and it makes the entire thing an absolute joke. It is designed for high volume min caching." So then someone responded, "Well, if you want to win Player of the Year, play more tournaments like the rest do." He says, "I don't want to win an award that awards min caching. The award should go to the player who had the best World Series of Poker. It fails miserably." And then Andrew Barber, I don't, he's, he tweeted, we will fix it. I don't know what he means by we. But Daniel Negreanu says back, I appreciate that, but it still stings to put up a year this good and not be in the running. It's hard for me to take. This is all within like 13 minutes these tweets have been sent. Uh, someone said to him, don't be bitter that way, Daniel. That's not you. Frustrating day, I know, but you already knew the system. No point speaking out of anger now. He says, not true. No one knew the system. They asked us to trust it all works fine, but then what they put forth was a thoughtless, shameful disgrace. So then uh, Jess Wellman responded, I don't disagree the player of the year system is bad, but remember it's an overcorrection to the previous problem, overvaluing the 10K events, which he's right about. That's, it's gone from now rewarding min caches in, in large field events too much, whereas before it was rewarding uh, success in 10K events too much and, and uh, giving you very little for even winning or final tabling these huge field events. So it's, it's pretty much the opposite problem as last, of last year. So he says, it's easy if they took 10 minutes to think about it. Devalue min caches and increase final tables and wins for all events. Now, what's ironic about that is he hasn't won yet. So he, I don't know how, how can Daniel be saying this? He hasn't won a bracelet this year. If you haven't won a bracelet this year, it's very hard to make a case that you should be player of the year. Even though he's had a great year, you, you, you can't say, I haven't won a tournament yet, and I haven't made a staggering number of final tables that's, that's historic, because he hasn't. He's made some, but he hasn't made like a, an unprecedented number of final tables. So you, you, you can't just make some final tables and, and get deep in them and then not win and then say, why am I not player of the year? He, he shouldn't be player of the year is the truth. Then, then he says, with 15 minutes of looking at what comes, comes up when you number crunch, it isn't that difficult. Win a 2K player field, big points. Min cash, get the fuck out. Uh, then someone says to him, He's obviously making the case that he's against the clear shift towards rewarding amateurs versus rewarding elite results against top competition. So he gets mad and writes back, Rewarding amateurs? Ha! I'd be okay with that. Anyone who doesn't play 40-plus events has no shot. It rewards pros who min-cash, not win. Now, i got to agree with him there. Uh, I actually was, I don't know what place I was in, but I was actually in the running for, car, for uh, Player of the Year in 2005 in the World Series. 
just from finishing first and third in two events. Uh, I actually won the card player player of the year for that, but uh, I actually came fairly close in the regular one, and uh, and I only played four events, cashed you know cashed big in two, almost cashed one, and then didn't get very far in the main event. Those were my four events in 05, my first year of playing the World Series ever. So I could never do such a thing this year. I could never. No one could play four events and be player of the year this year. I, I think even if you played four events and won four bracelets, you wouldn't be player of the year which would be pretty insane, but I, I think that would... I, I do not believe you would be player of the year if you just played four events and won four, brace, four bracelets and played nothing else. So, anyway... To figure out, all you'd have to do is pick... It's easy to figure out. Well, it depends which events you play. Maybe you play, huh? like... Maybe you play the events that awarded the most to first, but... Uh, but well, that's what I was just going to say. You can look at any of the events and it lists what the POI points are, and you could just determine, you know, pick four of them and see what that yeah. would put you. But but he is right that you it, it's very hard to win this if you don't just go insane playing tournaments every single day and, and, and get a combination of some very deep final table finishes and min caches. That's what you have to do. Otherwise, you're, you're not going to get there. So you the people who are in the running have 15 caches this year, 16, 12. You know, they, you have to have caches like that. And uh, he's saying because he doesn't have that, he doesn't play these big field no-limit events, uh, that's screwing him. So he says, the system all but guarantees the, that the winner must play 35-plus events. I've played 27 and cashed in 10, and I'm nowhere close. Uh, you realize that the guy in the lead now doesn't even have it as good as one fourth-place finish? So he was referring to Ryan Hughes. And Ryan Hughes, uh, here were his stats at the time this was posted, and this was on July 6th. Uh, 15 caches, zero bracelets, best finish was only fifth place, made four final tables, he had seven finishes in the top 27. He had eight finishes in the top 50. And then uh, seven finishes that were 51st or worse. So that, that was the way his, 50, his caches broke down. And so, so Negron is saying Ryan Hughes at the time was leading, and uh, he hasn't even finished better than fourth, which is a, another good point. That's why I think there needs, to be, there needs to be some special award in the player of the year for winning a bracelet. That shouldn't just you know, give you locks on it, but it should, there should be enough extra points for winning a bracelet where it, uh, it puts you way above people who, uh, who didn't win one. So for that reason, I think Negreanu shouldn't doesn't deserve it, but 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 and maybe even some kind of extra points for winning two bracelets because that's that's something special to win two bracelets or especially three. I think that uh, like when calculated player of the year, it, it shouldn't come in someone who wins three bracelets in a year and doesn't play play many events uh, should get player over the year over someone who finished fourth at best and cashed sixteen times because not, not, he's right. Not everybody has the time you know, to play forty events in the history of the W. In the history of the WSOP, only six players, or maybe I shouldn't say only, but six players have won three bracelets in a single summer. Do you, can you name any of them? Yeah, Jeff Lissandro did it. and uh, Yep, all stud games. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who else did it now. I don't, I'm forgetting the rest of them. Phil Ivey did it. Okay. Ted Forrest did it. Puggy Pearson did it. And the last one was, I think, 2014, George Danzer. Oh, George Danzer, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I even had him at my ta- one of my tables last year on day two. Uh, he sa- then he says, I don't want to win an award that rewards the best min-casher. If there's no player of the year reward for best series, I'll simply retire from the grind. So he's threatening to retire from the entire World Series if, if, they, don't, if they don't start giving an award for just having a best overall series instead of uh, uh, you know, points from, from just cashing. Uh, so then someone says, uh, going out on a limb for the second time today, 300 to $500 uh, dollar events 
have any impact. Really? This is player of the year. Come on, World Series. Where's the prestige? And he says, so that's someone agreeing with him. So he says, not just an impact. The best path to player of the year is to avoid the 10Ks and look to rack up min caches in large field events. 10Ks are worthless. Now, he's going too far. That's not true. Uh, then, then he says, so then someone said, let it go, bro. Stop being a crybaby. And he says, I put a lot of effort into making history. So it's a frustrating system. It's a, it's frustrating when a system is so broken that the effort becomes pointless. Now he, here he's starting to really go off the rails. And this is more than two hours into it. This is uh, two and a half hours later. He says he's making history. Hey, Drift, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. It's it's better now. now? There's no rocket ship. No, no background noise. Much better. Yeah, the rocket ship has landed. So, I mean, out of all the people in the world, shouldn't Negranu have plenty of time to enter these fucking tournaments? Well, that's a, that's a ridiculous thing. He was saying... But what, he else just, is, what else does he have to do? He just doesn't want you're to. So, you guys are missing something. Yeah. No, you're missing something. This, this is what the problem is. He said earlier this year that he was going to concentrate on the mixed games and the 10Ks and not waste his time playing the big field no limit events meaning the 1500s the thousands you know the, i don't know i'm sure he played the colossus in in you know maybe i don't even know if he played no i don't the, think he uh, did i don't think he played any of them the giant but anyhow he he stated that before the series that he was going to concentrate on just the mixed games the limit games and the 10k events and that's what the problem is and everyone's you know in response to, to you know to his meltdown, that's what people are saying. Well, then you know what you need to play these events that other people have to play. You know, you can't like just pick and choose and say the rules. You know, yes, dictate you, that. you have to come down with the commoners. <laughs> exactly. But you know, yeah, but, yeah, but you know, exactly. you know what I think the real problem is. I think the real problem is that his his little magic voodoo incantation isn't working. <laughs> well, he, you know what I mean. Like what he wants, what he thinks he can do. Is just state my intention is, you know, to do X, Y, and Z, and he keeps saying it, and it keeps not happening, and I think it's uh, it's pissing him off. Like his, I mean, his listen, little... let's be honest though. At the same time, he's having a phenomenal summer. Yes, you know, there's yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. But is it worthy of, even if the rules are slightly skewed and they were somewhat adjusted, is it worthy of him, you know, winning now? No, I mean, no, worthy of him one... being in the top ten, maybe. I, yes, and yeah. I and I looked I looked him up and I looked up what he's done, and this is as of Ju- July eighth. I don't think it's changed much since then, but he has zero bracelets this year, four final tables, though two he got second and third, and, and ten total caches. Is that a great World Series? Of course it is. But and that's out of, yep. out of twenty seven tries there. That was a great World Series, and uh, you know four t- final tables out of twenty seven uh, events. Uh, that's great. including a second and third. That's a great series. But uh, yeah, that, but has he cast twelve years in a row? <laughs> so that's so. There's no, the thing is this is not this is not historical. He's he's making history. What history has has no one made four final tables before? Has has no one cashed ten times before? Nothing he's done this year has made any history at all. Maybe maybe the most historical meltdown about the 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 player of the year system. That's the only history he's made here. Other than that, he's had a, a great series, but nothing historical, nothing amazing. And uh, and he, he unfortunately because there's so much competition to be player of the year, and unfortunately because he refuses to play the smaller events that others are willing to play, uh, he's not he's he's just not going to make it. And that's that's the way it is. I wonder in his I wonder in his poker stars contract, kind of akin to like a professional athlete, you know, making the All Star game or an MVP, if he has some sort of bonus if he wins player of the year. 
they're, they're, there there's a monetary be. thing that's bringing on this tilt. No, I, I, I there may be. I think you're right that it, it could very well be in there, but uh, I, I think it's it's tilt because he somehow has made himself believe that he's had the best year and he's he's going to get screwed out of it. But what is he it's basing that on? I'm telling you, Brandon. I'm telling you, it's intention tilt. He's he has said his intention is to do this, and it's not working out. He's not getting player of the year. He's not getting bracelets. And he thinks his he and he thinks it, he, mantra is not happening. So it's intention tilt. It, it kind of is, and, and I think he he also believes he deserves it. The bracelet he knows he doesn't deserve. The bracelet he just didn't win. But right. I think he thinks he he has had the best year. He's deluded himself into right. believing he's had the very best year. So he's getting robbed of this, uh, and and uh, and that's that's what's getting him so mad. So that's. Uh, that that's so yeah so he melted down over this and and it is true that the way they're doing player of the year is this stupid mathematical formula it's just a very simple formula uh and and it, it shouldn't be that way it it should be something much more complex where if you do this then you get this it should have various things like if you win a second bracelet you get this many extra points if you win a third bracelet you get this many extra points if you uh and it, it should have a lot of different elements into it where 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 it really accounts for everything and where it really comes as close as possible to awarding the best overall World Series, which, yes, would include a whole lot of someone who has a whole lot of caches. Uh, someone else brought up that maybe there should be some sort of uh, calculation, which they could do at the World Series, even if they wouldn't have to make it public uh, how many events people have played, but some kind of calculation on how many events you don't you cash in. Can you hear me? Yeah. If he was tilted before... He's going to be tilted now, 23 minutes ago. Oh, no. Daniel Granu moves in from early position and is put at risk by John Allen Hines out of the big blind. Negranu shows two sevens. John Hines shows two sixes. Oh. Negranu was in great shape to double up <laughs> as the dealer laid out a four spade, two spade, ten diamond flop. <laughs> The three oh my God. on the turn sparks no. the chatter around the table as no. I picked up a flush draw, and it would be completed <laughs> when the dealer swept out the nine of spades on the river. The oh, ground so gave his best to the table, wishing them luck, reminding them how historic his summer was, and he said <laughs> goodbye to the main event. He reminded them how no, Brand, Brand, Brandon, Brandon threw it. Brandon threw that in. There. I'm joking. Oh, I'm okay, joking. Okay. Okay. I threw that in there. Everything else was accurate, though. But I threw that in there. <laughs> that, is, that is brutal. I mean, that seven sixes and the four flush. And the, and the, flop, the flop is good. And that, well, that, that's exactly what yeah. – that's how I went out uh, last year when, when uh, I, I st- in the 1,500 limit hold'em where I was the leader with 42 left and then I was out 40th. The way I went out at the end was going all in with jacks against Ryan LaPlante's eights. And I, I just knew he was so hot at that time. He was just cashing every freaking event he was playing. I'm like, oh, no, of all people to have this situation, I, like, I, I don't even sure. like it. And then sure enough, he made like a one-card straight with the eights runner-runner. Do you remember two years ago when he almost made the final table and he got eliminated and just collapsed? On yeah, the he stage? collapsed on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> like he was just out of energy. Like he was just yeah, that was, that was yeah, that was that was the main event. Uh, yeah, t- he was tenth and, and just collapsed on the floor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so uh, anyway, another tw- uh, Twitter thing involving a pro. This one doesn't. It wasn't as long of a story, but uh, Scott Seaver, who's always kind of uh, he's always annoyed me. I have never liked Scott Seaver. Uh, well, you saw what I posted. Yeah, right? I saw what you posted. Uh, never, Cal- he never, he never out, 
he never outdraws anyone. All he does is take bad beats. Yes. Well, my my. So, now, so I will I will I will say this, bro. I have never met the guy, so this is just my impression from what I have seen and heard. But he just seems like an arrogant douchebag. Yes, like, that's time. that's what I got from him. I I I got from him like so he sits down at my table a few years ago at Limit Hold'em. I think it was three K Limit Hold'em. He sits down at my day one table, like not right at the beginning. He either got moved there or bought in late, whatever. He sits down. And I can immediately tell, like, like he's 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 arrogant. He thinks he's better than everybody. I'm looking at him, I'm going, like, this guy's like a fat nerd who just now thinks he's hot shit and better than everybody because he had some success in poker. And now he's like talking down to everybody. So then he starts muttering, "This is such a stupid game. This limit holds him such a stupid game. What a dumb game this is." I'm thinking, well, then, then why play it? Then don't play. Like, why why are you playing if it's such a stupid game? Why are you announcing this constantly? So then then he doesn't even play it right. It's not even like he says it's a stupid game and then plays it well. He's playing it like a typical no limit player who's you know who's, who's check raising the turn in positions where the the guy clearly has and is never going to fold like like moves that'll m- work in no limit where you're putting at risk for the whole chips and in limit hold is never going to work if the guy's got like top pair or better so he he's doing that including against me and just shot off a stack and he was gone pretty fast so while he was at the table he also managed to awkwardly flirt with a female dealer who just, like, wasn't responding much. He was, like, really trying to, but she was, like, just kind of being polite, but definitely wasn't interested. And uh, and I, I could tell, again, for some reason he thought he was hot shit and she'd realize who he was and then, you know, then be impressed or something. So I'm going, oh, I really just didn't like, like him. I didn't have any issues with him. I didn't have any confrontation with him. But it was just, uh, I was like, this, this guy, I, I thought exactly what you thought, that he's just, like, an arrogant jerk. So this is what he wrote on, uh, on Twitter on, Ju- on July 5th. This was also having to do with the 50K. Uh, this 50k really caused some meltdowns on Twitter. So, he, so he got it all in with nine nine people left. He got it all with jacks against tens. So he wrote this: jacks less than tens, meaning he lost to tens. All in preflop for 25 percent of the chips in play to bust in ninth. The number of times this has happened to me. Dot dot dot. So he's trying to say like, yeah, this this. Why is this always happened to me? Why am I always taking bad beats? Yeah, it's pretty no, much. Please. So so then of course. You can't tweet something like that and have so many followers like he does and not get the, the Internet responding brilliantly. So Connor Dreenan started posting screenshots of all these different reports of when he sucked out from, from over time. So uh, Seaver start, right. uh, sucks out to double. Uh, uh, all these different ones. Uh, Seaver this. Then someone who posts not Phil Ivy responded. Seaver sucks out in a huge pot. Uh, Seaver spikes an ace. Uh, Philip Grusiam eliminated in fifth place, and it's about Seaver you know, p- pulling a bad beat on him. Uh, Justin Bonimo eliminated in fourth place, and it's showing Seaver putting a bad beat on him. Uh, all, like over and over, uh, John Juwanda eliminated in fourth place, showing Seaver putting a bad beat on him. Yeah. Uh, so, so then someone just posted a screenshot. This is the funny. This is the second funniest response. Someone named Fernando Alanis posted a Fernando. screen. Fernando posted a sh- screenshot of the broadcast of the 2013 100k super high roller where he got it all in against doc sands with nines against tens and then flopped the nine and then he has this like really funny look on his fat face there as it mm-hmm. <laughs> as he flopped the nine they fernando just responded with that screenshot like that was it he just just that screenshot and then my <laughs> so that, here's my favorite response of them all this came from a guy who called himself mikey four fingers some guy named michael his simple response to all of this was Keep your chins up. <laughs> Not keep your chin up, but keep your chins up. 
<laughs> so, I get it. So everybody, uh, everybody enjoyed that. They got 57 likes that response. So, uh, right. so that, that's what, uh, that's what happens when you, when you were, he's he, obviously every poker player who's played a shitload of tournaments, especially, you know, ones that are watched a lot because they're high stakes tournaments. Like he plays, you're going to have your spots where you suck out on someone and get super lucky. And win thanks to that, and you're gonna have your times that you get uh, screwed in the spot that you should have won. Okay, that's that's just that's just poker. That's gonna happen to everybody. And but I don't think anybody's ever had the impression that Scott Seaver is an unlucky player who, if only he got average luck, would be doing way better. Like if any, anything, it's the opposite. So uh, this is someone who's had tremendous success. Who uh, you know, people were easily able to quickly find so many different reports of bad beats he put on. So for him to say the number of times this has happened to me, it's like uh, it was like Joe Hashem. He was pissing some people off in the years after he won his main event where he was whining all the time at the table about his luck. And people are like, are you kidding me? You won the main event and you're complaining about your luck. Like the one time he busted uh, to a bad beat on the river, he goes, yep, that's just that's just always my story. That's just always my story. Like, wait a minute. No, it's not. If you win the main event. And the list of, of douchebag poker players that you would like to see on their knees, you know. Uh oh, I can't. I can't hear the sucking rest. cock oh. for. We're, we're cutting out buy-ins. here. Where does? Can you hear me or no? Yeah, uh, yeah, you were cutting out for real. Yeah, uh, for who, real. Who? I'm cutting out. Okay. Well, how about now? Yeah, I can hear you again. All right. So on, on the list, on the list of douchebag poker players who you would like to see. On their knees, sucking guys off for, for buy-ins. Like, where does Seaver rank? <laughs> yeah, you know, I from one to ten. I don't know. It's pretty high as far as people who haven't actually done anything bad, like as far as non-scammers right. and non-people involved with shady poker sites. Like, as far as people who right. who haven't done anything bad to anyone, just acting like douches, he's actually pretty high. Because, it, like, I right. always just have gotten this arrogance from him. That uh, okay, right. now I've done well in poker. Now I'm better than everybody else here, and and now it even shows some delusion that he, they, despite all the success, he still thinks he's unlucky. <laughs> yeah, I think this is this is a guy that really needs to uh, spend a little time wiping his chin with uh, humility, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, so. so he, he, the funny thing, he didn't respond to this. Like he just uh, he just. Uh, now, he doesn't. I saw he doesn't tweet that much anyway, but he he just did not respond to all this, and I wonder what he thought when he got all right. these answers. But I bet he still is like, oh, okay, they, I play so many tournaments, they found a few times I sucked out, but I, I'm usually really unlucky. Like I, I bet that's probably what he thought to himself when when these people responded that way. But I I loved all these responses, Whatever. and the, the, the a lot of people laughed at that. a lot of people thought it was very funny the, the way everyone uh, responded to him. So those were two uh, bonus topics. Uh, I didn't put that on the agenda either. Uh, I, I want to quickly mention this is not going to be a big topic, but we've talked about Alec Torelli and his uh, um, angling, and and really it's just gotten worse and worse for him. Like his, his response video he made got a very poor response. We we've talked about this a lot in the last two shows. I'm not going to talk about it much here, but I just want to direct everybody to look at Alec Torelli's Wikipedia. It's uh, Alec A L E C Torelli's T O R E L L I. If you look at his Wikipedia, uh, it was modified by Seriously Serious. And seriously, serious has been trolling his Wikipedia, just modifying it again and again to troll him. And uh, someone keeps changing it back, uh, but they're not changing it completely back. I think it might be Alec, just like, but by what's being by what's being written, as far as uh, you know, like the person who's changing it back is trying very hard. Yeah, it, it, okay. So now it's all been wiped back. But if you can go back to the history, you can see it. Now it's all been re- returned. But uh, Alec 
And this guy who who posts as, uh, on there is Nala Simon, who's only ever edited Alec Torelli's page since this started. So someone named Nala Simon made an account and started editing that page back from Seriously Serious' edits. So it's not like one of these Wikipedia Nazis who just always goes and fixes vandalism to pages. This is someone who made an account just to fix this page and was writing things like, oh, these aren't facts, These are this is Doug Polk, uh, this is Doug Polk's version. Like A lot of the same stuff Torelli was saying, which makes me think it might be him. But anyway, uh, they've been in this editing war. And the reason – you might wonder why is Seriously Serious so dedicated to doing this. Well, it's obviously because he works for Doug Polk. He works full-time for Doug Polk. So uh, you know whose side he's on here. And Doug Polk was the one who's really been most vocal about Torelli and really got the whole thing started. So, uh, But it was very funny. If you go back and look at an old version of it, uh, uh, Torelli made this, has this really douchey picture of himself doing yoga that he distributed at some point. So that became the main picture of the, of the article, the Alec Torelli article on Wikipedia. And, and, and it said, like, this is Alec Torelli during the mer- doing the mermaid pose in yoga. And then it, it had uh, sections about chip jumping that he's done and, angles, and this angle shooting thing. And it, and it even made little quips there that seem innocuous upon first now, glance. Now, what does is, what is, uh, the serious kid do for the Doug Polk? Oh, he does all the, all, pretty much all the video production. He does everything as far as managing all the videos that Polk puts out. And also, I believe he brings, wow. he brings topics to, for Polk to talk about and to research. It's just, uh, see, what Polk does is Polk inserts himself into all of the different poker stories and controversies and makes videos about them. And then this is like a backdoor way to promote his upswing poker company. But like serious, serious, seriously, serious brings it to his attention. Yeah. It, like it, says, oh, this is what's going on in the world. Like, yeah, you, well, you know, he, like, like a producer kind of sort of. Now, now, keep in mind, Doug Polk was already like a two plus two poster a long time ago before people knew who he was. And, and he still participates somewhat anyway. So I think Doug Polk finds some of this himself anyway. But I can tell that Seriously Serious is bringing stuff to him, and I can tell that... You know, he, Doug Polk, to me now, is like the Golden State Warriors. They've done nothing to me, but I'm so sick of hearing about them, I'm just rooting for him to lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that I, I, means the job that, that Seriously Serious is doing is is working, but, I mean, I mean the I way I look Facebook at those two now, guys... And he's on my Facebook with ads. Have you guys seen this? Yeah. Yes, yes. Like, it's it, it just on Do my Facebook. Do you know why it's Facebook? Do you know why no, the I ads don't. are on Facebook? I don't because know. they're banned on Google and on Twitter. Oh, I didn't know oh. that. You're but very you smart. Can, but you can well. advertise gambling on Facebook. Uh, okay. Um, so, but he really—that's a perfect example. He is like the Golden State Warriors to me. I, I I saw him yesterday. He's wearing this tank top. Yes. He had to have lost a prop bet. Like, there's no way he could be wearing that. No, no, no. He always on, wears on tank. A, no, 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 no. He always does. That's what he does. He wears tank I mean, tops all the time. He lo- I, he's showing like up the that. guns, Brandon. <laughs> so you're saying that what he wore yesterday was just like I'm waking yes. up and I'm going to play poker? Yes. Like that's just yes. It's what he wears the when he's going on video. Yeah, he wears them oh, on all the videos that. too. He loves he loves the tank tops for some reason. So, so, so uh, and they're mocking like a girl, pretty, a girl with a small chest that's always wearing a low cut shirt. You know, they're yes. mocking him pretty relentlessly on that podcast. <laughs> you know, for the tank top. So I, I thought mean, like for he what lost it, the prop that I, I didn't know that no. he dressed like that out of choice. No. But I, I think that him and Seriously Serious make a good kind of uh, team because Seriously Serious has brought a lot of production value to him, whereas prior to the prior to them working together, Polk's videos were really, really, really ghetto. Yeah. Um, and Seriously Serious has been very smart about leveraging social media and you know hot buttons uh in the 
poker community, which he's always been good at identifying, um, obviously because of the songs he's created and stuff like that. And for his part, Polk is an engage. I mean, you know, he's a nice enough guy and he's an engaging personality. He's uh, kind of the, the face and the fame part of the equation of those guys. Right, right. And, and seriously, seriously, is all the yeah. background stuff. And yeah, Now, so. let me ask you, you yep. think he's like, uh, like he has some sort of contract with the Polk kid like a caddy does with a professional golfer? Like he gets no. a percentage? No, no, he doesn't. I I, you know, no, no, he doesn't. He, oh. he works for, he works you know, for him. That's how it is in the PGA. You yeah, win, the golfer wins, and you're getting seven and a half percent. Yeah, no, I've talked. I've, I've talked to seriously serious. Serious isn't carrying anyone's clubs. Yeah, so. no, I, I I talked to seriously serious. <laughs> I, I saw him around. He was around the Rio this year, and I and I saw him one of the times during a break, and I talked to him. And I don't know how much money he makes or anything, but uh, uh, he he works for him pretty much full time, uh, and then he he gets some kind of salary, and he actually got a raise, Polk, after he won the the one drop and and made all that money. I think he had like forty percent of himself, so. The three point five million take forty percent of that's still a lot of money, and he, he well then whatever. Let's just speculate. What would what would you guys? I don't even would know where to start. But what would you guys both guess? Yeah, I was pay? wondering that too. But but he said he got a raise after after the one drop. Just it's think he makes six figures, low six figures well, maybe. The, here's the thing. I don't know whether it's uh, full time employment. No, it is. Um, it is full time employment. It is. It's a hundred percent full time employment. We like didn't. I didn't ask him a hundred percent. I didn't ask him if it's a hundred percent. But I. I. Uh, I said, "Are you working full time?" He said, "You pretty much, yeah." So yeah, that's. Uh, so, I would. I would doubt that it's six figures, um, mm-hmm. just because I know what those kind of jobs pay, um, and especially for his location, even though it's kind of irrelevant in, in this instance, but in Atlanta. I don't think you're going to be getting six figures doing video production. But he's not in um, he, he, no, no, no. Seriously, Sirius is moving to Vegas. So okay. that's uh, – It still doesn't – I mean, you know, it, it, unless he's doing more than I'm aware of, I doubt it's six figures. Yeah, I don't think it's six um, figures either. That's just my guess. He hasn't, he hasn't told me anything. He's, he's given me no hints about how much he's getting, but uh, that, I, but I don't I'm, think it's But I'm figures. sure he's reasonably well paid, and I'm sure that some years – with bonuses, it's six figures for sure. Well, hell, there should you be know? a bonus this year. I mean, well, he, he said he got he, he said he got a raise, which which makes it sound like it's right, a permanent yeah, a, per, a, a permanent permanent raise, which is it could be it's better than a bonus if it's six, you know. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, anyway, that's so that's uh, just go check it out. You can in, in uh, Wikipedia you can click on the history tab, and then you can click on. You'll see a big list of history, the changes. You'll even see the reasons the changes are said that they're being made. And if you click on Prev, P-R-E-V, like for previous, then you can see what it was before, what it is now. And you can go all the way back, and so you can see some of these edits before. They're really funny. And even now, a- Didn't something like that happen to your Wikipedia where they were saying that Todd would tell us was known to eat eight plates of food at the casino? Yeah, there's a lot, there's <laughs> a lot, a lot of vandalism to mine, and they, they even uh, – Someone even inserted something really creepy in there. Someone put, like, in March of a certain year, like maybe 2014, they, they wrote, uh, on April something 2014, uh, uh, Todd passed away. May, may God rest his soul. So I'm thinking, that's, that's kind of crappy. <laughs> like someone's, they're actually wow. postdating this a month from then. Obviously, it didn't happen, but uh, they were postdating right. it a month later that yeah. I was going to be dead. Now, speaking of creepy, we have to give a shout-out at this point to the unofficial official Poker Fraud Alert Radio Instagram page. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Work that's, over there. that's true. There, there is a we, – yeah, we, we actually – Brandon made contact with the person who runs the Instagram page, and uh, we're still it's not the sure – unofficial official. We, we're, we're still not sure exactly what we're going to do, but we, we've determined the person who created it is not doing it to be hostile. It's someone who's doing it uh, 
He's uh, being hilarious. It's it's a great, a, he's a doing it as, as a joke. Funny. So, so uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, we, we do, the only concern, we don't want them representing themselves as poker fraud alert or, uh, you know, have people sending messages to them, uh, you know, asking about their accounts and things. Like, we don't want people accidentally giving out info. It's, I can just kind of tell from the way he's or him or her has taken it. I don't think it's going to reach that. It's just done. It, it seems to be done in good fun. Well, no, I believe that. I believe that. I'm just. I'm thinking. I hope people who see it don't get confused and, and say, "Oh, I wanted to contact Druff about such and such," and then write a message to them that's not supposed to be you know, seen. So, uh, so I'm not sure what to do about that. But I, I know the page is not being made for hostile reasons, and it's. Uh, it, it is funny. So, it's actually uh, as a guy. Like, there's a picture of you and me, and it's tagged Druff and Brandon. Throwback Thursday at the Batman premiere in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> That was a Don Henley concert yeah, photo. Yeah, it's it's someone who uh, who's a fan of radio who's been making this. So and and they they write stuff about the call to listen line and the Mount Charleston line. This uh, it's funny. They they try to they they create the page very much in the vein of this of this radio show and with, like what they think it would really look like, but w- but with a parody element. To and it. everyone they follow are like either people we've talked about or people that've been on the show. It's no, no, not funny. just that. No, they actually follow like '80s related things. Like so, it's someone who really pays attention to everything I say, and they're trying to make it look like it, they, like these would be things I would follow. If I was on Instagram, so it's it's funny. All right, so let's see what what else we got here. I, I can't stay up too late tonight. I got to play this event tomorrow. Uh, I'm actually going to skip one of these topics that I skipped last week. This uh, guy talking about America's card room and going to the FBI. Uh, I'm talk about the, uh, the the Trump Taj Mahal auctioning off everything that's on the inside. The Trump Taj Mahal, uh, as you guys know has been closed for a long time and uh and it's going to be converted in, into something else so that remember the taj mahal has a whole indian theme and we're talking about indian like india not uh, like native american but uh this is an article from u.s news saying a fan of the trump taj mahal casino can take home a piece of the former casino before it's gutted to make way for the hard rock hotel and casino which is taking over its spot uh future furniture poker tables Grand pianos, art, and even its famous chandeliers will be among the merchandise up for grabs at a liquidation sale that starts at 10 a.m. Thursday. Now, if you want this bad news, Thursday was actually Thursday uh, last week. This is on uh, Thursday, I I guess it would be uh, the the 7th. Uh, uh, National Content Liquidator says the sale will continue until everything's gone. President Donald Trump opened the Taj Mahal in 1990, proclaiming it to be the eighth wonder of the world. But within a year, it had filed for bankruptcy, crippled by choking debt. Trump cut most of his ties with Atlantic City in 2009, having lost control of the casino he once owned in a bankruptcy. Uh, They're trying to say he lost it in a bankruptcy, not he owned it in a bankruptcy. Uh, Billionaire investor Kyle Icahn shut down the Taj Mahal in, in October after a bitter strike with the casino's main union. And he sold it to Hard Rock International in March for $50 million. That's about $0.04 cents on the dollar from the $1.2 billion that Trump spent to open it. A summer 2018 opening is planned for the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. The sale is part of the Hard Rock's plan to do a complete makeover of the property that will erase all traces of the Taj Mahal's Indian theme. The Trump name has already been removed from the building. So, so basically, they're, they're, uh, it's just going to be it's going to be the same building structure, but all the decorations on the outside and inside that made it the Taj are going to be gone. And uh, the inside stuff is all being sold. So uh, you, you could have had – I don't know if it's still going on. I guess it's possible they're still selling it a week later. But uh, you could have had a grand, grand piano from there, poker tables from there, furniture from there, the chandeliers. I mean, the uh, – it was all being uh, liquidated. I wonder what prices these were going for. I wonder if these were good deals people ended up getting or if these got bid up too high. I'd, I'd love to have seen a list of prices this stuff went for. 
Because uh, au- auctions are a mis- mixed bag. Sometimes you can really get some amazing deals, and sometimes uh, people bid things up way more than it's worth. Way, m- more than it's worth. So, so that's this happening, and then the uh, it'll eventually reopen as as the Hard Rock, and you won't remember it, it was the Taj. Many years from now, people will not even know, except for real Atlantic City buffs. That is, if the Hard Rock even survives. I'm skeptical of that. So, you uh, stake. That is a staking site that once owned Cal Watts' Tasty Steak site. That uh, is correct. Now, now it didn't start his Tasty Steak site. Cal Watts started on his own. Then it was sold to uh, to Ustake, or at least partially sold. A- acquired is a better word. Acquired by Ustake, and then unacquired, uh, where, where, where Tasty Steaks uh, separated itself as, as according to an agreement they had, uh, which you know, I won't go into all the details. It's Cal Watts' private business, but... Uh, uh, it, it's not part of you steak anymore, Tasty Steaks, and Tasty Steaks is, is, is not it's not running for profit as you guys have seen. Uh, it's it's blowing up pretty big this year, and Mike Mattisau he was he was pushing it pretty hard just just to, you know just because that's where his packages now, were. Callawat, I have a question about yes, sir. this. I've been yes. wondering, are you the one? Are you one of the people that are, that tweet these events? Have you been doing this even when you're out of the country? No, no. So the site automatically does that. So whenever someone enters an event or they um, they cash in it, um, it automatically tweets that out. But sometimes I've seen like such and such person. So you know, I follow it, of course. Yep. Such and such person entered an event, but I'll know that, yep. especially if it's a big name person, that they're not in that event anymore. Oh, I can explain this. This happened to me too. Uh, on uh, Tasty Steaks. Um, you you list the event you're going to play, but the problem is Tasty right. Steaks has no way to tell if the person has really entered, either because they chose not to play or it inter- they had a different event interfering with right. it. So so the only way it knows is if you go on to Tasty Steaks and click, I entered the event. And sometimes people will not click on that until after they're already out. So I've had that before, too. Uh, right? okay. I, I forget right. to do it, and it's it's kind of tilting because I, I'm out of the event. I'm all frustrated, and i got to go up. You know you- you're one of the people I've noticed too. Like I'm like, why yeah. is it saying you just entered? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So, right. So I'm, I'm out of yeah, the event. So Brandon, yeah. Brandon, basically, you know, we had. I, I thought about it for a while, and I could have had it automatically tweet, like when they were supposed to play this event. But the problem is, as um, as Dan, uh, Todd said, there's no way we can know whether you're actually going to play this event or not, right? So it actually seemed like it would be worse if this thing auto tweeted. You know, such and such a person entered this event when they didn't really enter it, you know. Um, So instead, it just you just manually have to do it. And every night that you have an event uh, the following day, it sends you an email saying, here's your event. Make sure you go to your dashboard and mark that you entered it and post updates and all that kind of stuff. So we notify everyone that has an event every single day that they've got it. But it's up to them to actually uh, mark themselves as entered. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, there's an article about uh, U-Stake that was on Haley Hintz's uh, Flesh Draw site. Well, she doesn't own it, but she writes for it, the flushdraw.net. And, uh, by the way, Haley works for the World Series this year. She's uh, She mm. does a lot of work behind the scenes for them. And I've seen her around a lot. I've met her in person for the first time this year, and I've seen her a few times. In fact, she happened I thought she was kind of doing uh, Nolan Dallas' job. Um, is she? I don't. I don't know. You know, the funny. What th- I, I thought I read that she was like. She's not the, out uh, there motorboating no titties. <laughs> 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 uh, 
She, she's, she was like the media, the media head of the WSOP. She might. She, I don't know what her exact title is, but she goes around and she she looks. Uh, she does. Uh, she does have, have something to do with media, but also goes around and and uh, it's somewhat of like media quality control. I think of what she's doing. And uh, but she has she does a number of things there. I didn't quite get exactly her what her title was. I even asked her. I didn't quite understand her response. I didn't press it, but. Um, I've seen her around a few times. In fact, she happened to walk up as I was uh, at the TV table, and I, I, I asked her about like you know how much this is going to be on TV, but they didn't tell her either. So anyway, she wrote, the, but she wrote this article. She's still working for Flush Draw in the background, doing these uh, these articles, these news articles, and she did a uh, an article about Ustake that Ustake is actually suing the SEC, the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, and they want a declaratory judgment over the legality of online staking. Now, the problem with this is that uh, it, it, while it's legal to sell pieces of yourself uh, at these World Series events, there's nothing illegal about that. Uh, a, a site that facilitates it uh, can be in some legal hot water, even if they're, uh, especially if they're collecting, uh, facilitating it, meaning if, they, if they're. Uh, either collecting a fee for doing so or, or holding the money and distributing it and, and keeping some of it, whatever. That, that, uh, what, what CalWatch is doing is fine because he's running a free site that, uh, that, that's just allowing stakers and, uh, and players to reach each other. Yeah, the, the analogy that I would make there, Drew, is um, you know, it's okay to be someone that sets people up. You know, that's perfectly fine. But when you start taking a, a, a cut of the payments – then you're kind of into pimp territory. And it's that, you know, I'm not calling what they're doing pimping or anything like that, but what I'm saying is that it's that kind of a distinction where the the legality question mark is whether or not a third-party en- entity can insert itself um, and profit from it. And I don't know the answer to it either. Yeah, I have no I, idea. Yeah, I don't know either. So, they, so the SEC, they, they've done an investigation on Ustake, and they're trying to determine whether what Ustake is doing represents securities in the formal sense and, and whether the right. SEC could actually regulate them. So, so Ustake doesn't like this. And uh, so Ustake was attempting to file a complaint to get this uh, a declaratory, a declaratory judgment in their favor. Um, I think that you might be misunderstood there or, or misspeaking. I don't think Ustake doesn't like the fact that uh, the SEC is looking into this. I think Ustake actually asked the SEC to look oh, really? into this. Um, I think the, the no, because I mean, what they said, uh, or you know, what they said, and, and this is all public in blog posts quite some time ago, is they wanted to kind of bring shed the light of day onto what's going on and have all this stuff be legalized. So I think that they and they announced publicly. I think maybe eight months ago that they were uh, pursuing doing that, um, and they voluntarily submitted them, themselves to the SEC. Um, and again, this is all based on a public bo- blog post. This is oh, really? Any kind okay. of particular okay. knowledge that I have. Um, yeah, if you just Google like uh, Frank to George, uh, yeah, you Frank- know, stake legal, you know, whatever, you'll you'll find it. But basically, he announced about eight months ago that they were doing this. So I think the issue is not that the SEC is looking at this. I think uh, that is actually what they wanted. I think the issue is how long it is taking. Okay, and Frank, Frank DeGeorge, by the way, is the is the CEO and the uh, the largest shareholder there. But so this is right. so this is something that uh, they said. This would actually go along somewhat with what you were saying here. Uh, 
They said, one of Ustake's core business functions is the provision of staking services to members of the public. The staking model is aimed at individual players interested in tendering an entry fee to participate in a contest with monetary rewards, allowing such individuals to crowdsource part or all of such entry fee to the public in exchange for providing members of the public, known as backers, with an interest in the player's monetary outcome. Uh, Ustake was originally created to remove such staking transactions from the black market, where they have long flourished in a world rife with fraud and theft and to create a mainstream mechanism for such transactions to be conducted with significant player and backer safeguards in place. So so basically they're saying, look, we're, we're, U-Stake is here to stop all the fraud and theft that's going on when, when players just do it with each other and then one screws the other and there's no recourse. So they're trying to say we're, we're trying to make this uh, something that's, uh, that's much more organized and legitimate and, and where there's uh, much less risk here involved. Yeah, they're, they're far from the first. Um... You know, Chip Me Up has been around for yeah, a while. Yeah, I was going to mention that, yes. Yeah. And and uh, Tasty Steaks actually came out uh, before you staked it. Um, so they're they're definitely not the first to try to do it, but, you know, hats off to them to, to be going through the effort to get this thing legalized. Yeah, Chip Me Up, it's, it's interesting, Chip Me Up. Chip Me Up started in, in 08, and right. uh, they, they, this was owned by Poker News, and Poker News at the same time owned Never Win Poker. And I remember they were pushing us to, to promote Chip Me Up and to, and to really mm-hmm. try to you know, get the members to start using it. And I remember Mike on, he didn't really like that. Mike on wasn't against Chip Me Up. In fact, he used it you know, to stake himself, but, uh, but he didn't like having to push it. And, and then people on the site started making fun of him and started calling it Chimp Me Up. And, <laughs> uh, so that, so that, that's the way that went. Much like anything that Poker News wanted uh, promoted on, they're always backfired. But but anyway, uh, chip me up. I think they eventually uh, th- that eventually dropped, and especially I think they were also concerned about uh, legal issues. So, but uh, chip me up. It's still around though. Is it still around? But I know, at least in the U.S., I know you can't use it. I, I think you can't use it anymore in the U.S. Yeah, it's still around to some extent. And there's uh, there's also another site called State Kings that was originally it was originally called something else, and then they saw DraftKings do really well, and they changed their name uh, <laughs> to kind of. Ride that coattail. Card Player Magazine, according to Haley Hints, also considered jumping into this and doing a staking service very much like U-Stake. I don't know when, but uh, they had the same concerns that uh, that U-Stake is is having right now, so they actually decided that they're not going to bother with it. They were considering it Mm -hmm. and then decided against it. So, anyway, uh, this... So they're they're trying to get... uh, So they they have a, a lawyer who's been known to be involved in a lot of these gaming issues. Uh, Maurice, uh, known as Mac Verstandig. I think he's also taking that case against these uh, guys who ran that Aruba PPC that screwed everybody. I think he's the one suing them as well. Isn't he also a poker player? He might be. I've heard of him a number of I don't, times. I don't know. I really don't know, but I, I think he is. I don't know for sure. Let's see, Mac Verstandig, and let's see, let's see if he did the Aruba PPC. I, I seem to remember he was the one involved in that, too. Yeah, yeah, he is. I was right. He, he's the one also suing the guys uh, who screwed oh, okay. everyone on the PPC. So I, I don't know if he's played poker. Let me see if I can see if find any poker results for him. Uh, I'm not seeing poker results for him, so... Uh, <laughs> Maybe not, then. But I, I think he just has a lot of experience with law related to gambling and that's why he gets involved in these type of cases so he's on he's he's you stakes lawyer here (coughs) and uh so they're they're trying they're they're so the the complaint says uh during the course of the investigation 
you stake temporarily ceased the provision of public staking services. So to demonstrate good faith cooperation with the SEC's investigative and enforcement efforts, as well as in hopes of encouraging the SEC to engage substantive settlement discussions. Now, th- that's not what I witnessed. <laughs> that, that's not what I witnessed. With the use. I, I haven't seen Ustake uh, ceasing their services at any point. So I don't know what – that, that's kind of a strange thing to write. And uh, – but, but we'll see. Uh, I don't know if uh, – where this is going to go, but that – that's what they're seeking at the moment. And this was from a story on July 7th. I haven't seen an update to it, but uh, I wonder if Haley is not putting out as many articles right now because she's busy at the World Series. She, she, you know, she really does seem to work a full day there. I see her around a lot. And what exactly is she doing for the World she's Series? She's doing something with media over there. She, she's some kind of media oh. quality controls sort of thing. But I see her all of – she's mainly hmm. – you know, yeah, she, she's a lot of media-related things. In fact, I even saw her walking around the main event – uh, when I played at the beginning of yesterday. And uh, at first I thought she was doing chip counts, which I thought was kind of like, I didn't think she was the chip reporter. And uh, so I said, oh, you're doing chip counts here? It kind of looked like she was kind of look, looking at people's stacks. But I, I guess she was looking more for uh, stories of people who played the main event for the very first time and were, was looking at tables where... Uh... So I said, well, how do you know who played the first time? Do you have a list of what table they're at? She, she said, no. She just goes around and looks, and if anybody kind of looks nervous or looks like that they don't really know fully what they're doing there, like it just someone seems like this is their first time playing uh, the main event, that she approaches them and actually asks uh, uh, asks some questions to them. So it was kind of funny that they uh, she was actually doing it by feel rather than by any kind of list. But uh, so um, the so I mean, it would be good if this is uh, is actually legalized to where I mean, I'm not so much uh, as far as you stake itself I'm not saying that should be the business that uh, ultimately dominates but I, I, I do like the idea of staking being able to be done in a, a formal way through a, a company that uh, that can manage it now yes this the company can always screw people that's uh, uh, there's more protections than like when online poker sites screw people, but basically any any company that uh, goes belly up and screws people, you can't you can't get blood from a stone. If they're broke, you can you can try to have them criminally prosecuted or whatever, but uh, you may never get your money back. Similar to the Aruba PPC, but uh, but I, I think that it's still probably safer if you're doing it with strangers to use something like that than to just to do it than to trust strangers who may screw you. And uh, while you can still get screwed somewhat in stakes with, with chip dumping and other stuff like that, it, it does eliminate some of the problem. Though I wonder, with, with Ustake, um, if they, what, how does Ustake control it when someone just pretends to play and doesn't really play? How, how do they prevent that from happening? Or someone unregistering? How, how do they prevent that from happening? There's no way they can do, right? Cal what? Are you asking me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, because I, I would think that's still a danger. Unfortunately, I, I I don't know if that if that could be prevented with anything but some kind of cooperation on the World Series end, to where you know, like <laughs> to where the World yeah, Series I actually. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about that. Uh, and you know, if I did, I couldn't comment on it anyway. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say, like, just in general, obviously, because. I made tasty steaks. I have thought a lot about this and what would really need to happen for um, this to be truly effective would be 
um, a partnership with uh, Caesars. That's what I was just about to say. And, yeah, and 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 a partnership with you know every little casino all over the place where um, you would actually be able to you know buy buy in for someone else, right? And then you would actually be able to um, be the only one that is then able to pick up the prize. Right. That's, a, that's, that's what I was about person. to say. That's what I was about to say. And, Something formal. And, yeah. with... and in order for that to happen, you would need the full cooperation of whatever casino, you know, and, you know, none of this is rocket science. And we, we thought about it, uh, you know, two and a half years ago when I was uh, working on Tasty Steaks. And I, you know, I didn't do it because I just really didn't have the time. And that wasn't the origin of uh, – or the purpose for creating Tasty Steaks anyway. But for it to be, you know, truly helpful in that regard, that's what you would need to do. You know? That's that's what I thought. because, I, Like I was thinking, I, I, I couldn't come up with a way that this could be scam-proof or mostly scam-proof. Uh, it, it, unless there's no cooperation from the company putting on the tournament because of all these games people can play with either not registering or just registering, unregistering. And uh, especially because it's not published who enters tournaments. So, right. so you you don't even know. Someone could say, "Oh, I had such bad luck today. I uh, first hand kings versus aces, and they got all in." You know, you, you don't know. You, you don't know, especially a big field event. You just don't know if it really happened, and it's very hard or sometimes impossible to find out if that person was really in the field. So uh, that's, right. that's the only way to know. So, uh, I think. Well, the, I mean, Druff, and, and just speaking in in generalities here. Um, the way to do it, like I said, is you forge partnership with uh, with all of these various companies. Um, you then also go the route that it looks like they're trying to go, where you become a legalized uh, marketplace. And then, you know, you'll have to put aside X percentage of the, the actual uh, escrowed money, um, you know, just to make sure that uh, ev- everything is on the up and up. Um, and then you can get insurance for the rest. You know, so yeah, and nothing is ever going to be a hundred percent foolproof, right? I mean, we've seen it with our banking system and everything else. Like, you know, occasionally shit happens, but you don't really have to worry about, uh, or I, I, I don't think it, it should prevent you from trying to do something like this, just because there might be some very very small way someone will find a game in the system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, we got a, a text from the 636 area code, and they said that uh, – this is a number I, haven't, I don't think I've ever seen before. They texted me, someone did the math on the hand with a straight flush on the board. Someone on 2 plus 2 did the math, and the odds are in the mm. billions of it happening that way. <laughs> now, Holy shit. Now, of course, we're, we're not talking about it on the, on the turn. It was only a 1 in, in, in 40-something chance, but, but uh, he's talking about the way it, it came down. Yeah, that's, that's something you're just never going to see again. <laughs> it's just, uh... Wouldn't that be the same for any um... – hand with that many different hands and that many unique cards that come out yeah yeah i mean i, oh, they, I, I see what you're saying but they just have to be exactly those cards i, I got you yeah i mean i don't yeah. know what yeah there's a lot of different ways you could put it uh but uh right. but i'm not sure that what but yeah this isn't what's what's so unusual here is the fact that uh, not only was it the aces aces kings but that it, it came to a situation where someone makes the nut flesh on the turn and then loses a uh, lose and then Loose it or chops it on the river to a straight flush on the board. That that's really a type of thing you're not going to see again. So, okay, let's. We also got another text here. Uh, let's. Where is it? I had it up, and I lost. It. I'm actually reading the text on the computer this time. Oh, here we are. Uh, someone who was playing the main event. I guess they weren't listening to the show live. A lot of times people listen to the show live when they play the main event, but someone today played day C to C. 
from the 317 area. The Just Busted main event in the last level. Uh, Matt Stout was at my table, and another player was busting his balls about lock poker. Hmm, good for him. Uh, can mm. you? So, <laughs> and he says, "Congrats for making day three. Uh, I've listened to the archives while traveling back home from Las Vegas from the airport. So, uh, yeah, he. That's interesting that all these years later, someone was giving Matt Stout a problem about lock poker. I mean, I, I I give anyone credit for giving a hard time to any former lock pros who didn't jump ship. When they should have, and uh, a lot of them stayed too long. Matt Stout, from what I saw, didn't. He was never, never one of the vocal people who were saying, "Oh, Locke is great. Uh, don't worry, it's all going to end up fine." Like like Weisner was doing, and like Brian Pellegrino was doing. But uh, but but he he did stay too long. So uh, honestly, anybody yeah, so that could, that could just be explained by laziness. Yeah. Well, it was you know, it, it, it was. I, I think these players thought they were free rolling. I think yeah, you know, they they were promised right. such and such money. Maybe they were even paid in lock dollars. I'm sure they were paid in lock dollars, but they 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 were and they were probably making, getting some priority cash out. They they're like, okay, well, I could quit and 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 uh, say, well, I'm standing up and leaving, but how would that benefit me? What if Locker? What if Lock does get back in shape? Then I'll lose this lucrative sponsorship. So screw it. So even even when they weren't getting, even when they couldn't withdraw, even when the priority cash outs right. went away for them and they were stuck, they still some of them still wanted to stick around just in case things get righted because the. They feel they could only gain from it, and what they weren't looking at was they're screwing people by giving legitimacy to a site that is clearly stealing from everybody. And even if you're not, a, even if you're ninety-five percent sure they're stealing, and there's five percent right. chance it's going to be okay, that that's crazy. So, uh, oh, here's uh, uh, here's someone who who just uh, texted me from Alaska. This is actually an Alaska listener who texts me sometimes. Druff had serious. Issues with your implied blackmail comments regarding Trump and CNN. This is regarding uh, last week's show. Uh, you imply you imply blackmailed the guy who blew up the 3K limit event. You know, I've, I've had a few people point that out to me. I've had a few people say regarding this Twitter troll uh, that that af- that I was being a hypocrite because I was going on saying that CNN did uh, implied blackmail to the guy who had made that uh, gif of them that, that Trump ended up sending out. And that, uh, that that I basically did the same thing to this Twitter troll. But here's the difference: is that one person made a funny little gif about politics, about politics and the media. It was basically Donald Trump body slamming the media. So he made that. It's just a funny little political gif. There was nothing that he meant harmful with this. And I, I don't care if the guy turned it out. You know, if he's some racist piece of crap. You know, outside of that, that might be true. But I'm talking about with that gif. The reason they investigated him was because he made that gif. Uh, just a little political parody gift that was nothing harmful and that the only thing that the only reason it became a news story was because the president of the United States then took that gift and tweeted it which was obviously highly unusual behavior for a president but that's that's par for the course of Donald Trump now so that's why I was so so when they did the implied blackmail to this guy where you know they found out other things he had posted and uh, basically uh, put out in an article that since he, you know, once they found him and let him know they found him, that he got uh, he he got very scared that his name would get out because they they also let him know they found the other stuff he had posted about you know stuff about Jews, stuff about uh, uh, you know, racist stuff he had posted. So he didn't want his name associated with that in a major news story. So they knew he was he was panicking and he he called them up and was panicking. So they put in their article that they're not going to identify him, but only if if his behavior continues. According with his apology, so if he continues trolling the internet, they're going identi- to identify him. That's why I said it was implied bl- blackmail. It was it was uh, that that they're you know they're they're just saying that uh, 
they knew that he was very afraid of this being revealed, his, his information, and that uh, they are attaching a condition to it in, in writing a news story. And that's not what a news organization is to do. A news organization should either say, this is worthy for the public to know, or this is not worthy for the public to know. It should not be a middle ground where, well, we'll only keep it from the public if this guy behaves the way we want him to. And we're not talking about like, criminal offenses. We're not saying that they're reserving the right to identify him if he commits crimes in the future. I'm saying that they're reserving the right to identify him if he behaves on the Internet in a way they, they don't like. If they don't like the speech that he uses on the Internet, then they're going to reveal who he is and, and therefore ru- it'll ruin his life. And that's, you know, that's what he's afraid of. So the, it, it's basically blackmailing him into no longer behaving the way he was before, on the, uh, you know, before all this started. So that was my problem. And that's the fact that a major news organization was doing it. Now, comparing it to my situation, again, the fact that someone brought something up that they were concerned about with my World Series staking package. That they that I showed up 33 minutes late to day two of one of the events that people had that others owned 41 percent of me and even paid markup, and that as of four hours after the event after I busted, I had not revealed this publicly, and that you know he hadn't seen any evidence I had revealed it anywhere, which was true. That he was concerned that maybe I'm not going to tell anyone, and maybe I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen, and I'm not going to give anyone. Any money back when, in reality, me showing up 33 minutes late uh, did rob them of some equity. That is fine. If he wants to bring that up, I've, I said before, no one has to keep secrets for me if I've, you know, if I've committed some infraction that, you know, against anyone. If, if they feel I've done something that's shady to, to people in the poker community, I'm not saying that people should dig into my business and try to find anything to embarrass me. I'm saying that People should, uh, if, if there's something like this where they think I didn't behave properly in a stake, of course it's their business, even if they weren't uh, someone who, who owned part of it. Of course that's up to them to bring that up. In fact, I might bring up something like that on this show. So I, no, nothing against him for doing that. And, and there's nothing against him to continue to press, there's nothing I have against him for continuing to press it for the next day to get me to respond. Now, obviously, once he brought it up four hours after the event and I knew he was bringing it up, even if I was trying to cover it up, which I wasn't going to, I was going to address this, but even if I was going to cover it up, obviously, once he brought that out, I'd be a fool if I thought I could still cover it up. So he, he tried Bro, to claim... This is something only a psychotic ex-girlfriend is going to bring. Well, so, so, so the thing was... I'm serious. No, I know it's, it's stupid. Is, I, is this some chick you slighted? No, it's not even... It's not a chick. But, but he, here, here's the point, is that... I, while I agree he sh- this person shouldn't even have done it, and especially given who it is, and he knows he shouldn't have done it for that reason, but, but in general, if people think that I have done something that's shady and they want this brought to the attention of the public so I can explain it, and it, you know, it has to do with a poker staking or whatever, something with poker, something with, with the handling of money, and they want to bring that up, fine, fine, because I bring up when people don't behave right in poker. So why shouldn't people be able to bring up that I don't behave right in poker? They should be now, able to. Now that, now that we know who this person is, though, what's the next step? Well, that, that's what was being... It's, it's Benjamin, right? <laughs> that's How what was Benjamin be- get so much time on the internet? Th- that's what was being asked before, and, I, and, and, and Brandon, know, <laughs> Brandon knows who it is. I, but, but, but uh, yeah, I was saying before, Brandon, and I'll tell you something after the show. Like, like I, I'm waiting for the next step. I want to finish the main event so I don't concentrate on this because it's stupid. But, uh, but, but after the main event, uh, you know, it, it further has to be handled because it's... It's apparently something that's uh, that, that's not going to stop, and that's why this, re- this individual really needs to get in contact with me. And I keep repeating this. I said this last week, and he didn't get it. He he continued trolling me. He continued right hey, off. Of, 
He can he continued to write awful and nasty things on um, on Twitter to me and making sure I see each one uh, about you know trying to demoralize me during the main event, writing awful and nasty things, even writing terrible things about Benjamin. I mean, this person really was trying to take it to as high of a level as he could to to, to get me mad and frustrated and depressed. He was trying as hard as he could. The only thing he wasn't doing was, was any kind of physical threats. There was no kind of physical threats of any kind. But he, but he was trying to be as much of a dick as possible and saying as many nasty and inappropriate and, and just dickish things as possible to me ju- just to try to get me mad and even to try to get me to tilt in the main event and try to, you know, this guy was really trying to make an impact, not just as and, and he knew nobody was even looking. He was doing this from a, from a troll Twitter account he made that nobody even followed. It had zero followers, so it was only tweeting at me to try to get directly to me to get me upset and and to try to have an impact to make me not play the main event as well. To try to you know to, to say awful things about my son, stuff that isn't true, but you know just and for no reason. So you can't even say at this point, you can't say that, and this guy's been doing it for a while. It didn't just start on the day of the main event. So you can't even say, oh, he, would, he just had a concern you weren't behaving right as far as the stake was concerned, and that's his right to bring up. This guy went far beyond that because once that matter was settled, he moved on to other things to harass me about directly. So he also, after I settled it, don't think he didn't show up to 2 plus 2 and call me a scammer and write a, you know, a, a very twisted post about me there where zero people agreed, not even Mason Malmuth agreed with him. So uh, then he tried to lie to me. He tried to send me a tweet after that saying Mason told him privately that he thinks I'm a scammer. There's no way Mason told some fake troll account privately anything. So uh, so anyway, th- this is, uh, as I said, this person needs to get in contact with me. I know it's, it's probably not a pleasant thing for him. He probably doesn't want to get in contact with me and, uh, and say, uh, you know, hey, I know I shouldn't have been doing this, but, 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 but he needs to. He needs to because the conversation is going to happen in some way. And even if he will not talk to me, then the conversation will happen in a different way. It's going to happen, and I'm not. I'm not talking about. Uh, uh, I'm not going to come knock on his door or anything. But, but there's going to be. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to just shrug this off and say, okay, no problem. Especially because of who it is, and that they know they should not have been doing things like this. Especially this stuff after the stake was done, after that was all settled, after I said I'm going to pay everybody their full amount back, and it seemed to be done. And he moved on to other things and stuff he wrote about my son. Inexcusable, especially because of who it came from. Sir. So, so this person is so with lube. We can do this with lube or we can do this without, but it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he has, he has to understand <laughs> that. And, and I also need to understand from him, um, why I should believe that this will never happen again. Because he's, he has stopped since, again, since I made it known that, that I know who it is, he has stopped, which is better mm-hmm. than continuing once I let him know who it is. But, 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 uh, that's not, you can't just do that and stop and then just expect me to shrug my shoulders and say, no problem. Like you, you can't do it. You, this, this has to be. Now, if he were to continue, I'm going to get even angrier. Uh, but, but this needs. So the, anyway, that's the story. It's, it's, it's sitting. Uh, I mentioned this before earlier in the show, but it needs to. It needs to be addressed. But that's that's what it, this is. A person who was without has, going into too much detail, it's pretty clear only because I have experience with the same person. It's, it's this person is clearly obsessed. Yeah. There's no other adjective really to describe it. I mean, it's an unhealthy obsession and. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's it's pretty despicable. All of it. Yeah, and and uh, so this. Well, that's what I said, man. It really does sound like something a psychotic ex-girlfriend would do. Yeah, and and, and, and someone that's kidding. listening right now. That's the crazy part. One hundred percent, they're listening right now. Yeah, and this nine, this person from nine oh seven, who I know, 
this person doesn't mean any harm, and they even said that they're rooting for me in the main, uh, main event day three, this, this 907 texter. And I, and I believe them. They've always been friendly with me in the text here. But they're, they seem to – I don't think they fully get this one. They're saying that uh, um, the reason you investigated your trolls because you didn't cash. No. Uh, now, if I cashed, there would be nothing to say because then everybody would, would get paid, and that's it. Uh, but uh, I didn't cash. The reason I investigated him was because he continued to harass me after the whole situation was done. Once I said – I'm paying everybody a more than generous uh, settlement for this, which is giving them 100% of what they paid for that event back, including markup. That should have been it. It should have been over. And if you want to make one stupid statement, oh, you're only doing this because I outed you, fine. Then that's it. It should, should end right there. But this person moved on to troll me and harass me about totally unrelated things, including about my son. So you, there's no way you can defend that. This is not. It's not like I'm harassing someone because they pointed out something about... Uh, or I'm threatening someone because they, they pointed out something about, uh, um, you know, they didn't like about the way I ran the stake. This this is someone who then reverted to harassing me. And, and we've have ex- we have experienced this person before. So it, it, this is not a new person who, who came out of the woodwork. And, uh, and, he, and, and so when I said they have to explain it to me or else, it's because they, they were not supposed to be doing this. And, uh, and, and they are. And, and they thought I wouldn't know it was them. And they thought, maybe they thought, even if I did, I wouldn't know much about them, so what could I really do? But uh, I did. They, 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 they know that I know who they are and that I know a lot more about them. And by the way, that's another reason I didn't say anything right away, is I was collecting information on them when I knew it was them. But I, uh, I one, wanted to see how far they would take it if I didn't respond. Except on radio, I gave a little response, but I didn't respond to Twitter. I, I, I was trying to just, uh, you know, see what would happen. And, and number two... I wanted to see, um, I wanted to get more information when they thought I didn't really know who they were. So before they try to cover everything up and uh, go into lockdown mode. So, uh, so that that's uh, that that's why that's why I couldn't. Stay. The, the person they were clearly trying to step up their nasty messages to me, which were, again were only to me they weren't even for the public to see, it was only to me to try to get me mad and, and try to uh, and, and try to upset me and write bad things about my son and, and they were only doing this just to be a jerk and just to harass me and uh, you know, I, I'm not gonna I'll, I'll, I'll take the uh, the trolling, I'll take the uh, the name calling and, and, and uh, jokes made what, at my expense, but I, I can't What's interesting to me What's interesting to me is this person either was like lurking the day that you relate that you had the, the family emergency. They were either lurking amongst people, you know, at the Rio, like looking for you, or even more creepy, they had some sort of informant or somebody that informed them of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, 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 I don't want to go into the whole thing of what how, what I know here and how I figured it out. And there's a, there's a lot of things this person doesn't understand of what I know about. There's a few things they don't understand. And they're listening to this, by the way. They're either listening now live. I said that before. Yeah. There's, they're either listening live or they're listening. They're going to listen well, to the whatever. Right I'm shortly. not saying to give anything away. I'm just saying either way, that's pretty creepy. Oh, it is. Because this isn't someone that's playing tournaments. So either they're there, like, literally knowing where you are and what room you're at and looking for you without you at without you seeing them or they have somebody that that's informing on yeah. you. Like it's either way. It's very stalkerish. Like, I mean, just think about what I just said. Yeah, of course. Like it, it, it of course, like yeah. somebody's and, literally drove all the way down there and made a point to either spy on you 
or to contact somebody to spy on you. Either way, it's it's fucking nuts. Yeah, and and this person here, like, uh, and they violate. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, especially with the things after this. I'm I'm even just ignoring now the fact everything they did involving the stake and trying to bring that out. And, and by the way, they, they mocked me about, uh, ha, 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 I, I made you pay $1,500 Jew gold. They were so proud of themselves. But, uh, but, but I'm going to put all that aside. I'm going to put all that aside and just chalk that part up to them trying to uh, bring a concern forward about my behavior. I don't agree with it, and I don't like the way they went about it. I don't like the, they gave me four hours to, to, to do something before calling me out. But... Uh, I'll, I'll put that stuff aside. I'll say that's fine. Fine. You wanted to call out what you thought was a poker fraud committed by me? Fine. Fine. But there's no excuse for the stuff after. You can't explain the stuff after. You can't explain the stuff you wrote about my son. Uh, or the stuff about my girlfriend. Some of the personal stuff you write about me. Well, how do you explain that one? And that you continued and you, you waited for me to play the main event and, and tweeted things during that? And... Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's someone who's really trying to actually harass me and, and anger me and trying to interfere with, with, with my poker tournaments. And, and, and they were doing it over and over yeah. and over again. And, uh, and But what they don't know is that I know a lot about them. I know a whole lot about them. Like, they don't even realize. They, I, I, they know one thing I know now. That I, I, I'm not going to say what that is, but they, they're aware of one thing I know very well and that I... I have a way to uh, contact a lot of people associated with what I talked about there. What what I, uh, um, but th- they don't realize how much I know. I know what whatever you think I know about you, multiply it by about ten. That's what I really know. You have no idea how much I've found. You have no idea, and I'm not just posturing here. I'm not just posturing here. And you may think the thing that I uh, revealed I knew was you know something that could probably be found in public record in some way. There's so much more I, I know that couldn't even be found in public record. You believe me? You should get in contact with me. Because I'm furious about what you did, and you had no reason to do it. Even if you want to say you had the right to bring up the stuff about the 3K event, it should have ended there. It did not end there. Okay? And, and it, it's... I, so so I, I need to be contacted. If I'm not, then I'm going to have to find uh, other ways to make sure this is going to be over and be done. So anyway... Hey, Drew, for what it's worth, for what it's worth, I know, uh, <clears throat> I know some Hells Angels who, <laughs> you know... Breaking stuff, in their opinion, is a lot of fun. Just putting it out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, thing I want to say about this is that this person has a long history of being creepy and stalkerish. And there was allegedly supposed to be a, for lack of a better word, a ceasefire and all that. But apparently this person's word and honor isn't isn't good. That's what's concerning capacity. me. That's what's, that's what's concerning me. So that's why I have to uh, – yeah. and again, I don't want them to come back with, oh, so that means I can't say anything if you do something that's shady? No, uh, that's, um, that's no, not my problem. No, you made it clear. It's about the other stuff. It's about, about the other stuff. Where there's, there's no excuse for the other yeah. stuff. And uh, so that's, that, that's, that's why it was clear this was about harassment and not about uh, a true concern about the way I was behaving with the stake. It was just he found a reason to start harassing me. And then once I once I satisfied everybody with my response, and he's like, "Oh crap! Well, that's over." They locked my thread on two plus two. Nobody seems to nobody seems to think Druff did anything wrong except me. So he's like, "Well, crap! Where do I go now?" Oh, I know. I'm just going to start harassing him. Don't, by the way, don't think he wasn't throwing in tons of personal insults and nasty stuff in in his tweets to me during the stuff about the stake. It was kind of a mixture of both. Hey, but then, well, so, Druff, is, the reason this, why, is this why something the, that Hinckley would have done? 
<laughs> like if Hinckley was in the modern age, is this the kind of shit he would have done? Yeah, probably. Pro- probably. It's, it's, you know? it's the thing that's so that's so ironic about all this is out of everyone I know that plays WSOP events, you're by far the most anal about getting there on time. Like, I mean, you don't even like to miss the first hand. Yeah. You know, I mean, I get there sometimes yeah, an it, hour, two hours but not, late. But not when it's even... day two. No, day, day two, when I admit. When it's day well, two, yeah, when it's day two Dref, Dref is a lot more relaxed. The, 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 the thing but, is, what, what, <laughs> no. but that, the point I'm making is he's, you know, we're not talking about a Vinny Vin here. You know, we're not I talking know. about someone that would oversleep or be out at the strip club all night. His biggest vice would be he'd be on the Internet too late the night before. You know, maybe, no, maybe. He'd be, he'd be, it would take him too long to spank one out, so it'd be a little bit late. You know? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's so stupid, and and for uh, and 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 I've never done this before, and it's not, you know, I, I haven't. Uh, you know, I, I I really try to be transparent with everything with these stakes. It was just a very weird situation, and afterwards I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, what do I do here? And the person kept saying over and over, "You didn't bring this up on radio that night." You didn't. Oh yeah, because I wasn't ready to address it. I wasn't. I didn't even feel like doing radio. And, that. and draw for the for the record, let me let me just say, as a, a third party in, in all of this, had I been the one that the this shit was happening to, I, I mean, I would have been late. I might not even showed up at all. I mean, it, it was uh, not a good situation. Yeah. You know? so, so, yeah. And, well, and I, I, people aren't even questioning, like, people – and the thing is, it's not even about, uh, you know, the reason for showing up late. The, the bottom line is I, I didn't want to transfer any of my problems onto people who, who bought into the right. to pieces of me. So r- whether it was a good reason or not, if I didn't show up on time and it hurt my equity, which it did, then uh, then they deserve something back. Because that, that's, the thing that's ironic is if this person basically shot their load too soon. Because if they really were going to try to call you out on something, they should have waited. That's what Mason said. Mason yeah. Mason Malmuth even gave him a well, hard time for that. Oh, really? Ma- oh, Ma- Mason, that, huh? Mason said, like, uh, um, if you had waited a week and said something and, and would tell us it still had not, uh, still had not uh, contacted any of the investors, then uh, then you would right. have a point. However, since you brought I it up. I hate to for, say it. You, Mason's right. Yeah, I mean, since you brought it up for. He said, he said, since yeah. you brought it up four hours after it happened, uh, there's no way you can prove it either way, so you need to drop this. That's what yeah, he said. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon's 100% right. This guy jizzed in his his jeans as he was trying to get him off. You yeah. Know I mean? <laughs> well, I'm sure when, when, when he, totally. you know, yeah, no, as soon as this happened, he's like, Oh my God, this is perfect. I'm going to make him look like a scam. Like I, I could see he like, couldn't uh, wait. He he's, just couldn't he's wait. like, he's yeah. like, I wonder what Jeff's going to say about this. Oh, he's not telling anyone. Oh, he's on the radio talking about stuff, but not talking about this. Okay. Wow. I'm going to make him look awful. Like then he didn't bother to think, wait a minute, maybe, maybe I should wait here. To see what happens, so so I can see if this is just a matter of Druff is thinking about what to do, or it's uh, or it's a matter of uh, uh, of he really is trying to hide it from people. And and he saw he should have seen that I was thinking about what to do because once he brought it up publicly and I still didn't answer to it for twenty six hours, that shows that I that I was thinking. Otherwise, obviously, once he brought it out, obviously I didn't think I'm going to get anything by anyone. So uh, anyway, it's it's so stupid. Uh, and and this, it's, it's because of who did it is the worst thing. Uh, I got a text from 314. And by the way, I'm, I'm done with the show. There are two more topics, but I'm not going to do them tonight. We'll do them next week. Uh, uh, here, here's uh, – it says, Todd, you need some good rest, man. So it's a, um, here's, here's a story with the rest. Uh, I, so I had to be there at 11, and uh, since I'm downtown now, I have to leave it earlier than I usually do. Usually if I, if I leave the room I, – I don't I actually don't like getting to World Series events early. I find it kind of – just frustrating to get there and sit and sit and sit and wait. Because like, I, I want to start. Like, when I'm there, I want to start playing poker. I hate just get. Like, I wouldn't want to get there 15 minutes early and sit and wait and wait. So when I'm staying at the Rio, 
I, I do come down. I have it timed very well where I can. it takes me eight minutes out of the room to get to the Amazon room and about seven minutes to get to the pavilion room. So, like, I have it timed very well where I get there, like, usually with about a minute or two before it starts. Uh, sometimes with day two, I'll, I'll, except for that one incident, I'll try to get there a few minutes earlier just because of the importance of, uh, of day two and, and, and further days, like day three. But, uh, uh, but, so, but from the Rio, I usually leave, you know, pretty close to where, you know, so if, if the event's starting at 11... Then I'll leave the room at, at 10:51 or something, or 10:50, so you know something like that. But but here it's a little tougher because I'm actually driving there from downtown, and uh, so I have to leave earlier from that, and I have to, have to sleep, and I have to you know get ready. The the only thing is that uh, I slept for 11 hours, and uh, and woke up in the afternoon today. So uh, how the hell did you do that? I, I can't sleep. I haven't, I haven't slept for 11 hours in in like probably. It's probably been good twenty years. I can I can sleep for I can if I'm tired enough I can sleep for sixteen hours. One time I slept for seventeen and a God half hours. Damn, I've I never, can't do that how, anymore. This has got to be the longest you've slept after, since you've had a kid. Um, well, let me think. Wait, you slept eleven hours without waking up once? I, I was actually like I was actually sleep? awakened once by uh, by an inter, an Indian scam call, which we're going to do as the final thing on the show tonight. Uh, if I, if if it's around for real, yes. I woken up by a because what happened is I th- I thought I turned I thought I turned off my phone's volume I usually turn off my phone's ringer when I go to sleep uh, but I forgot to turn off my Indian ringer my, my, I forgot to turn off my ringer and I get a call it was actually a I assume it was India it didn't it was a automated thing it says hello this is about the extended warranty you purchased from Microsoft and yeah you know, so I just hung up on it as soon as I heard that I'm like this will be good for radio tonight and hung, and hung up and went back to sleep but uh. I, I I think if I attempted to go to sleep right now, I probably have trouble falling asleep, just because I haven't been up that long and I slept off so much before. But on the other hand, I can't go to bed. Yeah. Too, I can't go to bed too late, or otherwise I don't get enough sleep. So it's it's always hard when you have that. You've got to. Uh, Let's finish the show. Do the do whatever topics you got, man. Yeah, but I just uh, I, I kind of feel like I'm worn out. What, what time is it there? It, it's one thirty. So. I'm gonna, oh, here, oh, it is one thirty. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going to make Callum, that. When do you get no back idea. to the states? Uh, the fifteenth, I think. You know, I'll I tell think you. it's either the. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. You go ahead, please. I think it's it's the fifteenth, but it's one of those things where I, like, technically I'm in the states on the fifteenth, but then it's going to be the sixteenth. You know what I mean? I'll tell you, I, I've been monitoring your trip, not homo or stalkerish. On Facebook, and I, I, yep. I really don't. My whole Facebook approach basically is, you know, when I'm taking a shit or waiting for you know food or whatever, just to right. have a couple minutes. You know, I log onto Facebook, and basically whatever it, it just shows me, I'll just start right. scrolling. I don't ever, you know, go to anyone's page like a lot to look unless I have some reason to. But for the unless last it's a hot week, chick. Yeah, well, yeah. But for the, like the last week, I've been looking at your page like once or twice a day, just yep. you know. And you'd wonder why you know, am I looking at your wife or your kids or no? I'm looking at the food you've been eating, and that's the only reason yeah. why I'm like you know because you're posting all your meals, and I'm like yeah, oh, and fuck, that's mostly, let me see what he, mostly what I've been posting. Yeah, yeah. Let me see what he had today, and I'll tell you that yep. fucking wagyu that you posted from Japan. Oh yeah, that looked. I was so hungry. I saw that like around noon, <laughs> and I was so hungry. And Todd, if you have time, look at it because I mean, he's just posting all these really? amazing okay, 
like real, like you know, literally, like you know, he's in fucking Japan in Tokyo. Uh, that Wagyu well, meal was the real fucking deal, man. Then, I'm, I'm going to go look right now. Today, what was in the style of those noodles that you had? Oh, those are those are just like street noodles. Those are like yakisoba noodles. Yeah, I see that. They're a, really a, good. Big, they, a big noodle yeah. thing. I'm seeing that right now. But that yeah. Wagyu beef, it was like medium <coughs> rare, almost rare. And it looks yeah. so w- – w- how much did that cost? What would, what would be the um, conversion if that was dollars? So, would you guess? Just, so actually, just for the, the Wagyu. So the thing you're looking at that probably looked medium rare was the thing that they brought out kind of as an appetizer. And it was actually, you know how some... Um, yeah, because it was only sashimi, like two slices. It was only two yeah, slices, I think. Right. You know how some sashimi is, uh, it's like a piece of fish formed over some rice? Of course. So that's what this was. It was kind of a, it was exactly that. It was Wagyu. Uh, mimicking some of the sashimi, so it was over a little thing of rice, and you're, you're meant to pick it up and eat it in one bite. But if you look at the rest of the pictures, there's another picture that has all of the Wagyu uncooked. Um, and there you can just really see, like, the marbling on the Wagyu, and it's just fucking off the hook. And it, it was really incredible. And you know what else I, I noticed about you? You know, when you hear someone on the radio and you don't know what they look like, or even on the phone, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You kind of envision what you think they should look like based on their voice. And right. I meant to tell you this a while ago. You're a big dude. I mean, you're you're. Yes. How tall are you? Uh, a little over six two. And then you're like a good what two forty maybe? Yeah, almost exactly two forty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're a big dude. In fact, you know, with the with, you know with the goatee and everything, you actually kind of yeah. look like. One, I forget his name, but the lead singer from Cypress Hill. Do you remember that? Yeah, the, 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 yeah the a little bit. 80s, 90s, yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyhow, yeah, so I've been just following, you know, started off because of the dog, because of Kumba, and then it led to all this f- amazing gourmet food you're posting all over the, the fucking Eastern, you know, Asia, and it just it looks amazing. It's amazing, man. Good stuff. Yeah, there's been some There's been some good meals. I got some stuff I haven't posted yet either. Yeah. We, uh uh, yeah, we ate at a, an Italian joint, believe it or not, because um, the last night we had the that Wagyu meal, but the night before we were going to go eat there, and we tracked it all the way there, and we walked in, and the guy's like, uh, your reservation? And I'm like, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, you know, he's like, oh, so sorry, you know, we, we can't, and I'm like, okay, can I make a reservation for tomorrow? And then uh, we found a pizza joint upstairs from there. Actually, pizza joint's wrong. An Italian joint, super high-class Italian place, had amazing Italian food, which I never would have expected uh, in Tokyo. Like, it was absolutely outstanding. Um, and that so, was really, really good, too. So the, the place that you went last night or whenever it was mm-hmm. for the Wagyu, is that was that like yep. a high end place or is that just like okay I'm in Tokyo I'm going to like some corner restaurant and that's what they serve? So the weird thing about Tokyo is, and I guess you could find this in a lot of big cities, but I've noticed it more here, is that there are a ton of little tiny restaurants. Like I've even seen some restaurants that have uh, room for six people, and that's it, right? Um, and but there are a ton of little tiny restaurants that do. You know, I, I wouldn't call them, like, high-end, but they're certainly not cheap either. Um, and that's kind of what this place is. And there are a ton of them just all over the place. But, no, I actually sought out this place. 
um, based on talking to the concierge and then also just looking around uh, on the internet. Uh, specifically, I wanted some Wagyu. Um, and that's how we ended up finding it and going in there. But they, they spoke no English or very little English. And there's no English at all in the menu. Uh, so the fun part is we were using uh, Google Translate, which I don't know if you ever used it, but you can actually hold it over text and it will translate it on the fly. So you'll be looking at something in Japanese Japanese, and then the translation will kind of fade in, like VR style, on top of whatever you're looking at. Um, so it's really kind of cool. <laughs> hmm. um, but you wow. uh, you asked the question, what did it cost? So the Wagyu samplers that we we bought, uh, so we each got one. They were each 9,000 yen. Um, so that's like, I don't know, 80, low 80s. Here for <laughs> something else. Now, now I'm all amped up to do it, and uh, let me see here. Oh no, these are the numbers I tried last time that didn't uh, that didn't work. I think there's one more number someone sent me. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, here, here's one other thing I'll bring up that's not related to Indian scams, but it has to do with a scam. Um. Supposedly at the Borgata, they're having an issue again with counterfeit chips, but not complete counterfeit oh, chips. Oh, come on. No, they're not complete counterfeit. And these aren't about uh, poker. This is now – well, I guess it's not about tournament poker. Supposedly $500 chips that are meant for home games that I, I believe they uh, – I don't know who manufactures them. But they're replica Borgata chips where they don't say Borgata on them. They say Boardwalk. They say Atlantic City Boardwalk instead of Atlantic City Borgata. But it's written in the same font. And the way Borgata is written in that font and with the same B, you can not look at it carefully and think it says Borgata when it says Boardwalk. So, so but, the, but it's got to be an apparent quality difference too, right? I, I don't know, but uh, I, I'm being told that... Because I know what those chips cost, and people aren't going to pay that. I, you I'm, know, for high-quality clay chips, people aren't, aren't going to pay that for, like, a cheesy souvenir-type souvenir thing. Yeah, well, so, someone's saying that uh, these, these chips are... Uh, that they're making their way into the high-stakes cash games and even at the craps tables this week, and that uh, oh they're, actually getting, they're actually getting by people, and that, and that also they don't always know who they came from. Because it doesn't right. say this, but I'm just assuming this. They don't know who it came. They came from because if it makes the rounds a few times and gets back to somebody else, you don't even. And then they rebet it. Uh, they may not know. So, right. Uh, so this this is. Uh, I, I see an example of both of them: the one for Borgata and Boardwalk, and it really looks identical in these pictures, other than the one says Borgata, one says oh. Boardwalk, but it's in the same font. So that's. Uh... <laughs> if you know a ton of pros. Are shitting themselves and running to their box. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to open it up and go through them to see if they got any of these fucking things. Yes, I, I I don't ever store chips in my box. I always just store cash. I, I'm just always afraid to store chips really? that, that they're going to get changed out at some point or something else is going to happen. I just say, you know, what? I'm just going to convert it all to cash and rebuy later. I know if you're playing very high stakes all the time, though, uh, then it can be a huge pain in the ass because to buy in that amount, yeah. especially if you need to buy in for tens or hundreds of thousands, that's very hard to do. And, uh, I was going to say, most people I know keep a combination of chips and cash. Yeah. So, 
All right, I, th I think I don't have any numbers. Let me take a quickly check the chat room if anybody has any numbers there that would possibly answer it. This the problem is I think the Indians really do uh, take this time off of the night for us and the day for them, you know, because they just they figure that people aren't going to be calling back the IRS at two in the morning. So it's it's too bad though because I, I that's, sometimes we have these problems that the show is on at a time that we can't make certain phone calls, and this is one of those times. So anyway, I. I'm kind of, uh, I could stay up longer, to be honest, but uh, I don't want to wear myself out doing a really long show and then feel kind of fatigued for the show by the time the event comes tomorrow. So I think I'm going to table the other two topics, the Trooper 97 topic about the collusion and the uh, that weird thing about the guy calling the FBI on America's card room. I think I will table <laughs> that to next week. I will be... Real fast, what's your prediction on this whole thing now coming out? With uh, Trump Jr. releasing those emails, much to do about nothing. Is the Kushner kid gonna take the fall? What's gonna what? Just a couple sentences, both of you, on what you predict we're gonna see out of the fallout in the coming weeks. Uh, it's hard to tell right now. I, I don't. I, I actually don't think it's gonna be a massive fallout. I think it's gonna be one of many things that Trump has criticized for heavily over the years, but. Uh, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think this is going to be like a major scandal, like uh, like Watergate, where it brings in a presidency or anything close to that. What about Kushner just basically committing a felony by apparently lying on his security clearance app? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, some of these things remain to be seen, but I, I could see a lot of these things kind of just being uh, not really getting anywhere after being a lot of a lot of noise for a while, and it doesn't really get anywhere. Or gets to some kind of slap on the wrist situation, like maybe, and then maybe you know Kushner is uh, is kind of pushed out of view for as a result of this. But uh, yeah, I, I can't really tell yet what's going to happen. But I, I don't think it's as major as some people are making it out to be, as far as what the ultimate uh, resolution is going to be. Callowat, what do you think? So I hadn't been following any of this shit because, as you can imagine, I've been busy traveling and stuffing my face with lots of really good food. You know, but I did have a I did have a buddy of mine back home who's like, uh, you know, have you been following this? This is crazy. Right. So I'm like, all right, I better go check out what this is, because the way he was talking about it, it, it sounded like, you know, uh, their impeachment was looming, you know, that type of thing. And then I read up on everything and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, it just didn't seem as uh, as crazy or a smoking gun as had been kind of conveyed to me, I guess. Um, but again, I haven't. I have not been following it all along. I've been, you know, too busy eating the wagyu. You know? I, I think some people see stories like this and they read it with their hearts instead of their heads. And if they hate Trump so much, they 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 want to find any reason to believe that uh, this is going to be the big thing that gets him out of office. And uh, and then they're disappointed when ultimately it doesn't. And uh, it, I'll say this though: uh, there's this talk about collusion for the election. This, this is what confuses me. Um, like, take now. This doesn't involve a foreign country, but take this video with Trump talking about grabbing the woman by the pussy that came out. That was from, <laughs> just grabbing by the pussy. Yeah, from two thousand five. That that Jesus that Christ. that's that secret tape that was made of Trump from two thousand five. <laughs> that coming out late in the election cycle. That wasn't a coincidence that it first came out then. Of course not. So, someone brought it. Someone brought it to Hillary's camp. And, and said, oh, here's something damaging for Trump. 
against Trump, and and they used it. So, and this this happens all the time in politics, where where someone comes to one side of an election and who who wants the other side, to, who wants that side to win, and says, "Here's dirt we have on the other side. Go ahead and use it." So. Uh, right. well, Whenever I, I see one of those, I, I think there's your campaign dollars at work. Yeah. So, so you know I, what I mean, because someone someone from the campaign paid a bunch of money for this thing and they waited to release it. I'm not even sure know? if they paid. They may have paid. They may not have paid. It may have just been someone who hated Trump. It, it could be one a lot of things. But I, I when I and usually there's money. Usually there's yeah. money exchange. So <laughs> what? What I don't understand with this Russia thing, what collusion in the election would be if they could find direct evidence that. Uh, Trump said, okay, give me this and I will give you favorable treatment with that if I'm elected. And I haven't seen that. I, I've seen that they have knowledge that, that, that uh, Russia was trying to – Russia would say, hey, we have some dirt on Hillary. Oh, and by the way, can you guys uh, help us out with such and such? And it's, it kind of seems like uh, they don't really go there and they just go, well, you know, maybe come back with this information later. Like we're not, we're not, I'm not seeing something here where Trump ever said – where it's shown that Trump or someone representing him said – um, yes, give us the information on Hillary, and then we will give you favorable treatment in such and such way if we become elected. That that would be something very significant. I still have not seen that. And just simply accepting information from Russia that, or, or even having discussions about uh, that, the fact that they have information uh, uh, you know, against Hillary isn't collusion. That's just one interested party that wants to help out one side that happens to be a foreign country, which I... I agree that it's not a good look. You shouldn't do this with foreign countries. You should just, uh, if a foreign country comes to you and says, hey, we have information on your opponent, as tempting as it is to say, yes, give it to us, you know they're not doing it because they like you. They're doing this because they, they want some favorable treatment, and it's better to steer clear of that, and it's a mistake to to involve yourself at all in that, or otherwise uh, it not only looks bad, but then they're going to be expecting favors down the line, and even if it's not ever said. But but the point is, for it to actually be collusion, there has to it has to be an exchange of one thing for another. And either something that was agreed to, or something that wasn't agreed to, but implied that was delivered or attempted to be delivered. And I haven't seen this. I haven't seen an example of where now something has happened for Russia because they did this, that, that could directly be tied to this or, or, or any promise of something that will happen for Russia uh, in exchange for this. So that's that's what I'm not seeing. Uh, I, I could even see collusion where if, if Russia said, hey, you know, we, we have some ways to hack the DNC server. Um, would you like us to do this and then give you the info? And then Trump says, yeah, yeah, go, you know, go ahead and do that and see what you find. That that could be too, but we're, not, we're also not seeing that. We're, we're more seeing that Russia comes up with things on their own or, or, or claims to have come up with something on their own. And then brings it to people associated with Trump, say they have it, ask if they're interested, and then also in the same conversation, almost pretending like it's unrelated, but the, impl- the implication is it's not, oh, by the way, uh, uh, we're concerned with this, we're concerned with that. But it, but it's, it's uh, um, I, I still haven't seen anything which, which really does make a collusion here, and I haven't seen anything that could be you know, really that legally actionable, aside from some things like with Jared Kushner and the, the security application and ones like that, which you know, he shouldn't have done and, and which, which could be could be some consequence for him. But it's, it's not quite the, the major thing with the, the smoking gun that they're really looking for, that they really need to see Trump impeached. That, that's the longer version. That's my longer version to answer that. And, and it's, uh, you know, I didn't vote for Trump. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I, I'm just, I, there's a lot of people with anything involving Trump. And I, I mentioned this last week. 
people and organizations that want to see Trump fail so badly that they're not satisfied with only reporting on legitimate things he does wrong or, or embarrassing things he does or says that they take it a step farther and actually... Yeah, Druff, and I, I see that all the time, too, and the irony is it's not like he's not going to fuck it up on his own anyway. So why why would they go out of their way and lose their credibility? Just let the guy step on his Yeah, that's what I never understood. That's what I never understood. If they want to wait for him to do things that are going to be newsworthy, to look at, make him look bad, let him do it and then just report on it as it happens. Don't. There's no point to, uh, to twist things around and make things look worse than they are, report things that aren't totally true. Because what happens is right. everybody, everybody just tunes them out. People, you know, things are proven untrue, and then they're like, you know, like we can't trust the media with anything. And then, and then Trump starts to look like he's credible by saying it's fake news and that the media is is, is after him because the, they actually are. So, so because yeah, if there's anybody that you could be confident is at some point going to say something, you know, to get himself in trouble, it's probably Trump. Yeah. You know, he'll just tweet something out, you know, or whatever. I don't understand why, of all people, why they have to make stuff, make, you know, mountains out of molehills for this guy. You know what I mean? I, I really do think that they're just going to lose credibility by doing that. Yeah. But by the way, there's a, there's so much disposition in chat. He, uh, he definitely doesn't like Trump. He says, uh, had to come back in to say how failed this conversation is. Talk about Republicans seeing what they want. LOL, listen to yourself. Just, just felonies. Sad. If this is liberals, we know what would be seen. Laws were broken here, and not just a Republican word to be said. Uh, not a Republican word to be said. So much for the Constitution they, they love to talk about. Do the research. Russian banks supported slash support everything the Trump family does, but you can't find a link. Uh, so, so okay, this is not about finding. If any- there are crimes committed, if there are crimes committed, they will be prosecuted. And for the record, I mean, I am not a registered Republican, so they, 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 you know, they just. I mean, to, I know Druff is, but I'm not. They they just need to see. Uh, we're talking about the collusion with the Russian investigation. We're not. I'm not saying that nothing was done that was wrong. I'm not saying that right. nothing was done that wasn't legal. I'm saying that for something to be severe enough to uh, successfully impeach and remove Trump from office, it has to be something really major, not just something which is technically illegal. But but isn't as as major, and you can't just say oh he has ties with Russia therefore they're colluding. It, it can't be that collusion in an election is where you are receiving something, and then doing something else. You know that in, in this sense collusion collusion between a candidate and a country that that the country would be doing you a favor during the election and then you're doing a favor back for them and that and that's either agreed upon or or strongly implied and and it can be proven that it was implied not just you're guessing it was implied and that, that that's what has yeah, to be done that's and, that's the standard. The interesting thing from my perspective, and I don't even mean just now with Trump, but I also mean with uh, when it came up with uh, George W. Bush. And then I think there were people that probably were always fringe people talking about it with Obama in terms of impeaching someone. A lot of people who are who are talking about getting the president impeached don't even know what it means to do that. Um, like, I mean, Druff, are you, do you know what it means to impeach the president? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's not actually removing him from office. I know it's, it's, uh, in fact, Bill Clinton was impeached. Doesn't it? Yeah. It doesn't remove him from office at all. Yeah, it doesn't. It's more just like, you know, know, it's one house waving a stink finger at him. And if he actually is going to be prosecuted, it's the, up to the other house to then prosecute him. Right. And, and, and Clinton was, Clinton was impeached and he was never removed. So that's an example. Right. Right. Uh, and to date, there is not a single president that has been impeached and removed from office. 
hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, so yeah, he's saying in, in there all the you know, the bank of the ties to Trump and, Ru- and Russia. That is not collusion. That's 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 a different story. That's that's not the same thing as collusion in the election. You you can't just automatically relate the two. So uh, anyway, I, th- this could go on forever. This discussion, but th- that's that's my opinion about right. this. I'm not even defending Trump with this stuff necessarily. I'm just saying that the, I think there's a lot of people who hate him that are seeing this with their heart instead of with their head. And they, they want to find they, – they're just waiting for something to fall that will be the moment they're going to go, ah, the nightmare is going to be over. Trump's going to be out. In fact, it's not even – 2017 It's not even over yet. It's only half over. He's going to be gone. Oh, my God. It's, it's so three and a half years early. But it's not, uh, it's not that simple. And maybe this will happen down the line. Maybe something down the line will be found that is incriminating enough to where – or he does something else that will get him removed from office. Maybe that will happen. I'm not saying it won't. But uh, at this point, I don't see that. But yeah, we'll see. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I don't. I don't think so. Anyway, regardless of what your political opinion might be, thank you for listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, and I will be back next week, presumably on Wednesday, the nineteenth, and uh, the main event. Hold on. I, I got to stop this. I, I just want to see. Oh. I want to see. You, you hear the song I play? The, the, the... No. All that happens for me is your voice gets really weak and it crackles. And that's my cue that I know that you're playing some okay. music. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let me see if I, maybe I can fix this stupid sound thing again before we end it just so you can. Maybe that'll help because I, I think that might be the reason why. I think when I add additional people to the call, it messes up. Let me see. This is a good experiment here at the end of the show. Can you hear this now? Can you hear that? Yes. Okay. Now let's see. If I oh, talk, yes. if I talk over, is that any better? Is that better? I mean, a little bit. It, it kind of fades in and out. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's just the way Skype is working these days. I wish we could go back. We could go back to the old one. But uh, let me. Uh, I want to look at the World Series structure sheet, and I, I want to see. Uh, how far uh, I want to see how far I would be if I could not do the show on uh, next Wednesday. What, what is the, I, I hope you can't, I know what's, what's, what's the, what's the miracle? <laughs> awesome. What's the miracle that would have to occur? Okay. No, you know what? The, nothing could happen. Even if I'm the chip leader at that point, I could still do the show. Why? Because on July 19th, they're already down to the final nine, and there's a two-day break before the final table. Oh, so I, so nice. so I, I could be here technically doing the show on the nineteenth, talking about. Uh, Would you do it? That's the question. You better Would ask Trederisky for a room. <laughs> <laughs> How funny would that be if I if I'm uh, if I can't? Only if, you would be the chip leader at the main event and too cheap to get your own. Room. Yeah, I'm the, 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 the chip leader of the, uh, the main event with nine people left and and just go. You know, I I don't want to spend for a room tonight. I'm going to get Trader Risky to help me again. Drew, let's say you're a medium stack, and you are at the the final table of the main event. Yeah. Will you do the show um, on the nineteenth? I actually might, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't. You know what? I probably. You know, I may not because I may actually want to just like 
spend the time like frantically doing research on my opponents and see what I can figure out. But you don't have the you don't have the months long break now to study them, which I think is good. But mm-hmm. you do have two days. I may want to start doing that. But you know, I'm not going to worry about this right now. We're coming into day three. I've got an, a little bit above average deck, and uh, it starts. The Hanson kid is not in. He was playing the little one for one drop today. So the, the Hanson kid came in with a short stack on day two and did not make it. So what about instead of studying, you know, too hard, the people that are there, you know, get a massage and do radio. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, I think. Maybe, I, maybe cash in that happy ending coupon that you were hanging on to, you know? Oh, this is interesting. They're they're saying here on the structure sheet. Now, this is just a guess, that, you know, before the whole thing played out. But they're saying on the structure sheet, the money bubble is expected to be to hit late in the evening on day three, likely around four, level fourteen or fifteen. I don't know if I can believe that. I don't know if I can believe that. I think it's going to be early day four, but may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the bigger field. And by the way, can... for the record, I know a lot of the line noise has been my fault, but the, the current line noise is not my fault. That is 100% not me. It, it could be the – are you saying noise or just poor connection? The the, the noise. Like oh, the, the noise. Flat, flat. I, I, oh, I think that may be Brandon. You doing something yeah. there, Brandon? No, I'm just sitting here. I'm okay. not, not on my end. I'm Weird. On... I don't know who it is then because I'm sitting here. Trader Ruski, what about you? Are you awake? No I forgot he was here. Maybe he's like turning over in his sleep. What is what is the noise? That now? very well could be true. What what they claim is level fourteen or fifteen is actually only two K, four K, and twenty five hundred, five thousand blinds. That's that's that sounds kind of early for me to see the uh, to see them hit. Keep in mind we're starting out as to, at at uh, one thousand, two thousand. So they're telling me that the money bubble is going to hit before that even multiplies by more than two and a half. Hmm. I don't know about that. Well, we will see. We will see if if maybe tomorrow is the money bubble, and I'll see if I get my uh, second cash in the main event ever. And uh, what's interesting, I was talking to Jeremy Osmus. He said that other than 2012, where he made it ninth, he never cashed in. Like, oh, it's just like me. I, I only, other than when, when I made 88th, which wasn't as good as ninth, of course, I haven't cashed in it. Though I, I came very close two years and fairly close one year. So we will see. And, uh, yeah, so we'll probably have radio in a week is the honest answer. So, uh, next week should be around, I won't be in Vegas anymore unless I'm making the final table. It'll be at uh, around uh, 8 o'clock Pacific time. Yeah, I am hearing. I am hey, hearing, Druff, yeah, I'm Druff, hearing that Druff. noise. I'm yeah. sorry, I got an idea for you. Yeah. I got an idea for you. Yeah. If you do make this final table. You know how all the companies are going to be, you know, seeking you out for sponsorship and patch wearing and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Tell them, no, what you have to do is become a permanent sponsor of Poker Fraud Alert for, you know, X number of years contract. contract. You know what I mean? <laughs> get them on board. The only problem is – Like, use, use it to get them on board. The only problem is that I, I don't want to have to – be under any kind of uh, expected behavior on the show to get uh, to have sponsors. That's hey, if you if you are like chip leader at that final table, you're in the driver's seat. You can be like, look, I'm going to say whatever I'm going to say. You're going to be a sponsor for three years, and otherwise, <laughs> forget it. You know, uh, if you make it, Druff. If you make it through tomorrow, I'm going to send an email out to Manischewitz. 
<laughs> what will um, it cost me for you to get a tasty steaks tattoo? <laughs> that would be a lot. On your on your chest on your chest, and you have to wear your shirt unbuttoned to where you're showing it. Maybe I can wear a tank top. Borrow, I can borrow from Doug Polk. Yeah, you borrow from Doug Polk's up. Uh, I can go through seriously serious. You know? I can say seriously serious. Hey, get get one of Doug Polk's tank tops for me. I can even have him like steal one. <laughs> I can have him just like sneak one out of Doug Polk's house. Right. Uh, all right. So hopefully I, I'm not going to be like all pissed off tomorrow that I'm out in day three. It's possible. You know, it's not. Uh, when you come in with a little bit more than average, anything can happen. Like I, I could have like a wonderful day and come in with like massive chips for day four. I could have an, an okay day and come in with average chips for day four. I can have a terrible day and be out. You never know. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of noise in the background. Who's doing that? Someone's making noise here. All right, well, it's going to be over in a minute anyway. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Trader Ruski, for giving me this room at the Golden Nugget. And thank you, Calwatt, for coming on from Tokyo. And no, we just lost Calwatt. Thank you, Brandon, for appearing on the second portion of this fraud show. And I see the show restarted a few times, so I'll probably have to combine it to put it in the archives. It'll be in the archives. If there's any sound problems tonight, uh, that's a matter of just not having good internet here. It's always strange doing these shows in between the main event days. I remember I heard a show, an old show, playing on the Call to Listen line from like 2012 where I was all happy about my stack and then I didn't cash and I, I hear that show now and I go, oh, if only I knew what was coming. But maybe I'll say that in a good way this time. That is all, people. I will see you guys later. Or I'll talk to you guys later. Not to see you. At least that's true for most of you. Good night, everybody. And... Shalom.